Buckle up, everyone, and welcome to Carpool Rugby League, the show where four rugby league tragics talk everything rugby league on your way to or from work. I'm Graham. I'm Shane. I'm Dan. And I am the chameleon. <laughs> welcome aboard and on <laughs> with the show. Yes, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's another episode of Carpool Rugby League, but oh. it's not just any old episode, people. We have our grand final preview this week. Not only that, it is our 100th episode, so a massive achievement, massive milestone for the boys. Uh, Shano, I'm thinking, gonna... um, I bet you, I, I was just thinking straight off the bat before you ask a question, Gray. I yeah. bet you, Griffo's. Well, the chameleon story, I bet you his voice wasn't that angelic at about 79 minutes into the uh, into the Panthers Storm game. No, it wasn't. But you see, I've been watching The Crown. <laughs> and uh, it goes along with the fact that RL this Sunday... I didn't know we had Prince Charles on. Oh, well... <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. And look, you know, it just it's just it's just another string to your bow, really. Did you um, know actually that uh that his Royal Highness Prince Philip was the patron of rugby league uh for many, many years? Wow. Yes. There you go. It's good to know. And look, there's there, there's plenty to talk about this week. I was gonna to say to you, Shana, it is the hundredth episode. Um yep. you've been there from the start a lot. I just wanted to give you a bit of yes, credit. I, I know Griffo has been a massive part of the show. We've also got Dan on board from last week. Uh, the fan reaction was massive. We just had to have him back on. But those who have been listening from the start would know that, um, you know, Shano, really, this is your, um, I suppose, brainchild in a sense. A lot of people think that because, you know, my voice is the first one they hear and I, I play that role as kind of a host, that, um, you know, they assume that I'm, I'm the captain and we often, you know, joke about that. But... Really, this was your, um, I suppose, your baby to start with. And the main reason I'm in the role I'm in was because back in the day when we started, you had to drive the car. We were fair dinkum in the car yeah, on the way home. Yeah, yeah. We, and was, I had was, to, was, I had the laptop driving. and I was hosting. We and had it just a, wasn't a, safe a, for you a microphone in <laughs> A microphone in the centre console and we were, we were doing all sides of things. And um, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite cool, you know. We, we started off and, you know, like I... Yeah, we just got the idea, went to JB, bought the microphone and um and we just said why not? You know, we 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 often talked about it and we thought yeah, we spoke football in the car, we carpooled and we spoke football um every bit of the way and we thought, well, if we record some of this, maybe one some punter will listen to it and uh and yeah, you guys did. So it was something that over the years has evolved. It's you know, it's now, I suppose, we, we can't even, you know, Zoom or COVID, sorry, has, has changed the way we do things and we Zoom now and that's and that's why it's on your way to or from work and you're probably listening to this walking up and down your hallway, everyone, because you're probably at home. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, look, I've loved every minute of it and that's why we do it. And, uh, you know, we'll be doing it again next year. And, you know, like I always said from the start, if we have one listener or... 
a hundred, it doesn't matter. It's 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 just it's it's a bit of fun for us to get together, talk football, and um, get it out there and get some ideas, get some views out there. Yeah, and then we had Griffo come on board. He's been a massive part of the show. Um, just want to get a quick comment from you, Griffo, because it is our hundredth episode. Obviously, we've got plenty of time to talk about the big game this week. But just wanted to get a comment from you about being a part of Carpool Rugby League and um, and yeah, just 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 having that opportunity every Wednesday to sit down and talk footy. He's gobsmacked. He's he's lost. absolutely he's, he's lost stunned. the words. Before. We're stunned. Could just, you imagine the chameleon with nothing to say? We're obviously having a few technical difficulties there with uh, the chameleon. We'll come back to him. This shows that this show is. Yeah. One take and uncut, yeah. and, and we and... we always said that that was always part of our um that was always part of our thing is yeah. that we said it's going to be one take. And While as a we, fan, um, try Dan, and recover the. I was just going yeah. to go to you. Yeah, I'll get your comments there as a fan because I know you've listened to most pretty much well all uh, ninety eight episodes, and then you were part of episode ninety nine, and now episode one hundred. Yeah, look, and I'm really pleased to, to be on board with you fellas. I really appreciate it. Um, for those listeners out there who, who don't know a bit about my background, I used to work with um, Graham and, and, and Shane and, and the Chameleon, so there's a bit of nepotism involved in, in managing to get on as a guest. Um, but for me, Griffa, uh, the Chameleon's accent was very appropriate. Uh, my current workplace, Rugby League, isn't the biggest focus of discussion. Uh, they're more of a, a union uh, institution. And so I really missed uh, the conversation week to week uh, with you guys about footy. Uh, it was something that, you know, I was sort of lacking. And, and to be honest, guys, I didn't just listen to the podcast because I, I knew you blokes. It's it's a really high quality, you know, fair income production, um, which I really enjoyed uh, having a listen to. And yeah, I'm just happy to be on board. All right. So we've got Griffo back on board here. Griff, um, or the chameleon, I should say, uh, you've been a part of the show for quite a while now. You've been an excellent addition. And, um, yeah, as I was saying before, before we had a few technical issues there, um, just wondering what it means to be able to be a part of the show and um, talk rugby league for a few hours every Wednesday. Well, I must say, it, it, it's been an honour, quite an honour, um, to be part of Carpool Rugby League. Now... I didn't uh, know really how to get onto a podcast. Um, and I, uh, I, I knew you were doing the podcast, Carpool Rugby League, but I didn't have the knowledge until the end of that season, which was, I believe, 2019. And through that uh, off season, I listened to every single podcast uh, that was presented by the very capable. Shano and Graham, and uh, uh, it, it, it was uh, a privilege and an honour to become part of the Carpool Rugby League team in 2020, and uh, to be part of many of these 100 episodes that, uh, that have been put out there to the Rugby League public all around the Rugby League world, and indeed to corners of the earth where Rugby League is not overly known, but now is. Um, and uh, I must say, I, I, I do want to apologize uh, for, for problems uh, with the World Wide Web. He's got another one. <laughs> another problem. I was going to pay your internet bill, chameleon. <laughs> there you go. It looks as though we're having a few, uh, few issues there with, 
with Griffo. Okay. He's having a And uh, look, we've, we've got him back on board there. It, it does mean a lot to um, you know everyone here to be a part of it. And the other thing we've got to do before we get too far into the footy this week is just acknowledge the people beyond what you hear on the show who are a part of the... Um, yeah. Uh, the Carpool Rugby League family. Uh, probably the two main ones are probably Faye in the office, uh, Faye Dingaway, and the other person who puts in some pretty late hours is Sam um, from IT. So yeah, Samsung. Faye, Faye Dingaway and Samsung from IT. Uh, thanks so much for your input. Um, obviously, we've got Sam doing some technical things at the moment, but we were hap- uh, able today to duck into the office as you can hear in the background the office was very busy today buzzing getting ready for the grand final and um putting the last finishing touches on everything that needs to be ready uh, but we were able to get this message from Faye herself for you the listeners ah uh, hi carpool rugby league fans fading away here customer service coordinator and um head voice coach for carpool rugby league I just wanted to say congratulations to the boys for achieving 100 episodes and um, thank the listeners for their support. Oh, so it was really good to hear from Faye there. As you can hear, um, it's just, uh, the, the, she's the, been flat stick scones, on the phone all week. Mind. Scone, scones come to mind. Yeah, she's been flat stick on the phone all week. And as Should, you mentioned uh, there, we have an advertise. She's also our voice coach. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and you can hear through her just that professionalism, the, you know, flexion on certain words. It's just amazing to have her on board. Yeah. So, um, I, and I'll I tell you what, Graeme, um, like the other week you had me on first time, which I really mm. appreciate. Two things about Faye. Um, when you when you mentioned on the podcast, how hey, we might have Dan on, she was on the phone in a heartbeat it was amazing i've never had yeah. such a quick reaction time and then she she spent the whole week basically with me upskilling me because i'd never done a podcast before so her, her dedication to the craft is second to none yeah it's, it's, it's amazing and really we, we can't thank her enough she's really the heartbeat of this show what goes on behind the scenes is amazing so uh thank you Faye. and as she said there thank you to all the listeners well one other evolution and part of uh carpool rugby league which we're starting to see this week and we, we often talked about the fact that we're ad-free. Um, the downside, I suppose, to becoming bigger, like Griffo said, is that you may hear some ads and sponsored uh, spots on the show this week. But one thing I do want to stress, make sure you don't fast forward through the ads. Give our sponsors an opportunity so that you can hear um, the great products that, uh, that we're advertising. We don't advertise anything on this show that we don't believe in and that we don't use ourselves. Um, so that brings us to our first segment here today, guys. We're actually going to review the two finals games from last week. And uh, last week's final games, the uh, the game review is actually sponsored this week by our brand new sponsor. This is the Chameleon School of International Accents. Do you and your friends love to speak in different accents? Of course we do. Have you ever wondered how Hollywood actors nail each accent, regardless of the role they are playing? There is one mum that they all have to think. I am the chameleon. That's right. The world-leading accent coach is now sharing his years of knowledge with the world, with enrollment now open at the Chameleon's International School of Accents. You will be saying, thank you chameleon before you know it. Thank you chameleon. Thank you chameleon. Thank you, Cameroon. Join now and get 10% off. Top of the morning to you. This is St. Patrick's Day. The chameleon's here for you too. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, so uh, first game yeah. we have from finals <laughs> week three was South Sydney defeating uh, the Manly Seagulls 36 points to 16. Uh, this game happened at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Uh, we saw tries in this game for South Sydney. Uh, Walker got over the line a couple of times, as did uh, Johnston. Paulo got a couple as well, with Campbell Graham also scoring. The try scorers for the Manly Sea Eagles were Garrick Chaboyevich and Garrick, I should say, got two. Um, look, obviously it's going to be a lot of focus as we head towards our preview for the grand final on South Sydney. Uh, Dan, last week we talked a lot about the Sea Eagles. A lot of people gave them a massive chance. You look through the week, celebrities and... Um, oh, celebrities, I should say experts, but, you know... We see them on TV, so they are celebrities too. A lot of the experts in the rugby league world were tipping the Manly Seagulls to win. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the game. Uh, it seemed, again, it was a case where um, the opposition controlled the game and it just wasn't Manly's night. Yeah, um, look, I'll, I'll probably focus on the negatives for Manly um, and then might hand over to you fellas for the positives for South. Um I want to say up front, because uh, the listeners don't know me particularly well, I don't want to be one of those salty fans who says, oh, Manly lost the game and South didn't win it. No, South won the game. Um, they were clearly the better team on the night. And to be honest, I don't think South give a rat's whether they won or lost because they're playing in the grand final this week. So they're happy to be there regardless. Um, but, you know, I, I talked the week before about um, Parramatta missing out in that close match to the Panthers and said that, you know, um, all the rhetoric about being proud doesn't really hold up. And I wasn't really proud of the way that Seagulls ended this season. Uh, it was a disappointing game last week. Uh, that being said, while the scoreline, I think, ended up being a fair indication of the difference, that 36 to 16, I think, was a, a fairly clear indicator of um, the Rabbits being in front. I still think it was a disappointing game for me because Manly could have and should have been in that game more than they were. Um, I really enjoyed the the opening exchanges of the game and the first probably seven or so minutes uh, were really that back and forth. Well, actually, the opening 10 minutes were that really back and forth style that we kind of saw in that 2019 final, uh, which was really end-to-end footy between Souths and Manly. Um, big turning point, there was a couple early on. Uh, Kepi made a break uh, over the Souths half and then knocked it on. And Souths immediately went down the other end, which is when Kepi got injured. We might have a talk about that a bit later. Um, South didn't score on that set, but they scored not too long after. The issue for Manly, there were a number of issues. Obviously, um, ball control was a, a big problem. You can't win if you're only controlling the ball 67% um, of the time, uh, you know, if you keep turning it over. Um, but for me, it was a, there was a bit of a lack of resilience and a bit of lack of execution for Manly. They showed that they could score. Um, there were two occasions in that first half, one where Garrick went over, um, and it was ruled a, fairly ruled a no try for obstruction. Um, Sully ran the wrong wrong line. I don't think the the obstruction actually impacted the play, but that's how they've been ruling on. That's how they've been ruling on all year. So I had no argument with the ruling. It was just it was poor execution from Sully making contact. I think it was with Reynolds in the line there, and then Travoyevich knocking it on over the line, uh, which he scores ninety nine times out of hundred. Yeah. Um, and he had Saab open outside of him. You know, I think if. I think if at that point Manly have you know ten or twelve points on the board, it's a, it's a far stronger contest. My biggest concern for Manly uh, with that game was that it was a lack of resilience. After that uh, no try to Garrick, Souths immediately went down the other end and got um, didn't score on that play, but they got a repeat set which they then scored off the back of. Um, off after the Travoyevich no try, 
South immediately went down the other end and scored. Um, so if, if, if you're not going to execute, you really have to make sure that the opposing team doesn't score on their next play. Uh, you can't afford to, to let them make easy metres down the field. Um, second half, Manly came out really strongly to begin with, uh, but then faded a bit away, pushing the ball a bit too much. A few late consolation tries, um, which I, I still think were, were pretty you know, well set up, but the game was over by that point. So for me, you know, they're positive signs, but it's not positive unless you make the final the following week. Um, I'll probably have more to chat once you guys share your thoughts. Mm, yeah, and, and, and really, for, for Manly... It was a it was a really successful year. I know their fans and the club themselves are going to be disappointed that they didn't make the grand final, Griffo. But um, given the fact where a lot of punters were were suggesting they'd finish this year, uh, would you say that Manly overachieved based on expectations? Well, probably not on their own expectations, um, but certainly on mine because. Uh, yeah, I thought they were really struggled this year, um, particularly after round four, where they were zero and four, and they were looking like potential wooden spooners. Um, Coach Hasler came out and said, you know, we'll come good. I don't know if he actually believed it himself at the time, but they did come good. Um, I, I was really impressed with with a lot of their victories um, where they put, they put poor teams to the sword. You know, I, I, I think we mentioned last week that Ryan Girdler came out and, and said they were flat track bullies. Now, they could be convicted of that on the evidence presented over the last few weeks. I, I don't quite agree with it, though. I, I think a lot of their young players was their first time in finals football. Um, they'll be better for the experience. And I think uh, going forward, they're going to be a, a big contender, not just next year, but I think over the next few years uh, with the young guys they've got coming through. So, and the fact that they've, they've got what I think now is, is the best player in the NRL in, in, in Tommy Turbo. Um, guys like Schuster, Olakowatu, they're going to be better for the experience and they're going to be around for a long time to come. So I think the future is bright for Manly, personally. Uh, and I think, you know, at the start of the year, um, I don't think too many people would have thought these guys are going to make the prelim final. Um, you know, they can look back on their season. Yes, be disappointed with the way they went out, but but, you know, there's 12 teams that did make it as far as they did. So I think they've, they've done well, Manly. Yeah. And, and, and really for, for Manly, Shane, we've, we've talked about Trebojevic being that, um, that central figure. There's a lot of supporting players there. Another bloke who's a favourite on here, and I know he's going to come up a little bit later on um, when we talk about the Daly M's and our uh, teams of the year. But Ruben Garrick, like even on the weekend, yeah. 222 <clears throat> metres, a um, couple of line breaks, He's, he's another player now who we're really talking about as being in that upper, um, I suppose, upper echelon of, uh, of backs in the NRL. Yeah, we were talking, singing, we were singing his praises um, since he's made his debut. Like, we, we rate him highly, I, I think. You know, it's, it's funny, like, Manly, even when it started the year, they were just, you know, like, 
I think half the problem was they had people like Saab and they just didn't know how to use him. Like it was just get him early ball. Like I, I, I made the call, I think in round three, I said, chuck him in the centers and just get him early ball. If he finds a gap, he's in. Like he's not going to, like, you know, you, you, you're not, I think it might even be after the South game. I can't remember. Um, I, I, I'm like, you know, like you can't lose from here. You know, like you've got nothing to lose. I think, I think what happened was, is the combination, look, Tommy Turbo sort of came in, but I think the combination between the 6, 7, 9, 13 just had to gel a bit. It was, it was a bit clunky. And then once they got, once it got happening, I got to take my hat off to their halves. Um, I, I think, I think um, Cherry Evans has, has, had a, has had a great year. And, and really, it's amazing what Manly could do on the back of good forwards. Once they had this sort of, once they had Turbo back in the side and they had um, Garrick and Saab, it was like when, when Turbo wasn't there, they'd lumber up and they'd get tackled 15, 20, no, maybe 10 out. And the forwards would just have to do this constant backwards and forwards. It was, and then all of a sudden, it's like as if in the game, he said, look, in, a, in an NRL game, you run like this. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, that's how you run at the line. And they were getting 25 metres up the field. The forwards were having to do less work. And then all of a sudden, their forward pack could attack, which meant that they could allow the back line to do what the back line does best. It, it, it was that positional play. In some ways, I think that's probably what did them in on the weekend is they just, they just dropped too much ball and didn't get the positional play. Yeah. That's, that's any rugby league side, but especially Manly. Yeah, and, and and look, Dan. Just before we finish up on Manly, I know you've got a few closing comments. Um, I just want you to, to give us your thoughts just on um, you know, looking forward to the twenty twenty two season. Um, what sort of things you see this year that they can build upon next year, and um, just those positive signs for Manly going forward. Uh, so look, while I was disappointed at Manly over the the weekend in that game against Souths. Um, you know, overall, I think there were a lot of positives to take from the season. Uh, there's still areas to develop for Manly for 2022. Uh, I know that I mentioned last week, there's no point in being proud uh, if you don't, you know, make it the whole way. But there was a lot to be proud of. Uh, I think at the start of the year, and I mentioned this last week, that, you know, I personally had them anywhere from third to 13th. And it was, a lot of it was the unknown, quali- um, unknown qualities of players who had that potential, but we weren't quite sure where they would be. I think there's a lot of people who follow Manly uh, or who know a bit about the club who, who probably had props on people like Schuster, uh, people like Garrick. I've known for a while you know, about their quality, but there were some players um, that were legitimate revelations. Um, Saab coming over from the Dragons, he always had that speed and potential, but he developed far further than I thought he would. Uh, Morgan Harper was really solid for us this year. Um, Homoli Olakuatu was probably one of the, the you know, biggest revelations uh, of the season, uh, even to the point where I think his his name has been bandied out as a, a fringe origin player uh, already. It's really good to see that development. And well, then other players. Say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it to the experts on pronunciation a bit later. Yeah. Um, and then we then we also had um, players uh, like Paseca. Paseca was one who last year big unit but never ran the ball really hard. I don't know what they said to him. Uh, in, in the lead up to this season, but he's developed a long way. Uh, Sean Kepi, uh, who I might talk about in a moment, had, had a good season. But there are some areas I think Manly need to, to look at developing a bit more. 
Um, Foran was a really strong signing for us this year. Um, coming back to Manly, I was hoping that he could repeat, uh, you know, 2011, uh, but it wasn't quite to be uh, for 2021, uh, just a couple of games short. Uh, but he was really solid in the halves this year, but he's not a kicking half. And that was highlighted on the weekend where I think Cherry Evans had something like 460 kick metres and Foran had none. Uh, it's, it's hard to win any game if only one of the halves is kicking the ball. Um, so that makes a, a real challenge there. Um, and I know Schuster is slated to, to be a, a potential 5-8, but at the same time, I'm not sure of where his kicking game uh, quite is at. Um, then further from that, there are just a couple of other areas to develop. Um, run metres uh, on the kick return is an area probably for us to develop a bit more. People like Saab got bundled a bit easily in that South game. I'd like to see someone sort of stronger running the ball out there. But there was a lot to, to uh, like about Manly. One thing I wanted to mention from the game on the weekend that might come up uh, when we talk about the Panthers game as well is the stuff around HIAs. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think we have and, and the involvement of trainers and mm-hmm. the stopping a play. Obviously, a controversial moment a couple of weeks ago with the play being immediately stopped for Mitch Kenny, who went down with a serious um, ankle injury. Um, but then we saw in the South's Manly game very early on, Look, I'm, I'm not the uh, sports scientist, biologist, doctor here. That's, that's Graham's job. Uh, but I think it was pretty clear to all and sundry that Sean Kepi wasn't healthy uh, from a, a, a knock he took when he went in for a tackle. And what was really concerning was he, he actually had to make a couple of extra tackles in that set. Um, one was a try-saving tackle on the, on the line. Like if, we, if we're fair thinking about health, like that was one that, you don't want to unduly have South lose their momentum. I, I get that. You know, and we saw the blow up the other week about Parramatta losing the momentum. But he was clearly in a bit of, you know, disarray. And then I think when we get to the Panthers game, there are a couple of other ones. Uh, Christian Welch, I think, had a similar one yeah. where he, yeah. he continued out there. And, and then even, I think, um, the, the great quote, which we might get to from Luai, saying he blacked out for a moment, but nah, he's all good now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just, it's just where yeah. are we at with this HIA situation? It's one that really perplexed me. It, it didn't change the game. You know, South win anyway. South score on the next anyway. Losing Kepi was, was a problem, but he needed to go off for his health. Um, but it really was mind-boggling, given all the... Um, I just wonder if they overcorrected from the week before. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I thought that um, there were quite... There were a few instances where players should have gone off fair, more or less straight away. Um, Sean Kepi was one. I thought the Christian Welsh one was, was outrageous. Like, that guy played for six minutes and then was ruled out for the rest of the game. Like, like it, what happened to when you have a head knock and the assessment that you're off? Like, clearly, clearly the trainers aren't, and they're not doctors. I'm not saying that. I think we spoke about this a little while ago because um, I thought Griffo made a good point. Um, and I just think that we have to start looking at, okay, what is the role of the bunker or, or anything to do with the bunker? It's becoming rugby league's biggest white elephant. Um, it's, it's not being used effectively. I just think this is a time now where rugby league, look, the only other thing I've got for you, Dan, and something I thought about in the weekend is we're starting to see different rules for finals. Hmm. We're starting to see different rules for finals and we'll see maybe a different rule for the grand final. I don't know, but um you know, I, I thought 
Another one was, and I don't know what you guys thought. I thought Cleary looked a bit groggy there after a bit of yeah. a head clash, and he didn't even come off. And I thought, oh, like, not that I wanted him to go off. I'm not saying he should have. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But the minute you're the minute you're ginger on your legs, you got to go for the assessment. Yeah, you're I not think- ginger on your legs because you your stiletto gave out. It's because <laughs> it's because you because you've got a head. Not I, uh. look. I play football. I know what it's like. I, I, no, there's a couple of games there. I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't play at an elite level. I was pretty rubbish at it, but I did get hit in the head. And I'm telling you now, um, whilst I don't have the the, I suppose, the grounding that these boys have had that they've been playing for, you know, played thousands of games of football in their day. I just think that you know, once you're, you know, these guys are used to taking knocks. The way their brain and body works when they get hit. Stuff doesn't shake around like it. it the mm. stuff does, you know, it does a bit, but they can handle it. I, I just think that once a footy player is groggy on their feet, surely that's a telltale sign to say get out. I think we're going to get to a point where, I think as years go on, this might not be for another ten years or so because we're going to learn more and more about head injuries. And as the research goes on and on, um, the research is showing that we're learning more about the damage that these head injuries can can cause and we seem to be moving forward in a direction where we're going to have to be more cautious around head injuries i don't know if we get to a point where as soon as someone gets a knock to the head they come off for a precautionary assessment um i think the pressure and the difficulty for the trainers is and i know this isn't going to sound good but the reality of the situation is a lot of the times they're they're going out and they're saying to the player, can you go on? And the player doesn't have a medical opinion. And they're under a lot of pressure from coaching staff and all this sort of thing to keep that player on the field. Yeah, Yeah. well, like, do you want to be the trainer to say in a final that Penrith are up 10-6, hey, Nathan, come off for a few minutes. Exactly. Have a a quick breather. I'm a bit worried about you. Exactly. And And if he's fine, they'll go, what are you doing, mate? Yeah, you've got to remember, we had this, we we sort of had this this rule, this rule began... At a time where, you know, there were some serious head knocks that just went on, yep. and, and we've seen it in finals. I, I think, yeah, it, it's it's I, I, it's yeah, not a perfect system, but I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, and I think I think, one... uh, I think one possible solution is take it out of yeah. the clubs. That's what you said. Yep. Have yeah, an independent yeah. doctor yeah. Yeah, in the bunker. That. I agree, and an independent doctor at the ground and between the two of them they are responsible for anything to do with HIA um, yep that way you're taking it out of you know a trainer who's not a doctor obviously that they, they they've got some idea and probably a very good idea to be honest but it's not a club thing then it's an NRL man who says right this guy is coming off. This is a, a head injury hmm. assessment. So yeah. you know we've you know we've talked to well, we've seen in recent weeks clubs have you know, particularly and the Panthers have, have made a lot of um, substitutions based on the fact that they have HIAs and whatnot. So someone gets hit in the head, off they come. Um, not just Penrith, but every club does it. Everyone does it. Um, because oh, it's yeah. a rule, yeah. and, it, and it's within the rules, and, and every coach exploits the rules. 100%. Um, 
take it out of the coach's hands, make it independent. You've got Dr. NRL up in the bunker. He sees something. He says immediately, they get the message to the referee, that guy's off. Now, you've also got doctor at the ground who actually does the assessing. Um, and I think that's a solution. Yes, you're going to uh, be stretching our medical profession, um, but, you know, um, each club's got their own doctor. Well, their own doctor can worry about treatment as opposed to um, you take the HIA away from the trainers, away from the club doctors, um, and anything to do with HIA is all independent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as long as that logistically looks is, is streamlined, because I know, yeah, I mean, realistically, we see on the first or second replay a minute or within a minute of the, the of it occurring, we know... And, um, you know, we'll talk about the, the storm in a moment, but that Christian Welsh one was probably the most obvious one um, where everyone at home sitting there saying, this guy's got to come off. The commentator saying, this guy's got to come off. And he Especially was the Pangai Junior saying he's got to come off. Yeah, but, you know, but, the, but that's the he was looking after his health. And yeah, uh, right. look, and unfortunately... Dr. Pangai. Dr. Pangai, yes. Uh, yeah, Doc Junior, as they call him. But look, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about the storm now because... Um, Gee, it was a tough game. It was an entertaining game. It was a good game. The Panthers, uh, they got the win. 10 points to 6 over the Melbourne Storm. This was the game where... Th- this was supposed to be the grand final. A lot of people were saying, these are the two best teams. They'll meet in the grand final. We know that the, the finals got thrown on their head a couple of weeks ago when the Panthers went down in week one. Um, but even up until last week, the Storm were the team that couldn't be beaten. They were making the grand final. Uh, I know we're talking about the Christian Welsh incident, and I know we've talked a bit about HIAs there, but it wasn't just uh, Christian Welsh who was a bit off the other day. Uh, many are saying the Storm were very uncharacteristic. Griffo, I know you watched this one pretty close. Um, hopefully you were nice and calm during it, and you had a few Valium just to keep you in your seat. But uh, a lot of the experts this week are making... Um, they're making a lot about the, the storm, their performance. Uh, some saying it was uncharacteristic with a 69% completion rate. Do you think the storm were off their game or do you think it was just a case of it was a hard-fought finals game and really you can only play as well as your opposition allows? Well, firstly, on the 69% completion rate, I've heard that's dinner for two. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's where the jiggity jiggity. Gee whiz! <laughs> but um, it can happen in slippery conditions. Yes. Absolutely. Far um, look, they um, <laughs> they dropped a lot of ball. Um, some of it was as a result of the defence. Most of it was as a result of um, just. Um, so it was a combination. Uh, I, for one, obviously was very pleased that they were off their game. I've got, I've got such respect for that team, that club, and what what they have been able to achieve over, well, the whole of their history. Really, they've been in the semi-finals almost every year of their existence. They've been a top 14 most 
of those years. Um, so, yeah, I didn't expect Henry were going to win. I know I tipped him, but that was out of the heart. That was not from the head. Um, I was not nervous leading into the game because I just didn't think we were going to be a chance. Um, but then, you know, the first half got underway. Penrith got off to a great start and they were defending really well. And I thought, gee, we were a chance here. And then uh, obviously I, I started to get quite, um, uh, I guess I'm nervous is one word in the second half. It was um, edgy your seat stuff. But Did you get the dumbbell out? That was first half. <laughs> yeah, first half. So um, second half, I was I was on the edge of the seat type stuff. Um, it was it was one of the great games. Um, one of the great games. If you're looking at a highlights reel, there wouldn't have been too much because there were only three tries scored in the whole game. Tell you what would have been one of the highlights though was that Matt Burton when he saved the try, like mm. he like you know it's yeah one there thing were a couple say, of great try saves and it's one thing to mm. say that it's one thing to say that um you know that that the, the storm had some unforced errors during that during that play and during the game you saw Penrith really apply the blowtorch to something that the storm didn't didn't really um haven't really felt and i thought when burton did that try saver it just it just sort of made it it was almost as if i've watched all the finals games twice because i know we talk about them and you saw the storm i actually saw a couple of storm players just put their hands on their head as if to say that works you know that that's meant to work you know it's it's like it's like i was talking to someone during the week and i said it's like Luke Skywalker going to do the whole Jedi, you know, grab the lightsaber thing, but it's just not coming to him. And he doesn't know why. That was that was sort of what the Storm were getting into, is the stuff that they knew would work week in, week out, just wasn't working anymore. And they start, and I think a lot of their unforced errors were actually on the back of them panicking a little bit. Yeah. and Yeah, and, yeah go on, Griffo. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, they, they were missing Welsh for most of that game and Brandon mm. Smith for most mm. of that game. So that did have an impact, no doubt. You take out two of your best players uh, pretty early in the game and that's going to affect the team. Um, a little bit has been made about the fact that they haven't really missed Cameron Smith this year until that game. Um, <laughs> right, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But we've also got Smith. Smith also missed a, a big part of that game. I know they've got a handy replacement in, in Harry Grant there, but that, yeah. that also caused a bit of disruption for them, I'd imagine. Oh, for but, sure. Um, and, and Harry Grant had a really uncharacteristic, very poor game, I thought. Mm. Um, he, he, yeah. I think the finals yeah. pressure got to him there. I mean, he played for the Tigers last year, so not a lot of finals experience uh, for <laughs> Harry Grant. Um, but, uh, but with that, uh, I, I think he, he was, of the Storm players, seemed one of the most flustered. And, and, he, and to be fair to him, he wouldn't have been expecting to be thrown in as early as he was uh, with Brandon Smith coming off. And as, as Griff mentioned, um, you know, Penrith, I, I thought the particularly strong part of Penrith's performance was in keeping Melbourne off of their game. Um, what I thought was really well done, and, you know, we'll probably talk about, you know, the um, upcoming game with South and Panthers in a bit. Uh, but in terms of getting into Melbourne's heads, and I thought what uh, Penrith did particularly well was applying the pressure and applying a little bit of 
the niggle and stuff like that when appropriate. Because um, often if you try and frustrate teams, they can settle down, come back more fired up and, and put you to the sword. Penrith never really let Melbourne do that. Um, Penrith stayed on them and, and kept the pressure on them um, at all times. I thought Toto being back was a, a huge uh, boost for mm. Panthers as well. Yep. He had something like over 200 um, you know, run metres. That's massive, um, getting out of your half. So that what it meant was that when St- Storm were always, for the most part, working their way back up the field, they didn't actually have, you know, they had a few attacking opportunities, but they had to really work to get there. Um, so I thought, yeah, Penrith were just, you know, I, I tipped Panthers last week, and that was that was partly because I, I didn't particularly want to tip the Storm. Um, but <laughs> Panthers have shown that, you know, they've been off a little bit in this final series, but when they play their best, uh, they do a really good job. Um, would Interesting to see if it was a different game if George Jennings hangs onto the ball uh, in that uh, opening play uh, where he was pretty mm. had the try line yeah. open in front of him and he yeah. just completely bowled it. Um, would have made it was a Neville, Neville Glover moment. You guys would be too young for that, but um, Neville Glover very famously, and I think it was 1976 grand final, uh, dropped the ball. I'm not sure if the line was wide open, but um, one of the unforgettable parts of, of rugby league in the past, poor old Neville. Um, but I want to say just on the storm, I want to credit uh, Jerome Hughes. I thought he was outstanding as was big Nelson. Uh, assault yeah, for Solomon. Yeah. yeah. That, that um, almost they, they, those two oh. performers, they were nearly man of the match. Mm. Um, Hughes That's... in particular, he cut Penrith to shreds several times. Um, credit to him. He, he's 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 one of the top players in the NRL, Jerome. He is, yeah. And and we talked about him a little while back on the podcast and how there's a lot of talk about certain players at the Storm, but he's really the, the consistent player for us that, that, you know, without him there, they're a totally different team. He's he's the halfback, he's the engine room, so to speak. Um, so, you know, he's he's really important to that team. Just looking forward to 2022 for the Storm. Uh, we know there are a couple of players leaving. Probably the most notable of those are Josh Adokar, Dale Finucane, and Nico Hines. They just seem, though, guys, um, they, it doesn't matter who doesn't. leaves, who comes. You put that purple jersey on, they become freaks. And I'm actually looking forward to Coates yeah. coming into this team. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter, as you were saying, it doesn't matter who they sign. They could sign the worst player from every club or the fringe player from every club, and they'll... T- Bellamy will work his magic and turn them into a star of the game in their system. Um, as I think Shane, I mentioned earlier, you know, whilst Melbourne aren't necessarily my favourite team, uh, reflecting back to the uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s, um, you've got to give credit to, to their ability to consistently perform each year. Like I think we mentioned, if you said, hey, we're removing a Billy Slater from your team or we're removing a Cameron Smith yeah. or a Cooper Cronk, you'd think, oh, that team's going to have to go through a significant rebuilding phase for the next five or 10 years. Um, you just mentioned Jerome Hughes. It's not like they signed a big-name halfback. It's not like Cooper Cronk left and they went out and they chased a DCE or they chased a Nathan yep. Cleary. They're like, we've got this guy, we've been developing him, and he's probably one of the top, if not the top halfback. You know, well, Cleary's ahead of him, but he's one of the top halfbacks of the game. I think um, he's number two behind Cleary, yeah. to be honest. The um, you know, it's that same thing with Brandon Smith. Um, you know, you talk about, oh, we've lost Cameron Smith, um, and obviously Cameron's quality would have helped. Uh, in the game on the weekend, but Brand Smith, I th- did he get Hooker of the Year for, for the yes, he did. I think yeah, he did. Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. you know, any other club, you know, if you know, if we lose a turbo, if 
Panthers lose a Cleary or something like that, it's going to be a significant rebuilding phase to get back to that. Melbourne, yep. they'll like you know if we're, if we're doing top four predictions next year, I'll have Melbourne in the top again because yep. I think yep. they'll be there. Yep. What I love about their coaching is, and just talking about Brandon Smith because I think it's I think it's really uh, pertinent to bring it up now is when when they looked at Cameron Smith retiring, they they really had they had him and Grant sort of doing their apprenticeships. And they, when they shipped Harry Grant off, they were like, oh, is, 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 have we now got the, we now got the reason, you know, that, 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 that Smith will be, they, they just told Grant, you just need to go somewhere else for 12 months. Just get a bit of experience on the NRL. Do what you need to do. They are just the cleverest football club. They just, like, I don't know whether it's Bellamy wholeheartedly or there's a whole sea of people. I don't know. But, you know, what Brandon Smith done this year, that seed was planted three years ago. That's just how much, that's how much foresight they got. Mm. And, you know, it's just outstanding that they can do this. Like, sure, they, they had the opportunity. You know, he retired. Like, if a, if a player just leaves tomorrow, then that's a bit of an issue. But, you know, like, you talk about Tommy Turbo, you know, three years out from retirement, it'd be grooming another fullback and doing an apprenticeship where, where people would go, he would have made his debut well and truly before now or before, before he did at another club. It's just, he was happy to do the apprenticeship and it's just the culture that they've built. We bang on about all the time, but it's just brilliant. Yeah. And and look for the storm. They're looking to 2022, Manly are looking to 2022, um, you know, and as we said, we, we think that they're obviously going to be there or thereabouts again next year. Uh, someone else who's always there or thereabouts is Shano. Now, this week we've got Shano's Tidbits. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we mentioned that we've got our sponsors on board, and this week Shano's Tidbits is brought to you by Magpie Jake's Meat Pies. Uh, Magpie Jake's Meat Pies, there's a magpie in each one. Oh, thank you, Graham. Hey, get your own back on those sweeping bastards. Um, <laughs> they got me a couple of times. I'll tell you what, already man. down at Toon Gabby. Oh, that's annoying. I, I, I haven't been hit. I've been hit yet. I, I, I say yet because it happens every year. Um, Shane's two bits. Where we begin? We begin at uh, look. There's a few bit of uh, we'll get a get the crappy stuff over and done with. Um, Reese Walsh, uh, of course, has been embroiled in some scandal. Um, as it, on the on the show, we don't like to comment one way or another. We're just going to say he's mm. embroiled in some scandal. Uh, it appears that the guy we were talking about, Brandon Smith and Cameron Munster, might be in some scandal of their own. Um, look, Reese Walsh, to his credit, has come out and um, said, "Yes, I've done it." And I think for a young man to do that, it takes a lot of fortitude. So. You know, it's got to be congratulated there. Um, the Melbourne Storm have said that they're not going to take this lightly. Uh, anything like this actually contravenes the culture of the club, and we don't care who you are. Uh, if if we have to come down on you, we will. So uh, the integrity unit is um, investigating that, for what we understand. Melbourne have said they're fully committed to the process, so um, it's, it's, it's a watch this space. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about it in the um, 
in the preview to the grand final, but um, Edwards in a moon boot was not a good look at the uh, at the run yesterday. Of course, yesterday both South Sydney and Penrith had a had a um, open training session. South Sydney's took place at about ten o'clock, and I think Penrith was at five o'clock from memory, um, where he was seen in a moon boot. Um, it's it's a watch this space um, for what we understand. Um, it could be precautionary, um, but when you look at their extended bench, it may not be. So um, as for Adam Reynolds, um, nothing's really going to be known until the captain's run tomorrow. So um, now a few injury things. And, and as we have seen, Tevita Pangai Jr. is not named in the side uh, due to his knee injury. Um, he's, he's, he's basically said to give... Um, Spencer Lee a start. It's, it's too dodgy to, to even try to be in the grand final. I think it's a lovely gesture when you look at that. He's just joined the club. Um, he, is a, he is a good player. And to say um, that Spencer Lee uh, should get the start because he deserves it. Soliola confirms his departure from the Canberra Raiders. He'll be... Um, He'll be farewelled um, by the Canberra Raiders. He's had 17 seasons at the club, um, a total of 336 matches. Um, of course, 137 with the Canberra Raiders. So um, he leaves the club. There's a lot of um, movements in and around Ryan James. He's joined the Broncos. Um, Ferguson is also another one who will depart. And there's four players actually leaving the Parramatta Eels. That's Joey Lussick, Michael Oldfield, the Moonlight Shadow. Oh, and shadow. Um, yes, the Moonlight Where's Shadow. Where's he go? Which club now? You might just be going off into the distance. Sailing no, away. Never does. Like He'll find a club. He'll, He'll find somewhere. He'll and find it. He's like the Deltones. They always find a club to That's play right. at. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, that was good. And I've, I've lost my train of thought there because that was 100% correct. Um, and Sam Hughes, of course, is the other Parramatta player. Um, Super signs a Bulldogs deal. Uh, last week, if you're wondering, he's going to St. Helens. And um, uh, a big one for Penrith is that Leota. Uh, he's extended mm. his stay till the 2024 season and he's back. He's a good player, good player. Um, Bilami Kikau, he looks like he's going to want to stay at Penrith. Um, he's expressed keen interest in only being a Penrith Panther um, outside of going to rugby, which I'm not too sure he would, uh, means that Penrith are going to have to shuffle the decks a little bit. So I think at Penrith, you might see uh, you might see a bit of movement over the off season um, so that by November 1, um, that, that signature short up. Of course, November 1 is when the players off contract for the next year. Uh, they'll still be playing that year at their club, but November 1 is when they can start to talk about, um, they can talk about, talk to other clubs about their future. And we've talked how much we hate that to death. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, look, I think there's so much to talk about, guys, but there's a grand final coming up. So why don't we just start talking about yeah. the grand final? Just to finish with an interesting tidbit, um, the mind games. I was waiting for something to come. I was waiting for either South or Penrith to fire something, and it's already happened. South Sydney have lodged with the NRL a, um, a please explain. Um, a please explain uh, on the... Um, 
on the amount of time a trainer spends on the sideline, um, on the amount of times a trainer spends on the sideline, uh, the Penrith Panthers have called it childish. However, uh, South Sydney have actually uh, given footage of, of length of time and, and, and actually have found statistics to say it is an actual extended amount of time. So, look, it's, it's already begun, this sort of thing. Um, the NRL have basically said they're going to have to look into it now because um, if the facts they're presenting is true, um, then maybe it's something worth looking at. I think it's a storm in a teacup. I think it's a classic Wayne manoeuvre, uh, classic ruffle the feathers. Um, you know, it's, it's, you, you knew something was going to happen. And I think it's exactly where it sits that South might pull this one. Penrith call it childish and it all finishes. And um, thank you, Dan. I forgot about this one. Um, Blake Ferguson, he's also leaving for good. Um, Blake Ferguson has had a decorated career. Um, mm. You know, it's been, you know, at the very, at the very beginning at uh, Breezer Gate, it was looking a bit sketchy. But look, it looks like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but the last I read, he might be going to rugby. So, He's going he wants to, to play chasing, in the 2023 World yeah, Cup. He's going to be chasing the dollars there. Um, yeah, and like I said, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to come up in the uh, grand final preview. So that's me done for my tidbits. Thanks, we'll Shana. Talk, we'll talk World I know a lot of people going, hang on, isn't there a World Cup coming up? People, we do have a show next week. So yeah. uh, we'll talk more World Cup and what, and what that, yeah, what that remotely will look like then. Yep, no, definitely. And um, look, as you said, there's a game coming up this week. And uh, before we fully turn our, um, our, I suppose, our direction towards this week, the grand final, you can tell I'm a bit nervous. I'm looking forward to the big game this week. Um, we're going to see what Griffo's got for us this week for Griffo's Grab. Now, we've also got a sponsor for Griffo's Grab. Griffo's Grab this week is actually brought to you by Smashing... Yeah, it's brought to you by Smashing Baby Dating Agency. Smashing Baby Dating Agency. Oh, good. I need we, a date. Yeah, well, the, the, the Smashing I'm Baby Dating man. Agency, they make sure there's no need to pack in next to the hooker. So, if you're looking for uh, a bit of companionship... It's Smashing Baby Dating Agency. They are this week's uh, sponsor for Griffo's Grab. Griffo's Grab! Uh, what do you got, Chameleon? All right. Well, um, I'm glad I've got that sponsor. I don't know if we have any female listeners, but I'm available currently. Um, but uh, that's by the by. Now, um, my grandmother, uh, there's some here. degree of some degree of conjecture about the pronunciation. Uh, I'm going to call him Taff because that's what mm. seems to be Taff, yeah. not Taff. Taff, not Taffy, not Taff. Taffy. Mm, no. um, Blake but Taff. Taff, Blake Taff, Blake Taff. He's a rookie, and we all know about rookies. <laughs> yeah. you got to earn your stripes. Earn those stripes. Earn so he his, wears stripes. He's earned his, his Cardinal and Myrtle stripes. I tell you what, he's impressive. Um, he caught my eye with his two try assists last week. 
One was a lovely, I think it was yeah. a cut-out ball, and the other a one was, a, ball was, was a, a tap-on. The tap-on. Um, or, or tap-on, we call it, the tap-on. <laughs> um, this guy's coming to uh, replace one of the... Mm. And, uh, oh, geez, did a good job. Um, yep. I'm not sure where he played. Sorry, Griff, what was that? Well, you're not too sure. Where he... Sorry, Griff, what were you saying? You're not too sure he's played? I think what Griff I was saying Where is not... he's going to play next, whether he's... Oh, okay. Yep, oh, yep. Next year, sorry. yep. Next year? Oh, next this year. Mate, we're just losing next you year. there. No, no, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm, my apologies uh, no, on behalf good. of Vodafone. We'll see if we can uh, get Vodafone to sponsor you next week. The dating agency is... Well, that'd be nice, yeah. Look, to be fair to Vodafone... Um, uh, I'm probably too far away from the router, um, or the, whatever they call <laughs> it. That... We're back on <laughs> the dating agency. Is... <laughs> whatever it is, that's your accent. Yes. Uh, storms about yeah. this, uh, this evening, yeah. so but anyway. might be affecting us. Yeah, uh, uh, and that's a, that's a bit of a discussion that um, has come about this week, Griffo, with the, um, the talk next year where Blake Taff fits into the team. Um and 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 look to open a bit of a discussion. We've only seen I, look, you know, eight I, I, games. I, 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 he, I followed his junior career. I well, thought it was it was the next big thing at South Sydney. And you do um, have um, Gagai leaving. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, I can see where you're going, Dan. Too with almost yeah. You, you're almost alluding to a well, Latrell Mitchell centres move. Blake Taft to fullback. Well, that's. Other options have been um, this week. There's been a lot of talk about him taking Adam Reynolds' spot in halfback. Yeah, I think, I think we have to remember I, he played halfback in the under 20s Jersey Fleet yep. Premiership winning side. You've got to remember ago. how that also came about, though. Um, basically, he was fullback throughout his junior career at South Sydney. Right. And then all of a sudden, they just didn't have a halfback. And they said, This kid's got so much skill. Let's just put him in a half. And I, I remember, uh, and I think the turning point of that grand final for them was where he 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 got the ball and just ran at the line. And he mm. slipped straight through everyone and scored the try. And it was like, oh, he's, he's the next halfback. And it's yeah. like this guy, it, it was the first time the guy, not that game, but it was the first season the guy even remotely, I think he started the season at fullback. It was the first time he remotely put the number seven on. And one of the things... Um, sort of anecdotally that came out of that Jersey flag side when he was wearing number seven was he spoke to everyone at the club and he said, look, you know, this is, he was the next big thing coming up. He was, he was, he was allowed into South Sydney training. And in the first thing he said to them, how do I throw a ball? How do I throw a pass? What, what have I got to do? What's my, what, what's, what, how do you do it? What's the skill set that you do? And, and, you know, you're going back a couple of years now, um, and all of a sudden, this guy, and and that's why when you look at the baseball he threw on the weekend, it's it's no surprise to me because when you look at what this kid was doing in the junior leagues, he was this fullback that got thrown into halfback because of no other. I tell you now, if if the biggest surprise of the of the grand final will be this kid will put kicks up. He did one of the best bombs I've ever seen in a rugby league match on that Jersey flag grand final. It was huge and it floated and it did everything and it caused a knock on, which actually led, I think, to his try. 
So, um, you know, it's he's he's got immense skill, and I think that's 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 the thing where people are looking at. Okay, is he fullback? Does Ilias? I, I think it's a brilliant problem to have. I I've got to be honest with you. The way he's running the ball back, I, I, I next year I'm with you. Now you're talking about Gagai leaving. I'm a bit with you. I, you've got to have this kid in the in the side. I don't know if I'll play him at halfback at first grade. I think uh, Ilias has probably got that, but he's, I think he's full back in the trail centres. Mm. No, but anyway, we're talking next yeah. year. We've got this year. To anyway, go. anyway, the brilliant know, player Griffin and, 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 and yeah. rightly. You can't write Benji off in that position yes. too because the only person yeah. who said he may retire was Wayne Bennett, and that was news to Benji. So, look, I think the point you're making there, Griffo, um, great young player, um, hasn't yeah. looked out of place, has he, mate? No, no. But I want to give a special uh, special mention uh, on the grab to uh, Nathan Cleary, mm. who in the very, very early parts of that oh. game against Melbourne... Phenomenal. Got into dummy half, uh, and uh, something they'd been practicing. Uh, Coach Ivan mentioned it after the game that they'd seen it earlier in the year, where Josh Adokar comes in, you know, twenty meters or so, um, and they saw Tedesco do it in an early game where he kicked for Ikavalu. Um, but to do that, you know, clearly getting to dummy half within the first, I think, three minutes, um, and that pinpoint accuracy kick out to Steve Crichton, was who um, was in the right place, got the ball down and, and, and put Penrith in front very early in the game. And That, uh, that kick yeah. actually cemented me as a rugby league tragic because as soon as he kicked it, I said, Tedesco's done this. Like It was like, I remember yeah. the game. It, not as, it wasn't as clinical, though. No, it, same it wasn't as clinical. Same it was the result. same result, but it was it was it was Cleary's was far more clinical. It was just that you know if if he'd opened his mouth, he would have swallowed the football. Yeah. So, um, but you know, as I said, uh, the grab this week goes good, to Young good, Blake good. Tough, uh, and special mention Nathan Cleary. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And look, that that's just building more and more to the preview we're getting to in a moment. With this game, they're going to be two players that we are going to really feature. And as we build towards the grand final, we build towards the end of the episode where we do have our preview of the big game. We're actually going to give the fans a little bit of excitement and something to start to get them fired up. And this one's for the Panthers fans. We're actually going to play for them now. Uh, the Panthers theme song. And if you're not a Panthers um well, we got Jane Scarley in the studios. We do have Jane Scarley. If you're not, Jane Scarley if you're not in a the Panthers studio. fan and you haven't wow. heard this, uh, you're wow. in for a treat because this is one of the greatest wow. uh, a, theme songs. There is a particularly good version that the uh, chameleon can render on occasion. Uh, usually on, on the Gold Coast at about 1 a.m., 2 a.m., the chameleon's version of this is uh, particularly spectacular. Yeah, that's yeah. right. One of many that will win on wow. the Gold Coast. Jane but, Scarley. Um, just One of the you original excited. young talent team, wasn't she? Was she? I didn't. Was she? I thought she was. Young talent team. Oh, was she? I've got this vague recollection that she was an original young talent. Maybe not. I could be Look, wrong. Either way, she's got plenty of. She talent. was on the. She, she was on the yeah. club battery. I remember that. That was a good. Show. Oh yes, she was indeed. That was a good With show, the legs. Yeah. Yes. And the Nissan Cedrics were on there too. But uh, yeah. Panthers fans, this is one for you. 
get ready because the grand final is approaching. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know what? I, I'm a, everyone knows I'm a South Sydney fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Graham, you know, you grew, you grew up. Although you're only, you're only a young tight. So I don't know if you remember. My old, our yeah, man, the old used, man to used to have the cassette. Used to belt that. We got it. We got it on tape. Yeah. We got, he did. I don't. I don't know. Interest in that. He got it on tape from um from the uh from the Panthers. From the Panthers shop when it was in Penrith Panthers, and you know, for those of you who remember the good old Penrith, because when we were kids, you knew it was something special if you were eating down at Panthers, at uh, at uh, Kelly's was it Kelly's Brasserie, and I had now, the, the old had, days, yeah, pub, yeah, yeah, you the go get your own gear. And I had that, I had the, yeah, and I had the um, it had the crepe station in the middle, and yeah, uh, it was yeah, uh, yeah. yeah back yeah, in the yeah, days where you choose yeah. smoking or no smoking. That yes, <laughs> back in those days, it was uh, yes, Fato he, smoking. He got that. I reckon that was <laughs> and Griffo. If you have any more info on this, you chime in. I reckon he got that. I remember the tape cassette. The cover of it had the chocolate soldiers stuff, and the boy singing with Jane Scarley in the background. So uh, it must have been about nineteen ninety, eighty nine, ninety. They've had a range of different theme songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's that's the one that they've sort of. That's that's the one that plays these days. Um, 
Yeah, well, you know, in the days where we had home games, they'd be playing that after a victory. So yeah, well, and you know, and look, look, look to the just... songwriter. Kudos to the songwriter. Only one false rhyme in it. Um, a brave and <laughs> way, but that's all good. Look, I, I yeah, only one false rhyme. As a you know, songwriter, I know busy, busy square dance caller. My apologies. Yep. Uh, Etherington's are listening. I, no, 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 no false rhymes in their music, mate. No, and look, look, just to put it simply, it shits on up up Cronulla, so uh, you know, there's no, there's no competition there. Do you want to hear the one, the one that cracks me up, the one that always (laughs) cracks me up? Hear the Parramatta one, both do. There's the click go the shears one. I I I I can't remember the words. I don't want to know them. But there's another one that Eric Gross (laughs) sings. Oh goodness! Oh, junior or um, senior? No, I, I don't know. It's with um, John English, so it could be either. Oh, wow. We just don't know. Yeah, he, it's, 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 they've got a song with John English. That that's 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 worth a giggle too. The the quick goal, the shears ones is good on your pyro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but the, the John oh, English Eric Growth ones worth your weight in gold. Oh, there but, you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Jeez, mate. You can tell. Do, do people sing that while you're paddling on the Parramatta River? No. I just remember it sort of from the... Uh, this is going back a long time. Um, I'm talking 1970s. Mm. And um, 2SM were the main uh, ah, broadcaster. Yep. Yes. Uh, Frank Hyde. 12, 1269. Yeah, he would always, um, you'd always have the theme song before the game of each team. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. I remember mm. that on the radio. So that, I mean, as I said, yeah. I'm going back to the 1970s. It probably, you're See, going into I the- was racking my brain because Graham was talking about theme songs. So I was racking my brain today and I'm like, I remember hearing theme songs at the ground. But now I come to think of it, it could have been listening to the radio at the ground. Yeah. Now they'll come to think of it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It might have actually Walkman with the radio. No, no, no. It was a people's transistors. You always, Mm. you always sat next to the oldest man you could find at the the whole tranny to his ear. He had the tranny. He had the tranny. And you knew. And you knew. Sounds like Mad Monday with the storm. But um. Oh, and you yeah. knew you were buggered if just before kickoff he got out his uh his earphone, but it wasn't like the twin job, it was only one. Mm. Yeah, the old oh. one one Cyclops. in the ear. Yeah, one in the ear. And I always thought it was so that you could hear the football and yes. um and no one wants one to... in the ear. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. But now look, it's a it's a great it's a great theme song. <laughs> Panthers will be hoping that they hear it after this week's uh game. Uh, it's really good to get people all fired up and ready for the game. And look, before we look forward, we've only got one other thing to, to look back at, and that's Graham's gaff for this week. And yet again, look, we have sponsors coming sponsor. out of our era. Um, this week, Graham's gaff is brought to you by Graham's Gaffer Tape, your solution for a sticky situation. Find them online by Googling Sticky Gaff. That's Sticky Gaff. Okay. What colours does it come in? (laughs) It's it's handy for holding the tranny to the ear too. That's right. Uh, Useful. 
was it right? Was it was it was that the tape they used to use around their head in the nineties? Yeah, the, oh, well, Graham's gaffer tape actually. You know how they used to have to do the two, how they'd have the white stuff and then they'd do the old black, the uh, black the, stuff around. Yeah, Graham's gaffer tape actually comes in the white with a black stripe through the middle, so you can do oh, one revolution of the head. Yeah, that's good idea. I didn't know that's how they did. Oh, bugger me. And look, that's, oh, that's bandage there. Oh, oh. Mate, that's a gap in itself. And look, often when you're in a sticky situation, um, you just want one solution. You don't want to have a whole heap of stuff. And you see the trainers these days. They're too busy stopping the games. They're too busy doing HIAs. They yeah. can't afford to have the big bag with them. They just want one tape. So Graham's gaffer tape's the way to go. Graham's gaff this week. Good golly, Miss Molly. Um... I love Peter Volandis. <laughs> and uh, now Peter Volandis, I, oh, look, I, I, to be I, fair, he nailed the name before. Oh, look, he's, he's nailed a few things, but, um, one of them wasn't, there's a quote on Monday. Now, <laughs> the, I, I always thought that we'd get our best laugh out of his pronunciation of rugby league. Now, Rugby League's a good game. Uh, we follow Rugby League, but we thought we oh, we have a bit of a laugh. Um, I just want you guys to listen to a bit of audio here. Just if you missed it from the uh, Daily Ems the other night, uh, this is Peter Volandis. This is literally uh, seconds before Tom Trebojevic is given the, uh, the biggest award of the year. So let's have a listen. Sea Eagles 36 defeat Bulldogs 18. One vote. Oshay Olay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I, I'm still trying That's to figure out, fellas. Yeah, you, I mean, no, you he's good. What? He got a point. Is this pig Latin? Um, no. Do we not it's have deep. enough Joshes in the competition? I know we've got Dugan, Jackson. There's plenty of Joshes about. Uh... Too old. You know what happened is that he actually didn't pronounce the player's name, right? What happened was he saw a player walking past and went, Eshe. Uh, that was it. Okay, yeah, that's where it was. Yes, I mean in tracky dacks and a white um, tracky dacks white jacket bum bag. That's what you saw. We're nitpicking here to have a laugh, but it was Brendan it was Smith a bit and uh, Cameron Munster saw the same guy. Yes. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's another story <laughs> for another day. We've got to be careful with that. But um, look, overall, the Daily M's the other night, we we had that moment. For me, that was the highlight. I thought that it was a bit slow, but that was fun. Well, it was. You know, in, in fairness to, to PVL, in, in, I Saint, think English Saint Peter. is a second language for him. Mm. Uh, in most other languages, including one you're familiar with, uh, a couple of you yep. boys with the Dutch mm. language, uh, well, and, and uh, a J yep. has mm. the sound yep. of, of yes, a Y. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. would Yosh have done? Yeah. What do you say? Oshe. It's big Latin. It's very big pig Latin. Oshe. Ixnay on the Oshe. Ixnay on the Oshe. On the Oshe. Well, Maybe he's related, is he related to Osher Ginsburg. Well, I was oh. thinking the same thing. That he might he's be been a watching the Bachelor. Of, uh, of, mm. of, um, He's a Maybe that's where the I got it. Hey, bachelor. I'm a bachelor. Whilst whilst that's a gaff, I thought it might have made Griffo's grab the blue suit. Blue suit? I didn't see. On point. I oh, didn't just see uh, the suit with the blue tones. 
I didn't know. I, oh, I, I was watching. Oh, I looked at his suit and I said, that's a lovely looking suit. I couldn't see him. I was too busy laughing and I had tears in my I, eyes I, from that. Oh, to be fair, my, you pronounced... My... Uh, look, we're taking the Mickey here. Obviously, yeah. it's a bit of fun. <laughs> like, we, we love the guy, but geez, we're, we're giving it to him. Yeah, but he's done a lot of good things George for the game. Jennings a big favour. I did laugh. I did, did laugh. George Jennings a massive favour because George Jennings would have been the the, the short price favourite before. Yes. Before yes. Wasn't he? Wasn't he horrible? Mm. Well, actually, he was thought, poo in boots. It's I, I, we haven't bought it. We haven't said it for a while. Pooing boots for a hundredth episode. Pooing boots mistakes, but I thought actually he, he was very good with ball in hand. It was just keeping the ball in hand was a bit of an issue. But mm. there was a moment but, there where I thought he was like you know having flashbacks to his young days, and he was still playing for Penrith. Yeah, I felt the, sorry for him, but I was glad he dropped it. You know, the other the, the, thing that, that that try he that 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 was it. Wasn't credit, it? Like, credit credit to him though. Like you know, he, he he's gone to the storm, and you know he was oh, eighty minutes away playing. from a grand final. So good on him. Um, yeah, yeah, the other him. thing that was a was a slight runner up from the Dally M's. The other thing that caught my eye, and I'm sorry to steal your thunder here, Griffo. That's all right. Got a grab, but it, it caught my eye. And the magpie. I'm I'm almost calling it a gaff, and I don't know. Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm the youngest person on this panel, but maybe I'm. With a with a with a name like Graham, maybe I'm too old fashioned. My gaff and something. That what did I wasn't they call you at with. South? What did they call you when you were at South? Well, I was a young man with an old man's name. <laughs> yeah, but the um the uh, you know our dad's well, I know what, Graham's. That's I know funny. what someone else used to call you. Graham. Yeah. I'm a bit heavier now, so maybe I'm kilogram now. But um. <laughs> The, the the whole look, and it was very popular amongst the Penrith players, the suit with the sneakers. Am I that out of touch? I, I just don't know if the occasion called for it. Um, um, am I nitpicking? Well, or am I just from home out of grad, touch? So, so they might not have the full wardrobe. That's true. They, they've, they've well, they packed their bow tie, but they didn't pack their black lace-up shoes. Yeah. They could have worn their boots and taken the cleats off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be a good look? That would be great. I want. I want to Maybe see Dally they M's. Dallium's, everyone in full kit. Like Dude, that's that's jersey, why. I, shorts, that's why I highly admire. I highly admire Tyson Frizzell because he still wears black boots. Mm, he's a bit old school, isn't he? It, anyway. You know, like it's, it's like you know, back in the day, coloured boots is just a would be like a massive target on your head. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree here. with you. I, I'm not too sure if I like the sneaker look, but then again, I don't know. I'm not stylish to begin with. My, mm. You know what's hilarious is is um someone said, "Are oh, you wearing South Sydney this week? South Sydney outfits this week? You know, every day to get get on board." To which my eldest daughter replied, "He wears South Sydney gear every day, every week. It's just not going to be that's how that's how stylish yeah. I am." Oh yeah. Now look. That's Graham's gaffes this week. Um, I, I thought it was a good one. It was worth a mention. Um, but nice. look, we're going from the lows of the lows, really to the highs of the highs. We want to start talking about the Dally, the Dally M's the other night. Um, everyone talks about it being the night of nights. Look, to be honest with you right now, no one's wearing sneakers to our awards. We have the Carpool Rugby League Awards. This is the most prestigious moment of the year for all of those who are looking to win an award 
if you are in the NRL. And this year, uh, the Carpool Rugby League Awards are brought to you by Poo and Boots Footy Socks. Poo and Boots Footy Socks, a feeling you just won't believe. All right, so this year we've got our categories, fellas. Um, now, Dan, you're going to help us out with this. We're putting you on the spot here because you're going to be a little bit of the, the deciding vote, so to speak. So what Shano, Griffo, and I have done throughout the week is we've had a bit of a think about it, and we've broken the Carpool Rugby League Awards down into three categories. So very similar to the uh, the Daily M Award, we have our Team of the Year, so we'll be letting uh, you know as well as the listeners who is in our Team of the Year. We'll go through position by position and uh, let all the listeners know what we think. Um We'll also have a Coach of the Year and Player of the Year award. I don't think uh, anyone's going to be too surprised with the Player of the Year. But uh, look, if there's a bit of conjecture, Dan, we're going to let you have the final say if we've, um, you know, if we've got a bit of a differing opinion. So we might as well kick it off, fellas. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the first position, as always, when we look at a team sheet, is the fullback. Um, I I've got Tom Trebojevic. Tom Trebojevic, I should say. Uh, as the fullback of the year, and I'm pretty sure you boys would probably agree with me on that one, Shano. Yeah, I've got Turbo. Yeah, Griffo Turbo? I've Turbo written down because it's so much easier to spell than Trebojevic. I had Turbo. <laughs> yeah, I, I had know. the same I had Turbo. Struggling and you to know say what it. I've got for, for my bench? I've got Jake T. <laughs> I'm not yeah. up on the Serbian language so much. No. Nah, so any Dan, language that puts J's in places they shouldn't be, I always struggle with. Mm, a lot yeah, of those right. Eastern Europeans, they put J's and Z's. Imagine trying to read a Polish phone book. How hard would that be? <laughs> yeah, mate, you'd have to have a lot of time on your hands too, mate. So, um, but look, you know, speaking, look, you know, I'm not going to go back to Peter Vlandis with J's where they shouldn't be, but uh, I think Dan, uh, Tom Trebojevic was the only option yeah. at fullback. It's a. I'm actually interested, fellas. Like, obviously, Tom Dvojevic is is a standout across. Who would your number? Who would your second best fullback of the year be? I had Teddy. Yeah, I, I was actually leaning towards Tedesco. Um, are we? And this is where I was thinking today. Uh, and and what got it over the line? I don't know if this is uh, kosher or not. I think his influence in Origin. And I don't know if you boys took Origin into account. As yeah, well not as every games. game you play. Every yeah, game you play. And I, counts. I think he was yeah. he was big there. Um, so yeah, and 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 yeah, I think Teddy was was a close second. Um, and I know Shane, you had a few other contenders there. Uh, Latrell might have been a bit further down the list for you. Yeah, yeah, but I'd, I'd agree with you guys, Teddy. Yep. Yeah, and, and look, I had Pappenhaus, and I just thought there were. You know, although he played limited football this year, he um he was during that run there were certain games where he was just electric. It's amazing, isn't it? It's almost the error of the fullback. We've got so many quality fullbacks. Hey, you know what Daly M starts with Can year. I bring something up about Daly M Do it. that I found refreshing? Daily not Messenger one. or the actual award? No, not that <laughs> not Daly, because it's actually Daly Messenger. Um yeah. not one Queenslander. Yeah, right. Even the yeah, that's true. And the one the, not one the, Queenslander, the the the, uh, the Brisbane player that got in from uh, New South Wales, Payne Haas. Um, not so one Queenslander. Yeah, very interesting. It's, it's very yeah. That's not something I picked up. No, well, I, done, I, was, I was 
I've worn my blue undies in uh, in celebration. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on to the wingers, um, we both picked. Uh, we all picked two wingers. Um, mm-hmm. I had Garrick and Toto for my wingers. Um, I know Shane, you went slightly different from memory. I went Toto. I think he'd be the standout. I went Johnson. I thought twenty nine tries. Um, Yet again, Ken Irvine medal winner. Um, Broke the club record. I just thought, unless you've actually watched South play, he actually has a lot of try assists for a winger too. He actually does get the ball back on the inside as well. So where there was probably another three or four opportunities he could have scored himself or maybe five, he put the ball back in. And whilst I love Garrick, Garrick was my third choice. I just thought, you know, for the volume of, of tries he's finished this year, um, I, I gave it to Johnson, but, you know. Mm. Toto undisputed, Griffo, but uh, your other winger was also different to, to both of us. Yeah, I, I did have Toto. And maybe I, I picked this other guy more on reputation, um, to, to be honest, but I went for Josh Adelkar, yeah, the Melbourne man, the Fox, um, yeah, I did think about, you know, my God, you know, Toto was not a, a thought. It was just he was there. But, um, you know, I did think about Adelkar. I thought about Garrick. I thought about Johnston. Um, I sort of, I guess, the sixth try night sort of stuck out in my mind mm. uh, for Adelkar. Mm. But uh, I guess like, we're going to the casting vote for yeah. the first time. It's interesting, Dan, because because you know we've got we've got three different wingers there. Obviously, Toto's the um, the constant there. Griffo makes a good point though with Josh Adokar. Sometimes we just expect him to play so well that we don't always notice when he's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like Toto is clearly the standout um, mm. of the of the bunch there. Um, looking at the um, other alternatives um, for me as a Manly fan, I thought Jason Saab had a, had a strong season after a slow start as well. Yeah, I was considering um, him. He'd be up there for me. I think Griff makes a very good point about Adokar. So in my mind, Adokar doesn't particularly stand out, but that's because he didn't have a particularly stunning season. But that's because his hand, that's because his standards are so high that he had a really solid season. That you know, it's just it probably went unnoticed a bit because he was just doing what he does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits in over at the Dogs next year, um, if he can replicate that. Um, for me, out of the pick, obviously, um, Ruben Garrick. I'm a huge fan of being a Manly fan as well. I just I do wonder how much of what Ruben Garrick does in terms of his point scoring, I, I tend to separate the goal kicker from the position itself. Yeah. Um, if that yeah. makes sense, like his 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 goal kicking doesn't contribute to his input as a winger. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, his goal kicking has been phenomenal. Um, he turns four points in the six every time. But you know he could be playing in the centres or he could play be playing at fullback and still doing that goal kicking. Um, he's had a couple of really great runs, a couple of really great tries. But I, I think. As a winger, I think Johnston had a strong year, personally. Um, and, and it's only by hair. So, for me, it would be Toto and Johnston would be the two I would go for. Yep. No. So, I'm trying, to keep, I'm, try, I'm trying to keep Garrick's trade value down so that Manly can yeah. sign him. <laughs> you, want, you, don't want him, you don't want him to bust the cap. That's yeah, very well, well played we, there. We do know the carpool, the carpool awards adds another 100K to their value. So it does. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You watch You watch the super coach just... Absolutely shipped once this podcast drops. Uh, we move on now to our centres. Uh, looking at the teams, fellas, um, 
you two boys have picked the same sentence this year and it's probably hard for people to uh, argue with this. Both of you guys from memory have gone with Olam and Burton. Uh, yeah. I've gone with Olam. I think he's by far the um, the standout centre. Um, it, 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 it is a tough one because I do have Burton elsewhere in my team. Uh, I had Olam and Joey Manu. So I just want to get some thoughts from you guys first, Griffo, especially um, I'll get you to talk about Burton being the, the Panthers fan. I'm a bit outvoted here, but I have no issue um, if the the um, the majority goes with Burton because he's had a great year. Yeah, he has. Um, you know, it's all that conjecture early on in the season. Is he going to sign with the Bulldogs? Is he not going to sign? And um, apparently, he did train a lot in the off season in the centres. And then we saw the swap deal with Momorowski coming in uh, and Dane Laurie leaving. And I guess that probably may have got his nose slightly out of joint, if not certainly his manager, uh, because Momorowski started at centres. Burton came in when Momorowski got a sus- suspension and never looked back. Um, so can I just add something to that? Sure. Bingo Aren't the dogs lucky that they didn't get him? Aren't the dogs lucky? Oh. Like, like, I know Penrith's lucky, but if you're looking at the dogs, you're going, we've got a guy who's just, is just. He's a better beef. player for playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's right. more value right. long, like, long term. Like sending, yep. It's like sending three juniors to the storm and saying, there you go, have a go. You know, yep. it's, the dogs were nowhere this year and, and they are so lucky. Yeah. Sorry, Griff. I just wanted to put that in. No, I think, no, yeah. no, I think a lot was made point, about point. a lot was made at the time when he didn't go. And and I know Landry had a had a lot of say in let him stay because we're going to be nowhere this year. He's at a club that's somewhere. Get some time, get some skills, learn from the best one of the best clubs in the competition, and then yeah. come here. And I, I yeah, I I think they've They've walked uh, to the end of the rainbow and hit gold there. I think, I think about, you might think that now, Shane, but he wasn't mm. thinking it at the time. I know, yeah, yeah. Because put their foot down. That's, so that's right. You know, that's right. But, but look at career progression for someone like uh, Corey Allen. Um, you know, in yeah. his year yeah. in a struggling club. You know, if he, if he was eight point. You know, like if he's off the bench for Southies, you know, Cotrick. You know, like yeah. you've got these players who otherwise, you know, could have used maybe another year or two of development at, at stronger clubs. You know. Bulldogs, it's a discussion for another day. But yeah, Burton, it's definitely paid dividends. For, and and to all the people who early on said, oh, why would the Panthers keep him? They don't need him. Well, when Cleary and Lulai went down injured, it, like, you know, they, they had a few losses oh, in there. But like the, having that strike, like, the why kid would the Panthers earned him over? Yeah, you the know? kid earned everything. Like, um, he, he's got a lot well, of fortitude. Like not, he, not that I'm just trying to sell our own stuff. But I, I actually went back just to try and prepare this week just to get a bit of an idea of where we've come from. If you listen back to our first podcast of the year, we had a discussion about, and it wasn't even the Penrith um, preview episode, it was the very first episode where we previewed the bottom four teams. And one of the tidbits was something to do with Penrith and Matt Burton. I think it was about him going to the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs wanting to take him early. And we had a good discussion there. And Griffo had some really good points. And we we were basically saying, look, at worst, this guy is the best backup for anywhere in your back line in the team. 
And Griffo said, look, I think that Momorowski is going to play in the centres, but Burton would be a great option there. And I'll tell you what, Griffo, I'm going to blow your trumpet here. There's another quote for you. But the Penrith... I know you're not <laughs> The Penrith fans, they saw this. They saw the talent in this young bloke, and they said, look, we know that Luai and Cleary are the halves. Momorowski's coming in, he's talent, but... This guy is too good not to be in the team. And I even remember, you know, going back over the years, there have been a lot of times where there have been players who are just too good not to have in the team and they find a spot for him. And he's the, he's the Dallium centre of the year and the bloke's not even a centre. Phenomenal talent. And look, if you're a Bulldogs fan, you've you got to be excited because he is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Look, he's got a huge range of skills. Um, in the centres, we've seen his running game uh, as the best part of, of his armoury. He's got a lot of tries. Um, he's got great speed. But he's got a phenomenal kicking game that we don't see used when he's playing in the centres. We did see it a bit when he came in to play 5-8 when Cleary was out. So the Bulldogs are getting – they're getting a, a massive player next year, a player who will have grand final experience. I'm hoping will be a grand final winner. Um, obviously, there might be some conjecture about that. But <laughs> right. it's okay. um, at the very least, they're getting a player who's had big game experience – has a range of skills that is that very few in the game in the NRL can match. Yeah. When you look at his his running game, he's got a good passing game and a great kicking game, and he's a strong defender. He's a big lad. Um, so they are getting uh, a player next year that they can build their team around. I remember you know, Orange Sims saying, um, I think it was my been the coach or the manager. Orange Sims, sorry, Dubbo Sims, um, saying when, you know, we sort of struck him, what, what did he play in his junior years? And um, and the coach or the manager or something, I, I remember reading it in, 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 and saying, this guy doesn't have a position. Yeah, he, he, you know, like when he's not when he's not playing 5'8", he's taking a hit up. I mean, he's not taking a hit up, he's scooting from dummy half. He said, this kid's just everywhere. You know, you don't want to put a number on his back because that that almost stifles him into a position. He said, you just want to say to Matt, play. And, and you know, like, imagine Group 11, what he must have done. Like, and, you know, what he did do. Like, we know he carved up, and that's why Penrith jumped all over him. Um, it it just goes to show that what, what a man... I can't remember if it was the manager or coach or who it was when they were talking about Matt Burton um, playing for Dubbo Sims, it's just transferred into into the NRL because this guy can genuinely play anywhere. Yeah, he's that good. He's just yeah. he's just got talent. And he's got to be in the team, which is yeah. which is great to see. A young bloke, and he's got such a future ahead of him. It's it's, it's wonderful to see. Um, just before we move on from the centres, as I said, I didn't have Burton as one of my centres of the year. Um, it, it's pretty harsh. Uh, spoiler alert, I've got him as number 14 in my team because he is that utility. He can play everywhere. And look, if we weren't picking a bench this week, I probably would have had him as a centre. 
But just so yeah. that you got to mention, I put Joey Manu in there. Um, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. Am yeah, I fantastic yeah. year? I, I, yeah. For oh, me, great year. Um, great year. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I was like all of them without saying it. And for me, I think Joseph Manu would have been my personal pick as the other centre. Okay. Just cool. edging out Burton. Only, and I, <laughs> I might look at that in the in the point of view in that. Um, that I think Manu meant more to the Roosters this year than Burton does to Penrith. Not that Burton's not a huge mm. contributor to what Penrith does. Yeah, if you take yeah, Burton out of that point. team, if you if you take Burton out of that team and you put a Naden or someone in, you still have a very strong Panthers team. Um, whereas for the Roosters, given their injuries this year, it was really that injury to Manu was the straw that broke the camel's back at the end. Like they were That's always going to be a very long shot. That's they were point. always going to be a very That's long fair. shot going into the finals anyway. But as soon as Manu was out, that was their season done uh, right there, really. I just think he, he he typified the Roosters this year in terms of being the heart and soul of the team. Um, you know, they, they typified resilience. He averaged about 141 run metres every game. Um, you know, that's that's massive. His tack, um, you know, his tackle efficiency is up there about 85%. He was just, he was a, a machine for the Roosters. So... For me, I would have had him just slightly ahead of Burton, but you, you can't go wrong with picking Burton there either. No, no, no some quality centres there. And, and, and as we said, that, that was some, some really good input there considering the... I bet uh, there's the no conjecture in the halves. The halves is pretty straightforward, guys. Um, Dan, we've, we've all gone with Walker and Cleary. Can you argue that point at all? Uh, well, I'm not Freddie Fitler, so um, I would... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd change. Uh, no, Chuck White. I mean, no, it, it's Walker and Cleary the, yeah. the standouts. Um, there's, there's no, there's no discussion over it. I, I don't think in terms of whether there are other strong halves and um, others who've performed reasonably well at the sticks um, this year. Not, um, and and other solid performances at seven. Um, you know, Reynolds I think has had a very strong year at halfback as well. Um, but he's he's not been Nathan Cleary. No. Um, so for for me, it would be Walker and, and Cleary. I, I like oral mentions to you know players like yeah, there's so many qualities. We're going to look back at this era and go, gee, mm. there were some good players. Like we've mentioned oh, Hughes oh, already, Jerome Dixie. Hughes. Yeah, yeah Jerome, um, you know, Jerome Luai has been not as strong Luai. this year as he was last year, but he's still been fantastic. We Cameron Munster. About Munster, yeah, Munster. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and you the, know, the, I thought Mitchell Moses. Yeah, yeah depending on the stage of season, he's had yeah, a, a yeah. He's had yeah, wins like long at he's times. When he was on, he was uh, was really good with the Tigers. He was a standout <laughs> there for those days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're big in flight form, aren't we? Uh, look, the so holiday yeah, we'll, park. The we'll big talk. Four. We'll talk a bit more about both Walker and Cleary <laughs> later on because they feature in our uh, grand final preview. So stay listening if you want to hear more in depth talk about. Cody Walker and Nathan Cleary, both in the top three uh, Dally M uh, players of the year. Uh, they were second and third to Tom Trebojevic. Uh, when we come to the props, uh, the two props that I went with, fellas, I went with Haas and Fisher-Harris. Um, Griffo, slightly different. You went with Fisher-Harris? Yeah, I had Fisher-Harris. Um... We all had Fisher-Harris, I think. And I went for Junior Paul from the Eels. I mm, thought he yeah, was really yeah. strong. Yep. Paul, yeah. Paul. Including, including the Origin series. Yeah. And um, I think, Shane, you, you had Haas and Fisher-Harris, didn't you? I had Haas, Fisher-Harris. Probably the only person I had, I sort of did a 3-2-1 when I was looking at it. Um, my one was Daniel Sasaifi. 
Uh, yeah. There were times during the year where he was Newcastle. Now, and for a prop to be the team, you have to do a lot. And, and you know, there were times where he floundered, and that's why I think Carson, Fisher-Harris, Paulo, I'd be more than happy with. Um, Paulo was a quality player. And when he yeah. got the fine, when he got the fine and not the suspension, I thought, oh, she's Penrith are in trouble. Um because you just don't know what he can do on his day, and he, um, he was the main difference between between our our, our, our starting props. So it, it sort of says I, that. I some thought ha- I'd look, if I was picking two props, I'd say Haas and Fisher Harris and Hartman. Mm. You had Paulo ahead of Haas. We know that when we get to our bench later on, Griffo, um, you're going to talk about Haas. Obviously, not left out of the side. Um, you went with Paulo as a starter. He was instrumental to Parramatta. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um... I thought Safiti had a, had a good year too, including Origin. But um, yeah, I, I did put Haas on the bench, so I got no problem with Haas being in the in the starting lineup. He's quality. He's yep. carried the yep. Broncos. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that's a that's, that's, a, that's a really good, good quote. That's a good quote. He's because, carried the Broncos. And when we look at the the Dally M um, team of the year, Daniel, um, look, we've all you know, talked about the importance of Haas and how good he was. Given the year that Brisbane had, it's a pretty fair effort to, to be in teams of the year as a prop and, you know, have the season that the Broncos had. Well, I was, um, personally, you know, shout out to Daniel Saifidi. I know how much of a fan of the um, Knights forward pack Shane is. You know, he, lo- he loves the Knights <laughs> forward. So, Sorry, aren't so they? Saifidi, wow. uh, yeah. you know they called, You know why they called them the Knights? Because it's lights out. <laughs> um, yeah, look, for me, Fisher-Harris stand out. And Payne Haas, uh, the only thing is that I'll, I'll admit I didn't watch as many Brisbane games uh, as I possibly could have. Lockdown, uh, what so, are you doing on a Friday? Uh, no, I'm, I'm doing on a Friday night. Uh, <laughs> watching Netflix. It's Netflix night uh, for, yeah. for the playing. Uh, um, yeah. But, yeah, look, looking, you know, average 168 uh, run metres a game is, is huge. That's um, inc- yeah. and, and, and especially when... With the look, we all know Brisbane's troubles, particularly early on the season. You know, they were relying on their forward pack of you know, Haas and, and Lodge, and then Lodge leaving partway through going over to Warriors. And Haas just kept plugging away, like his, his workload was huge. Um, Junior Paulo, again, another standout. So, if, if you're having a, a forward on the bench to rotate, you'd have one of them on. Yeah. Um, you can't go wrong anyway. Um, Paulo's just that I almost feel like the difference is that Haas seem to be the type of player who is just reliable, like would just plug away, get you the meters, get you the meters, you know, get you up the field. Whereas Junior Paulo seems to be more of an impact forward. Like if he if he's the type of thing if if Paulo's running at you, you know about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's gonna sting. Yeah. Um whereas whereas Haas A, if he's running at you, you know about it, but he's gonna keep running at you all day. <laughs> yeah. Is the difference is that he's just gonna wear you down. Um so and then Fisher Harris for, for Panthers because has laid the platform. Um, we talked about clearing the halves. You know, it'd, it'd be hard for the Panthers to score if they're stuck down their 30 or 40, but they're always up in the opposition end and in large part due to Fisher-Harris. Yeah. Um, look, moving on to the uh, the second row, the number 11 and 12 in our teams. This was probably the position when I looked at the teams coming in from uh, all three of us that had the most variety in conjecture. Um I went with Isaiah Papali'i from Parramatta. 
And I was all, I was the only one that went with Angus Crichton from the Roosters. Um, mm-hmm. Shane, tell us about your second row. I went kick out. I think he's. I just think he's been exceptional. I, 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 he has been the man of the match on on a number of occasions, and Akalatau. Uh, Amoli, uh, yeah. is that Peter Valandi? Peter Valandi. I'm hopeless at this one. Amoli, Amoli, Olakuatu, Olakuatu, Olakuatu. My apologies to him. Olakuatu. Um, I think he's been fantastic. I, I had him as my um, other second rower. I thought, and, and, and my thought process is this. Well, as well up there. When, when the team wasn't really firing, he was. There was nothing wrong with his performance. Nothing wrong with what he was doing. And then when the team was on fire, he was on fire. So I just, I just, I just think that um, I, I just put him there because I thought, you know, he deserved to be there. I, I, I look, yep. you know, there was there was other people. I thought I, I, I thought about Angus Crichton, and you know what? I just thought maybe Angus Crichton tried to do too much this year, and and it led to, you know, he had he was good in patches where I thought. You got to reward someone who's solid every week. The only other guy I had in the earshot was Colin Matangi. Yeah, I thought he deserved. I thought he deserved a mention. I actually had, um, I had those two, and then my other reserve um, for the second row was Colin Matangi. So, mm. um, you know, I, I get Crichton. I just thought that there were times where. You know, yeah, I, I just thought they were for me the guys who I felt that were the most dangerous this year. And Griff, Griffo, looking at your team, um, you went Papali'i as well from memory. Uh, Shana, Shana had Kikau. Uh, you actually went with another Penrith player. You didn't have Kikau in your seventeen. Uh, no, tell us I didn't. You had as your second rower. Rod Kirk Capewell. Okay. Um, hmm. I had Capewell. Kikau, he, he he had some good games. Shane all mentioned he was some man of the match performances, but for mine, it's not consistent. Yep. Um, See, I that's why I got rid of Kick uh, Catewell because I remembered Catewell just knocking on in key instances. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah that's fair and, call. Oh, and, fair that, and that's why I did kick out. I, I Catewell perfect, like you know, yeah. like yeah. Um. Look, just on Papali'i, he's been the buyer of the year. Um, bargain basement, I think it was on 150000 Um I saw him in the trial game, Battle of the West trial game, and he was Power's best player. I thought, wow, this guy's had a huge game. Went on to be uh, in the Dalian team of the year, and I thought he was amazing mm. for Para, especially at what they were paying for him. So well done, Isaiah Papali'i. Um some of the other guys you mentioned in the second row, I fully agree. Kalal Matsungi, I've got no problem if he was there. Um, I just think maybe again with the consistency wasn't quite there. He's he's quality. He's a state of origin player. Possibly as soon as next year, I'd have no problem having him in the side. Um, Angus Crichton, I also did consider. I thought with Angus Crichton, while he was very good in a number of games. 
he was out for a lot of time as a result of suspensions. Um, and that's why I sort of left him out because it's just, you're letting your team down uh, when you're not out on the field. Um, and I think in the last one or two games, I don't think he was quite at his best either. Um, so that's, look, Angus Crichton, he's quality. Um, again, yeah. I wouldn't have a problem if he was in there, but that's mm, just my reason I, for, I, for a slight difference there to some of the others. I think my reasoning for Crichton was, um, I remember when we came to Origin, he was my first back row I picked. Uh, I was like, Angus Crichton has to be there. And I think also, too, what I've been impressed with with Angus Crichton, <laughs> all the South fans listening to this are thinking, geez, Graham, what are you doing here? Um, when Boyd Cordner was no longer a part of the club, they needed someone in that back row and in that forward pack to, to stand up to play consistently and to be a threat. And if you're playing against Angus Crichton, he was one of those players. And I, I just think that, um, I think he's a phenomenal player. I, I think he's had a good year. And to be honest with you, yeah, he's, he, he actually has had a great season. He has missed some games. I can't remember off the top of my head how many games he would have missed. I don't know if you guys can help well, he's me He's missed out. quite a lot because he got mm. two suspensions. Yeah, and look, to be honest with you, I've got Cleary as my halfback, and I reckon Crichton played more games than Cleary this year. I know it's through suspension rather than injury, but um, look, if we're going to play that game, I think Crichton's probably played more footy, and I think he's been very influential given that the, the Roosters are looking for talent, they're looking for leaders, someone who can steady the ship, someone who can change a game. That was Angus Crichton for me for the Roosters. Dan? Yeah, um, look, uh, Olakwatu for me, obviously being a Manly fan, was, was a breakout performer. Um, but I also wonder how much of I think of that based on my expectation versus where he's at. Like he's definitely, you know, a, a, a hard ball runner, but... Um, a bit of development to go. For me, my two would have been Kaloa Matangi uh, and Isaiah Papali'i. Um, I, we want to keep the awards very positive. Interesting that Papali'i at the end of last year was unsigned and Para picked him up bargain basement, whereas the Titans uh, secured David Fafita um, yeah. also yeah. in that second row. And yeah. if you're looking yeah. at value was... for money, look, the, 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 the talent cap. Great point. You know, it's, hard, it's hard to project where a player is going to end up. And you'd think that, you know, David Fafita at his best, can be probably the best in the game. Um, but if you're looking at production from a, a 2021 standpoint, and Isaiah Papali is very young as well, um, I, think, I think Parry would be pretty happy with, with what they got there. He wasn't a name that would have been mentioned at, at all at the start of the year, um, but he was a, a, a large part of their success. And especially when you consider that you know they've got someone like Ryan Matt, Madison who wasn't making the run-on side uh, towards the end. Yeah. Um, you know, in yeah. terms of big name that's, factor. That's um, a talented I, I think he was a standout, yeah. Yep. All right, moving on to Locke. So what I mean, does that mean, Graham, when we're officially? Who, uh, who Papali's got one spot. Dan, what are we thinking? I think, well, the other name's been about you had uh, Kikau, Capewell, uh, Crichton, but I think the general consensus and, you know, to try and take away from the Cardinal and Myrtle bias, I, th- I think Kalai Matangi uh, was the name that, that came up. Well, his name often. goes down as, as go. the official. All there right. you go. Good on you, Keon. Well done. Look, and that's the thing. There's so many quality players, and especially in these forwards. Um, and that that's what brings me to this lock position because... Oh, wow. I was watching the, the Dally M's the other day, and you had the the nominees for the Dally M lock of the year. <laughs> yes, it's insane. Yo, Trebojevic, uh, Murray, 
and Finucane. You think, holy cow. I'll, I'll put it that way. Look, when we come to our Carpool Rugby League um, official awards, Griffo had Isaiah Yo. I had Isaiah Yo as the lock of the year. Shane had Cam Murray. Based on I, last week. Cam Murray. And, and to be honest with you, I've got, got a confession the, to make. I just didn't want to sound like I'm just favoring South players. That's why I went with Yo. Murray's on my bench. They're both. I had, I had Yo. I had Yo. When we talked about doing this, <laughs> I had Yo locked in. I had Isaiah Yo locked in. And then Cameron Murray played last week. He wasn't man of the match, I don't think. He should have been. Do you know do you know who what, Cameron Murray that guy is? did last week was outstanding. And I just went, I love look, I remember back when we were started this podcast, and and one of the, one of the people said, Are you the Isaiah Yo fan club? Because we used to rate him. <laughs> and, him. and we had, you know what? All the Penrith fans that give me grief. I had Penrith fans going, what are you watching that I, you're saying Isaiah Yo is this good? Isaiah Yo is phenomenal. I just had Cameron Murray because I couldn't split hairs. And then last week's performances, and I said it to myself, I can't split hairs. I'm going to choose. The, the final week is going to be it. Bang. Yeah. Cameron Murray, he, well, his post-contact meters was outstanding. He's, you know, he didn't miss a tackle. He's good. For a guy know, that makes over 30 Neither of them missed a tackle. No, they shame. didn't. The and thing. they're just they're both I just looked at it. I just went last week. Glad they're both You know New what? South I Wales. think Cameron Murray... Yeah. And look, uh, you know, I just... I just. I'll be honest with you. With Cameron Murray, Shane, and this... You know I get frustrated laugh. when people go... Here's how Bradley Cameron Murray Clyde. can play everywhere else. And it's like, well, fucking why? He's how Bradley Clyde... He's a bit smaller, he is, but he's he at Bradley Clyde. So, given that, regardless Look, of the Isaiah result Yo this week, it, I wouldn't care. He'll win the medal. Isaiah Yo's outstanding. <laughs> he's brilliant. Yes, um, sorry, mate. Look, we can see we can sit here. We'll talk that, about man. both of them. Yeah. yeah, you can see what I'm saying. And like, you know, I'm, I'm half taking the Mickey. You can see where we're going. We're going to talk about both of these players in depth with our preview. Um, we've talked. We don't have to say any more about Murray and Yo. We have spent a hundred episodes of this podcast talking about how phenomenal these two blokes are, and I feel like I'm going to throw to Dan. He's going to say that Jake Trebojevic is better than both of them. But no, come on, Dan, tell us, no, no, tell us what we're going was, to do. What do you think? I was ja- it's Jazz Devaga. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, look, uh, look uh, from from the Daly M nominees, uh, Jake Trebojevic. It wasn't his strongest year uh, for me. Only he was solid. Um, same thing for for Dale Finucane, a, a very strong yeah. player, but he, he, yeah. I don't think he was up in that top echelon. Look, if you ask me, my gut instinct, um, probably a bit of a spoiler ahead, I actually put uh, Isaiah Yo as a possible Clive Churchill medalist for the grand final. Yep. Yeah, a lot, think, think that cool. That's fair. a lot of people got it's, him. That's fair. A lot of people got him. It's the type of thing where with Isaiah Yo, he's the type of lock who can win you a match. Like he can yeah. have that. I think he had that last year where he had, you know, or, or in Origins and stuff where he'll have, he'll make a break out of nothing. You know, the, the, Against South Sydney last yeah, year, he did it. Yeah, he just went through the middle. Yep. Yeah, where the centers will be tied. It might be, you know, if, if it's a game where it's 8-6, you know, South are leading, Panthers need something. I'd trust Isaiah Yo to to be the guy who could win a match. Yeah, fair I think call. Cameron Murray. I think Cameron Murray, though, is a better, a slightly better overall package in terms of consistency. Um, and that's more just from his defensive end. 
Um, I think, look, around the edges, I, I do think there are issues for, for the Rabbitohs potentially with scoring, but I think, uh, it, I, I think South's defence are missing a lot without Cameron Murray. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, but it's, it's, it's splitting hairs. I'll go. No, with he wasn't there in double to that point. Down. Yeah, he wasn't. Mm. He was the only guy missing from that double line yeah. of the Rabbitohs, and they got towelled up. Yeah. So, so he'd be my pick for lock of the year, slightly ahead of Isaiah Yo. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, for the no, grand it's, final, oh, Isaiah it's a you know what? It, the it's funny thing is, yeah. if if Penrith had Cameron Murray and South had Isaiah Yo, you would not be upset. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah no, that's no. their quality. Yeah, cancel, cancel each other out, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, and isn't that yeah. funny? You talk about that, like two linchpins in a side, and you go, "Oh, they cancel." That's what the grand final brings, isn't it? Yeah, that's and, exactly and, what the grand final brings. And I, and look, you know, regardless of just, of that, that you'd have them on your bench. Yeah, just on that, Shane. Hmm. Uh, I'm asking this question. Um, yeah. Is he an 80-minute player regularly? He is. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I was just problem, questioning that because I know no, in Origin he doesn't play 80 minutes. Yeah, but... the, thing, the, thing with Murray. Murray is, yeah. the thing with Cameron Murray is he has phenomenal hands. He, he can pass the ball like a 5'8". And the problem is in the middle, he just does so much defense. So what, what a lot of coaching staff have sort of gotten into the habit of, and, and look, I'm not going to question Wayne Bennett. He's outstanding is that let's take him off because you know what, if we want him to run the ball, he can actually run wide and pass the ball exceptionally well. He, he's another five, eight and, um, he can do that kind of thing. So I think what they do is, is they take him off just in case because of the volume of tackling he does in the middle. Um, they just take him off as a, as a bit of a breather. What they've also found, and I think, I think in, in origin, they took him off because that's what South do. South take him off because him and him and cookie actually go, they go hand in hand with their defense. You, if you watch when, when Cameron Murray's on, he'll do a lot of defending. And then when he's off, Cookie will come in. So I think they, it's, it's a strategic move by South Sydney. On many occasions, Cameron Murray has played 80 minutes. The problem with Cameron Murray is if he plays 80 minutes, he's up around the 55 to 60 tackles. Yeah, and I, I think hurts. I think it's that managing... Hurt. It's just the curb he's, he's tackling. It's, it's managing loads. Like to, to, yeah. to answer your question, yes, he can play 80 minutes, but he doesn't and look if you if you've watched the last few South Sydney there was games, a game Benji was Marshall game. comes on and plays like a ball playing lock and yes. credit to Benji um, he, his defense is quite solid so to give him a bit of a rest and and to freshen up Cam Murray for that last 20 minutes is is, is basically um, what they're trying to do there but look the, we, we talked about yo Murray um, I know that if you're picking a 13 exclusively, that's a tough choice. Um, given the fact that we've actually picked a bench as well, that was great. When I when I saw the message through the uh, the WhatsApp chat through the week and it was that we we're picking a bench, I thought, great, because there's just been so many great players um, and I'm able now to include some of these other blokes that I wanted to be in the 17. Um, I'll give you guys my bench. 
Uh, and I know Dan. I don't know if you got your pencil oh, ready did, and it's sharpened. Did we? Or we? Did we miss? We missed. Uh, did we miss a hooker? We yes, did. we did. did. You can't, Sorry, you can't, you, can't, you can't look. You can't miss a hooker Jesus. unless you've uh, unless oh. you've been using the, uh, the, the dating service. Sorry, I've unless, been unless, on, you, unless you've uh, unless I've you've been on smashing, smashing baby, baby. dating agency. I, I totally apologise. Look, um, Griffo, you and I went for Smith. Um, Brandon, uh, uh, the Brandon version. Yep. Shane, you had Smith as your um, your second best hooker of the year. I had Smith on the bench with Cook starting. Yeah, Cook starting. So, look, we, we, we've talked about the Storm and the influence of Smith, and thank you, Dan, for keeping me on track because fair dinkum, um, we're too excited for this grand final. So, Brandon Smith, we know Brandon Smith. I'll be honest with you. I If, if we had to choose another... Like if someone said, look, you know, name me your, your three or four best hookers, I would have had Harry Grant in that list as well. Um, Brandon Smith's obviously the one that stood out for me and playing those minutes there. It's phenomenal that one club like the Storm could have two great hookers after we thought that Cameron Smith leaving was going to be um, a massive impact. Uh, Griffo, you've gone with me and Smith. What is it about the cheese that you like? Well... He can do it all. Uh, he can run, score tries just from his bullocking runs. Uh, he can set up tries. Like he's not as, I guess, as well known for his his try assists, but he does he does create tries as well. He's tough. He's a very strong defender. Um, and I think you know. We, I don't think he's the best hooker in the competition. I think Harry Grant is, but I think Brandon Smith's had the best year. Harry Grant missed a lot of the year through injury. Um, I just think Brandon Smith's been a standout as as the best in 2021, uh, even though I don't think he is the best hooker in the league. Um, you know, I've got Grant first, Cook second, uh, Corey South third, and I got Brandon Smith as the fourth best hooker, but I think he's the best performed this year. Hope that doesn't sound like a contradiction, but I'm just looking at 2021. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I'm, I might chuck in. Um, I would have Brandon Smith probably as well. Would be my pick personally. Uh, interesting. A couple of names not mentioned. Uh, Reed Marnie. I think yeah. was pivotal yeah. to the Eels this year. Um, him being injured just um, around that origin period, that was when we saw the big Eels slump. Um, they had a bit of a resurgence in that final series, but lot, we, we talked about last week when the game get, came down to the wire, not having Reed Marnie there was a, a big yep. a big factor in that game against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coruscant, very strong. Cook had, had a... I mean, Cook tore us apart last week. <laughs> I mentioned, you know, them making a lot of me up the field. Cook was a big part of that. It's just Brandon Smith is just so dangerous. Um, I don't want to be inappropriate, but uh, as we know, he can find the white line. It seems. Uh, Brandon yeah. Smith, no ah! trouble there. But um, we yeah. have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been trying for the best line today, and you won. Yeah. You as Griffo mentioned, that. he might not actually be the best, um, but I think he was the best in 2021. Yeah. The, the thing about yeah. Brandon Smith is, oh, <laughs> when when he when Grant comes on, 
Brandon Smith plays as a, as a running forward. Yeah. None of those mm. other guys in the number nine can do that. Mm. So his value to the Storm is immeasurable, really, for what he offers. Um, yeah. He can play, and, and he wants to play as, as, your, as your number nine. But when you've got a guy like Harry Grant, um, I mean, it's, it's an amazing rotation that they've got there. Uh, and they obviously, they missed him when he went off last Saturday, uh, went off early in that game, and, and the storm suffered as a result of that. He's, a, he's the type of bloke that could, if you go to a team and you're really settled with your your hooker, like if you go to Penrith and you got an Apicorosau, South have a Damien Cook, so on and so forth, he's the type of bloke that, He's that versatile. He could be the best lock in the competition. Absolutely. Well, mm. you uh, know, the pure fact that you've got another bloke. He's, he could be up hooker. there. He could be up there as one yeah. of the best locks. Mm. Um, we just talked just, about some of the. Well, to be honest, with you, he might be fifth yeah. best because lock is just one yeah. of those positions where we've got an abundance of talent. Yeah. But um, yeah, now nah, Brendan Smith, unbelievable. We're we're not going to talk too much about. The uh the Smith and Munster thing. Obviously, everyone knows that that's that news is broken. But we want to talk about positive things, things that are happening on the field. Um, and thank you, Daniel, for for assisting me because I forgot about the hooker. Being a good man, I am. Um, so if we go to our benches now, I'm just going to read my bench just to give people an idea. Basically, a lot of the times for us fellas, because we've named a 17-man squad, the bench has been the players that we necessarily haven't been able to fit into the 13. So for me, I've got Burton as my utility as 14. I've got uh, Cam Murray because I went for Yo at uh, lock. I've got Jake Trebojevich yet again. because well, Murray I... made it, so would yeah. you put Yo there? Lord, did he? I don't think he did make it. Did he? Well, Graham had Yo when I had, I had Yo. Yeah, Yo got. Well, the, what was the, the deciding vote? Well, well two, two, two oh, out three had one. Yo. Sorry, it was three out two. I'm sorry, I thought Dan I had Yo. Good. Yeah, I yeah, I'm yo. happy to have Yo in there. You know, because what? I had Murray on the bench. You know what? Just for craps and giggles, I'll let you run with it. I actually had Yo at thirteen and Murray at fourteen. Yeah, it's 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 look, six of one, half a dozen of the other. As we said before, they cancel each other out. That's and right. It's, and it's of like we talked quality. about it during the week, and we said, look, if we if we if we're the origin selectors and we're taking the piss a bit, like we've got our centres are you know, Turbo and Latrell, and we've got Teddy at fullback. But that's another story for another day. Uh, my bench: Burton, Murray, Jake Trebojevic, and Junior Paulo. Um. Yep. Griffo and Shano, looking at your teams, I'll go to Shano first of all, um, because your bench is is similar in a sense where you've got Murray um, and Jake Trebojevic. You've got Brandon Smith there, obviously. We just talked about how great he is because you went with Cook. And uh, one bloke that deserves a big mention that neither Griffo or I had was uh, Pappenhausen. Before I get to Griffo, I'll just get you to talk about uh, Ryan Pappenhausen and uh, the... Oh, I just has. thought... You know, in the games he played this year, um, outside of injury, in the games he played, he was phenomenal. Like yeah. he, he really. Um, it's funny, although you can talk about the nineteen in the row for the Storm, there was a couple of games there where, in that first half, they were just struggling and looking for someone to step up and and, and do something, and that was Ryan Pappenhausen more often than not. So, 
I, I just looked at, yeah, you know, I, I suppose for that 17th player, I just said, okay, out of everyone who I haven't put in the side, who's the damaging player? Who could come on and absolutely rip and tear and reap havoc? And for me, that was Pappenhausen. Yeah, he's that, he's that quality utility that you've put on the bench. And it's it's funny, it just shows it shows the times really that we've picked all three of us have picked four four uh, sorry three forwards and one utility on the bench. I went with um, uh, Burton on the bench because I didn't having have him in the team. Um, Griffo, your bench. You went with Jerome Hughes in that utility spot. Murray and Haas. Uh, we've all had in our teams, but you also went dry arrow. So uh, Jerome Hughes, dry arrow are the two players on your bench and in your side that uh, neither Shane or I had, both quality players. Uh, tell us a bit about, first of all, um, Jerome Hughes and then uh, a dry arrow. Great great player, quality player. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that the uh, the one Panthers fan this week going to the grand final is the one that's got the, uh, the South bloke on the bench. Yeah, well, firstly on Hughes, I think he's been the second best halfback this year behind Cleary. And he was the constant, really. When Melbourne were chopping and changing due to injury and state of origin and whatnot, he's was, he was the one guy that seemed to be there every week. I think he missed maybe one game um, during that, that long stretch there. Uh, where he might have been injured, maybe he was rested, I'm not sure. But irrespective of whether you had Monster, you had Pappenhausen or whoever else was out, Hughes was getting the job done. And and, and special mention, Nico Hines, who um, was also brilliant during that time. But I just thought, and as I said, I was so impressed with what Hughes did last weekend. I just thought... He, in, in 2021, he's been one of the best 17 players. That's why I put him on there. Because he actually came to Melbourne as a fullback. Um, yep. uh, but they had uh, they had so many fullbacks. They had Slater, they had Papinels, they had Drinkwater. Um, and he got he got slotted in into the halves. And he's never looked back. I mean, he's hugely talented. Oh, when I say he's hugely talented... Maybe he's not as talented as some others, but his performances um, outweigh the maybe some guys that maybe have more natural talent. So for mine, that's why I put him there. I think he's been phenomenal this year. Likewise, Arrow. Arrow's come mm. from the Gold Coast. It seems like he's been at Souths for years, but it's only his first year there. Um so, you know, he probably hasn't played too much finals football in the past. Maybe he might have got a game with the Broncos. I, you know, I think a few years ago, maybe they've made the finals. Whether he was in the team, I can't remember. But he's been outstanding. He's been the guy that really uh, getting under the skin of the opposition teams. And I think he did that very well against the Panthers a few weeks ago. Uh, I just think he's had, had a very good year at the Rabbitohs. Um, they signed him early last year and we knew he was going to be great for them and he has been, he hasn't let anyone down and then uh, I did have Cam Murray and Payne Haas on the bench they, they both had great years as we've talked about yeah, no, definitely 
And and it shows there, and as I said, it was a bit of a um, safety net having the 14 through to 17 there. Just, just throwing to you, Dan, I just want to get your thoughts here. I'm putting you on the spot here, I know, and I apologise. Is there anyone there that you might have feel we've forgotten or given that you've heard our benches there, um, what are your thoughts on some of the players there that we've uh, decided to include on the bench it, given the fact that we couldn't get them in the starting 13? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a difficult one. You guys have, have covered most of the positions fairly well and I do agree that you know perhaps players who didn't make the original squad, um, say, for example, a Yo would be perfect on the bench. Um, yeah. I, I might rotate in there, say, a, a Christian Welch. Um, yeah, he's been great too, yeah. Yeah, good call, call. Big call. yeah, that's a great yeah. call. He's an interesting yeah. one in that he wouldn't have been, he wasn't in our discussions for the best front rower. Um, but I actually mm. think he's just more he's more versatile in a way, in that some of the pure front rowers like your Saifiyas or, or Jared Weir Hargreaves or whatever, I don't necessarily know that you want them as your bench strike player, whereas I think Welch, um, particularly defensively, um, would make a, a big contribution. So he'd, a name, he'd be a name that I'd consider possibly adding to a bench, but I, I don't think you could have him at the expense of any of the other players that you guys have mentioned. And he's have probably we... the first... He's the first Queensland prop picked. We've got to say that. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, it's, it's him and Papali'i. Yeah. You, usually, um, if you're picking a Queensland team, and not that we talk, like to talk about you know Queensland very often, and we... We thank them for hosting the grand final this week, but he—he's the first Queensland prop picked. That's a fair mm. call. Yeah. Have, look, have we written down so we can publish this to our? You know. Yes, we'll your, put it on Facebook. We'll, we will publish our official team. Um, and obviously, thank you, Daniel, for um deciding yeah, some good that. insights yeah yeah absolutely that, that was great to to have the mediator and it was good to see that there was some some conjecture in certain um positions but what that says to us is and i keep saying this and i know that we love and i'm the same and all of us are the same we look back to another era and say geez footy was great then i just have a feeling guys that we're living in an era now where Generations to come are going to look back and say, geez, there were some great players at that time. Like yep. when you look at our discussion about fullback of the year, lock of the year, the halves, they're, they're, there's just so much talk about the quality and this is going to become just, just, just a phenomenal discussion going forward. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about, we've got our team of the year. They need a coach. Um, this is something we haven't talked about, fellas, and we haven't put forward. I'll throw my, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dip my toe in the deep end here. I'm going Trent Robinson. Uh, I'm going Trent Robinson. It's circumstantial. Uh, he, he had a team that had a significant amount of injuries, and whilst the Roosters as a club as a whole will see this season as... They'll see it as a disappointment. Any for the Roosters, any competition that's not won is a failure. But you know what did they have about? Was it? Did we decide on about ten first graders missing? For Trent Robinson, yeah. For Trent Robinson to get this team to where they did, I think he gets coach of the year. What do you? What are you thinking, Griffo? I wouldn't disagree. Um, uh. 
at this point in time, um, yeah, I couldn't disagree with that. But you know, I, I I like to hold off judgment on coach of the year till after Sunday, to be honest, because yeah, good point. Um, if the winner of next week, like, and that's a that's a that's a good point. Are we at the point where? Penrith win next week, it could be Cleary. If South win next week, do we give Bennett the nod? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I would. Premiership first. trumps everything, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, there's been some great coaching performances from a handful of coaches. Um, Trent Robinson, for the reasons you, you just alluded to, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you said, he's done, a, he's done an amazing job with with what he's had to work with. Um, Cleary doesn't get too many raps as a coach, um, but his team has done really well. And they're in a position to be the premiers. If Penrith win, I'd say he's the best coach of the year. If South Sydney win, I think Wayne Bennett's the best coach of the year. Um, I know Craig Bellamy got the Dally M coach of the year, and I, you can't argue with that from nah. where when they made that decision. Because, Nineteen in a row. Yeah, uh, they were out, and and they had a lot of injuries to contend with for a lot of those games where where they were, you know, one part of that nineteen. They had several players out every week. They really hadn't put their best team on the park till till last weekend. Um, so, uh, you know, I can't argue with Bellamy, any of those, any of those guys, the, the one guy that we haven't mentioned is Des Hasler. Um, hmm. he's done a, yeah. a really great job with his team, lifting them from, from basically the basement after four rounds to where they got to. So any of those five guys could, could be contenders after that. No one, no one's getting a mention. Shane, Shane, who's coach of the year and why is it Anthony Seabold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a toss up between him and Trent Barrett. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I was going to say Trent Robinson, and um, yeah, uh, for for what he did to get the players there, until Griffo spoke. And I heard Griffo's. I had I had Trent Robinson, and then whoever wins the grand final um, would be equal with that. I, I'm happy to deliberate next week when yeah. the grand final's done. Yeah, that, that 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 could be part of our our review. Dan, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. I know last week you talked a lot about Trent Robinson and what he did with the squad available and just the the culture and the phenomenal success that the Roosters had despite the fact that they were absolutely demolished by your Manly Seagulls in the finals. Um, what are your thoughts on the coach of the year? Are you still juries out? Let's have a yeah. chat next week. It's such, a, it's such a tough one. Like Again, my gut instinct would have been Trent Robinson based on the adversity that the Roosters had faced this year and where they ended up. Um, but as, as Griffo mentioned, he, he summed it all up, really. There is a good argument for Des Hasley given... I mentioned earlier the development of so many of those players who I thought were sort of fringe players that, that developed really strongly. Um, I mentioned last week Craig Bellamy, how he adapts his team to the game. I know they, they missed out, but, you know, the NRL made an effort to speed the game up in part in response to how well Melbourne wrestle. And 
his team adapted to that and had the, the best win-loss ratio across the whole season. Um, and, and then in terms of Ivan or, or Wayne, it depends on the outcome of this weekend's game. So my gut instinct would be uh, Trent Robinson across the whole season for where they are. But, um, it, it, you know, uh, it's one of those ones where the five five of the teams at the top, it's a very clear standout. Yeah. I just want to ask just quickly, I know this is a bit off topic. I know we're talking about coach of this year. There's been a lot of talk going into this grand final about the best coach ever. Um, it's it's not one of those ones where you've got a million nominees. Uh, you've got Wayne Bennett. A lot of people talk about Jack Gibson. Griffo, I'm going to ask you because you've you've watched a lot of games coached by these coaches. Is it really up to the result on Sunday as to whether or not Wayne Bennett will go down as the greatest coach ever? What are your thoughts? Does he already have that moniker or does he need this premiership? Firstly, I want to say hi to Monica. Um, <laughs> Lewinsky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, back. we're back where we were before. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually. It's a wonder we got to 100 before. episodes. <laughs> um, look, I think you can build a case already to say he's, he's the greatest coach of all time. Uh, uh, and, and you could. You know, you could support that with lots of evidence. Um, I don't have any stats in front of me in terms of win-loss ratios. Jack Gibson obviously has a great record. I think he won four premierships. I know five, sorry. Two with the Roosters, uh, 74, 75. And then he went 81, 82, 83 with, uh, with the Eels. But he had some poor years outside of those where his teams didn't actually go too well. Um, but, you know, he was all, always sort of dubbed the super coach. Um, uh, he's always going to be in, in discussions about the greatest of all time. Um, Bennett, I think, has already won maybe six competitions. Seven. Uh, seven, is it? Okay, so six with the Broncos, one with the Dragons. Um if he can get South over the line this week, yeah, and I think, you know, well, I actually already think he's ahead of Jack Gibson, to be honest. Hmm. Um, although maybe Jack Gibson didn't coach as many years as what Bennett's done. Um, yeah, it, both of them are in discussion. But I think, you know, then you've got to look at Craig Bellamy. Yeah. Um, who's yeah. probably got a better win-loss ratio uh, than both of those two guys. And I say that without having evidence in front of me. But if you look at the time, you know, the number of times since Bellamy's been in charge of the Storm that they haven't made the semifinals, uh, there's probably one year where they got, you know, those points deducted for, for but, salary cap Yeah, that's issues. the only thing stopping them. Um, and I think they've probably been in the semifinals every other year. And, and then they're normally making a grand final. Um, and they've won a lot of them. So the thing you can say um, in terms of Gibson and Bennett is that they've done it at two different clubs. Bellamy's been a one-club man. Um, but I, I don't think anyone else can, can um, match those three mm. in saying that 
um, St. George before they were St. George in Illawarra, won 11 years in a row. Yeah. I think they might have had a few different coaches, but I they know did. Um, I think Norm Proven was Norm Proven was captain coach, coach there for a while. Yeah. Shit, they had a hell of a squad. I, I, yeah, I, I think the Far only out. thing to add, I think the only thing to add for for Wayne Bennett being argued that would be, Griffo mentioned two clubs, actually three clubs with the Dragons in their 2010 Premiership year. Um, I believe Wayne. Was, yeah, yeah, two 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 Premierships. Two clubs. This will be the third. Oh, Southwind. Sorry, my apologies. My apologies. Southwind will be the third club. Is that, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm this not, is I'm, actually... I'm not assuming it's South Victory. Apologies. Yeah. Assume yeah. all you want from me and Shano. <laughs> but he also got the Raiders yeah. To, yeah. to a grand final. Yeah, to a grand fourth, final. Fourth club. So, so on Sunday, uh, it's the fourth club he's coached to a grand final. If South win, it'll be the third club that he has won a grand final with, which is a record in his, in in itself. Yeah, the 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 night stint was probably a little bit of a failure there. Yeah, for the few a few leaner years with the knights, but I mean you've got to factor in all his years with Queensland. I mean they had a hell of a team, but he also whereas whereas you have coaches like Bellamy come in and and didn't see that success with New South Wales again. I know the the squad wasn't quite there for New South Wales, but that's a good point. I I don't think his time with Queensland is done. I think he'll be a part of. Billy Slater's uh, staff next year, mm. and he's always he said he's always interested. And look, and, and look, the fact is, like this guy's been coaching for as long as I've been alive. Um, he's a big, big part of the NRL, a big part of South Sydney at the moment. Um, look, just before we move on and go to Player of the Year, from a South Sydney point of view. He's been a massive success. He's been there a few years. South have made um, prelim finals, so the game before the grand final. This year, the grand final. They're hoping for one more. Uh, huge success. So, yeah, look, look, massive, massive conversation. We could have a whole two-hour podcast on uh, the best coaches of all time, but um, look, we'll, we'll 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 review that next year. Sorry, next week, I should say. Uh, we'll be back next week to look at the grand final and the coaches. Um, boys, this is going to be a quick one, I think. Player of the year, Tom Trebojevic. Turbo. Yep, lock it in. Turbo. Done. Turbo. If we're going uh, silver yep. and bronze, I'd have Cleary and Cody Walker. Yep. Yeah, yeah same. De- yeah. Done. If, if, yep. Regardless of the who's second, who's third, who lost points for getting suspended, all that crap, Turbo's the player of the year. There's no denying that. Um this is coming from a Manly fan, two South fans, and a Penrith fan. Turbo, uh, Walker, and Cleary, not far behind. You know, we, we could argue, and Penrith fans will say, if Cleary wasn't injured, he'd probably get, yes, yeah, so on and so forth. Probably could. Tom Trebojevic yeah. is an absolute freak. I love watching him play. I think he's amazing. The other two blokes are amazing. We're going to see them go head-to-head this week, and it's just an amazing... An awesome time to be a rugby league fan and an NRL fan. And speaking of this week, we are looking forward to it because we only have now the grand final preview to come. And part of our NRL preview and the grand final is looking at the teams and getting our fans excited. We heard Go the Mighty Panthers earlier on. And now we're going to hear a song that has been very famous around 
Sydney for a very long time. It's uh, glory, glory to South Sydney. Tell you what, if you're a South Sydney fan, that's uh it's a big moment on grand final week to to hear that. And um whew, I'll tell you what, Shano, I was struggling to uh keep the eyes dry during that one. Um for us it's uh Do you know something about that, Gray? A lot of people think that's their victory song that they they sing at the end of the game and stuff, right? And the fans oh. sing it. But all around the bar is the actual uh, song that the players sing. Yep. Yeah. Now we're all gathered around the bar. Now we're the all captains around. Declared you you, you the know chorus. the song. You've seen yeah, it. Yeah, and this it? is a song. And it's interesting. This is a song that um, 
whether you're first grade, you're under twenties, your SG ball. Uh, now you're all gathered around the bar. That was a that's a that's the South Sydney song, and I don't know how the much I want to advertise. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to advertise it because it's basically about South Sydney winning and getting well, on the Terps. That's but, um, that's why the in the nineteen seventy, uh, I think that song was written, and a uh, little bit of little bit of a tidbit, I suppose, is is that you know it's the South Sydney song. I remember when I was a kid you'd hear the song and you'd want to get it. And and we, you know, you couldn't find it anywhere. And I don't know whether mum rang the yeah. club or, or, or and yeah. they actually, mom, they actually recorded, recorded it, it on a cassette yeah. from the original record. Yeah. That's so a great every, story. Cause they, so the, cause, the actual, yeah. they actually sent us a cassette mm. that was from the original record. Every like that, there's only one record of that song. Yeah, it's on vinyl because it was, it was yeah. released. It would have been late sixties, early seventies. Nineteen seventy, I think it was. Okay, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was. It was before my time, yeah. well and truly. And I remember, yeah, you, you're right telling that story there because yeah, it was such a cool thing. I was from a the kid, to and it would have been the early nineties. And I remember our mother rang up and said, "Look, you know, our kids love the song. Um, you know, so on and so forth." Long story short, um, can we buy it? And back then, it was, "Can we buy it on cassette?" And they said, no, nah, there's no cassette. And they said to mum, they said, well, what's your address? So, okay, we'll see what we could do. A week later, we get this. It was just a, you know. Oh, like, an, your, like your Sony. Akai, Sony, yeah. cassette, whatever. And the club had gone to the effort to play the record and record it onto cassette just for this one family yeah. who called up That's, and said, we love it. My was... kids want to listen to it. and Because we were sick and tired of shit, listening to that... Go the Mighty Panthers. Yeah. Anyway, well, the, um, but that says the, a lot about the club and you know and why they're special to us and yeah. And uh, look, glory, glory to South Sydney is uh, it's based on the uh, American song. Uh, yes. Don't know, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Uh, yes. From yes. The, the Civil yes, War, and it's certainly apt for this week with the battle coming up. Yep. And anyone South that, fan, any South guys, fan that was lost. You're a historian. So what was go. that? Sorry. Was that from the guys who won the Civil War or lost well, the Civil War? <laughs> well, interestingly, yeah. uh, despite the fact that South Sydney of the South, the Battle Hymn of the Republic was a Northern Union yes. song. Uh, so okay. the, uh, uh, the Northern side right. were victorious. Yes. They, they um, won. Yeah. But, but uh, guy, depends on what part of Sorry. I was going to say, anyone who's a South Sydney fan who wants to listen to the original Victory song, jump online uh, Scott Sattler and Gary Belcher in there on their 2SM show. I, I listened to it on 2SM. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's um, SCN. Sorry. SCN. Thank you. Um, they actually, and I remember listening to it, and it's still on YouTube. They had, they interviewed John Sattler and he sang it. He sang the whole lot, every he, verse. Yeah, and that, he, I'm telling you now, like if you're a South, look, if you're a fan of footy, you've listened to it, but it was. Hmm. Now, for this old guy to sing, you know, he, he just sang, he, he sang it he verse had, after verse. He had a, yeah, he's got a unique song that they would only sing and they'd reserve it for, for grand finals. And that's it was right. A bit of, it was very interesting because I didn't want to bring it up and sort of because it was a great story. And I told my wife, I said, oh, Paul Ken, he's, he's buggered up here. He's got it all asked about. The, the, the song that uh, John Sattler's, uh, sung yeah. to Scott Sattler through the phone. 
was the unique the... song that they would sing after That's grand right. finals. And then Paul Kent, I don't know if he goes wide across in the in the Telegraph. The words he um, he published were the ones to. You know, now we're all gathered around the bar. Which yeah, that's is the, their victory the, song. The victory song, every game. which yeah. is every game. So just for people to understand... The extended version is the grand that, final. That grand final one that, that, that John Sattler sung um, is something as a South fan uh, I, I, I've, I've never heard because I'm of the era where we've only won grand final, one grand final and we've, we've got that. But, uh, you know, being a part of the club and... And knowing what happens after a win, um, the now we're all gathered around the bar and the captain's declared a decorum. Uh, that's 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 a song they sing after every win. And um, I, I was going to bring it up and I didn't know the time this week. And we're going to start heading into the grand final preview and we'll get there soon. Yep. And I'll, I'll talk about it a bit later because I don't know the Panthers... Uh, victory song that they sing in the sheds. I know the South one off by heart and believe, it was lucky that the under twenties made the finals the year that I was working there because we got to sing it a few times. But uh, I'll talk a little bit later about the differences I saw between the two teams in the sheds singing the victory songs last week. And uh, you'll hear my thoughts on that before we finish this week because I saw a stark contrast between uh, the Rabbitohs and the Panthers uh, after winning those games. It might say more about the game. It might say more about the team. I don't know. Um, look, neither of which could um, equate to a grand final win. But what we need to understand now is, now that we've played glory, glory to South Sydney, we've heard go the mighty Panthers. Everyone's emotional. Everyone's ready. We're ready for our grand final preview. And not only is our grand final preview special because it is the grand final, this is the one game, the, the big dance that everyone wants to go to. It's the showcase of the immortals. We have a special sponsor who is sponsoring our grand final preview. And believe it or not, Shano, he's, he's a bit of an entrepreneur. He's, he's branched out and we've got Shano's Portaloos. So uh, get ready, fans. We've got our grand final preview sponsored by Shano's Portaloo Hire. Hey, mate, have you seen the new site, Dunny? Oh, no. Tell me about it. How's anyone supposed to know what team we follow when we go on Smoko? Are you looking for something special on site after a hard day of laying cable? Don't worry, Shano's Port-A-Loo Hire has you covered. Introducing new NRL-themed Port-A-Loo's for your site or special event. Now featuring eight of the worst teams in the National Rugby League. From the Tigers to the Bulldogs, we have them all. If your team is poo, we'll put them on a loo. Cool Shano, the king of Port-A-Loo's. Oh, we'd like to thank Shano and uh, our sponsor, Shano's Portaloo for that just, one. Just doing my best for you guys. Thanks, mate. Grand final. Here we go. All right, team news. Uh, look, the the team news, we'll start with the favourites and the highest ranked team, the Panthers. Um, going into the game, Dylan Ed- Edwards, we've, we know he's going to face a uh, fitness test. He's got a foot injury. He's He'll be the, right. Um, yeah, he's he's got the plantar fasciitis. So for those who 
of you who are unaware of um, a plantar fascia injury, it's basically the bit of tissue that connects your heel to your toes. So it's the bottom of your foot there. He's had some pain there and he's had some issues. Uh, he's been wearing a moon boot this week. Um, well, that's precautionary. Early on in the week, you'd want to make sure you stay off. Wasn't it. Uh, wasn't kick out pushing uh, Toto in a wheelchair? Uh, Toto was on a wheelchair. That was a good. That was that a, was a stitch up. That, 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 that is cool stitch up. That is a good stitch up. That's Brian That is Toto a good stitch up. At eh? his best. And if you, you know, know you've got Brian, to take your hat off to yeah. that. If you he know, is such a good character. He's a, he's, he's a character. If you watch the Dally M's, um, yeah, the most yeah, he, entertaining he was thing was Brian. Yeah, he was, Toto. wasn't he? He was yeah. on fire. Yeah. So he look, deserved a medal. Look, Dylan Edwards, obviously, um, geez, I'm going to show my allegiance here. The, the Penrith narrative is they're going to do whatever they want to do to make them sound like the underdogs. Uh, part of that is Edwards on crutches. I'll be honest with you. He's been carrying that plantar fasciitis issue since week one of the finals. He'll play. He'll be fine. Non-event. Move on. Um James Fisher-Harris and Moses Leota, they're fine. They they took part in training yesterday. They'll be fine to go. The one bloke who is not fine uh, is the mid-season recruit, Davida Pengai Jr. His MCL, um, it's just, it, there's too much damage there. He sustained that damage early on in the Storm game. Uh, usually, if we're in the middle of the season, I myself would be predicting about three to four weeks out um, obviously the grand final is this Sunday, not three to four weeks away, so I think he'll be missing. Uh, the bullshit stat of the week is that Panthers have three play, uh, 13 players with grand final experience to South Sydney's four. Uh, discount that. That's me as a South Sydney fan, but take what you <laughs> the want The fact out they of that, played the they grand played final last, last year, might have done that, yeah. Good one, uh, NRL on nine. Uh, for South Sydney, they've, as expected, named the same team as uh, last week. Um, Adam Reynolds, uh, we'll hear from him in a moment. We've got some audio from him from the media this week. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the halves. Uh, he's good to go. The The fact that he did his groin three days before last week's game and he played a pivotal part... Um, the, the nine-day turnaround on top of that is, uh, you know, 12 days. Hopefully, his adductor is going to be good to go. Um, so, for South Sydney, obviously, team news. We know that Blake Taff is in at fullback. There's been a long time since Latrell Mitchell's been there. Um, on the extended bench, uh, just to keep everyone up to date, Milne, Margot, Burns, and former Panther Cartwright. People have been talking a little bit about match officials. I'm not going to give it much airplay. I don't know if you guys really give a shit, but Jared Sutton is going to be the uh, referee. Depending on who you talk to, that might make a difference either way. And Grant Atkins, um, fan, or friend of the show, um, congratulations to him being in the yeah, bunker yeah, yeah, this it's good to see. week. Yeah, good yep. guy. Big Cop, fan of a bit of flag, so he's a good guy. People out there, I'm telling you. So, realistically, minimal changes there, um, apart from Tavita Pengai Jr. We're going to go through both teams, player by player. Um, and obviously, we've got resident expert from the Panthers, uh, Chameleon Griffo there. Shana, you're going to be the South expert. And uh, our, I suppose, um, unbiased opinion is going to come from Eagle Dan. So, starting off our grand final preview, 
We have the fullback for the Panthers. Uh, we have Dylan Edwards playing this week, Griffo. Now, Dylan Edwards, as we know, there's a bit of an injury cloud there. He has battled a bit of injury over the, the final series. He was phenomenal last week for the Panthers. To be honest with you, I don't think he gets enough credit. He's a very elusive fullback, very hard to tackle. He's one that's flown under the radar. Tell us a bit about Dylan Edwards and how important he is to this Panthers side. Okay, well, I was interested to hear a moment ago that he's got a plantar fasciitis injury. Um, sounds uh, don't sound good. Um, is it anything like a Liz Frank? Nah, it, it, nah. it's low. It's the bottom of your foot. Bottom of your foot. Bottom of your foot. Okay. So basically, the the tissue that connects his heel to his toes. Uh, right along the bottom of the foot that runs along the bottom of the foot is a bit inflamed. Okay. Whereas the, the Liz Frank is the attic of the foot. It's at the top. So it's the top. Okay. That's <laughs> the attic. That's where they're hiding the Liz Franks. That might have been her sister. I think it was Anne. Anne yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I haven't read Liz's book. Um, and look, I, I, I'll imagine that she was in the same house. Steep staircase. Very... Look, if you're ever in Amsterdam, it's a must-see. But anyway, on with yeah, you. I did go past that house. I was on a on a boat, and they were pointing it out. Um, that's not Liz Frank's house; it's her sister's house. Anyway, um, be that as it may, getting <laughs> be that as it Tyro may. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's been carrying an injury too. I don't know if it's a plantar fasciitis, but I'm sure it's got a name. Um, but yeah, look, Dylan Edwards. Um, he was close to the best player on the field last week. He's he's um, a very, very hard-working fullback. He's not gifted with the skills of of a of a Turbo or a Latrell or or Teddy. Um, but but he plays to his strengths, and his strengths are his support play, the fact that he, he's a very good uh, runner of the ball on a kick return. He's a strong defender, usually come up with a really good tackle last week that saved the try. I can't remember who the guy was that he, he brought down, but um, it's his all-round game. And uh, weakness for Dylan Edwards is the fact that, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't have those skills Um to, to set up his outside men with the pass uh, from time to time. Uh, if he puts one down, you think maybe there's another one or two coming in that game. Um, uh, he played a game against Melbourne a few years ago where he had a night to forget up in, uh, might have been a Bathurst game. But um, Penrith played better when he's there. That's the bottom line. His support plays fantastic. Um, we talked about Isaiah Yo earlier making a, a break against South. Well, he did it in double. Edwards backed him up and they put six points on. He did it uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was no Edwards in the team. There was no one backing up. And they went on to lose that game. So um, Dylan Edwards, um, very good player. And... As I said, he was close to best on ground last week. Yeah. yeah. And look, 
he's integral. Like that's that's sort of you know you got your your your, your pros and cons of each player. Um, look, I I don't know what else you add there, Dan. Like, is it is it is there a weakness that Souths can expose? Look, I I think like Griff covered it really well. The thing with Dylan Edwards is he's not a player that you overly notice, uh, and that's good and bad. Um, it's good in the fact that he's not going to make huge glaring errors that are going to cost you a match. He's really reliable. He's really solid. And I do think Panthers have missed a bit on the games where he hasn't been there, games where he hasn't been there. Um, they've sometimes thought, I think, it was earlier this season where they slotted Crichton uh, back in that yeah. position. Yeah, it was um, and, quite a while. Yeah, and, and, and Crichton, you know, that wasn't his natural position, but you notice Crichton there a bit more because he made a few errors, whereas you don't notice that with Dylan Edwards. That being said, on the other side of the ball, you don't necessarily. I, Edwards isn't a match winner um, in in the in the way that some of the other strike players are, but I think that it'll be balanced out by South this week as well with, with um, Blake Taff uh, there as well. So I don't have too much to add uh, for Dylan Edwards. Uh, hopefully he's healthy because we want to see both teams at their best uh, where we can uh, for this game on the weekend. Yeah, and and look, speaking about you know players and and wanting to see him healthy and 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 playing their best hand. Uh, Blake Taff, um, yep. you know, eight games in the in the NRL. Um, a lot of pl- people were saying that uh, with uh, Latrell Mitchell gone, South so no chance. Blake Taff comes in. He hasn't looked out of place, Shano. Um, no. We spoke briefly about him before, but give us a bit more insight into um, Blake Taff, especially going to a big game like this. Look, you know, we, we talked about, you know, presenting pros and cons for each player. Um, the pro for Blake Tafty's played eight games. The con for Blake Tafty's played eight games. You know, like in, in, in what he's done, in what he's done in the time he's played, um, it's been phenomenal. Um, however, you, you're still in the point of your career where you're learning game by game and you're in a grand final. Um, I, I think, I think if there's anything I can say positively is that he has looked every bit of first grader from day one. Um, he, you know, um, go back to the Penrith game where he dropped that first bomb and then all of a sudden they just kept going to him and caught every one of them. He, even last week, he just, he just, his passing game was on point. He just plays he plays the game with an intensity that when you look, I had the privilege of, of, of being able to understand who he was in juniors and listening to him and listening about him and watching him, watching him grow and knowing that he was going to be one of South Sydney's um, great fits in this team. Um, when, when South Sydney signed Latrell Mitchell and people said, Oh, Latrell will go to fullback. Everyone knew we had this kid in the background and going, well, Surely we just keep him in the centres. Um, you know, he, he, his experience is going to be the issue. Um, however, if he can play like he has played, that's the only chink in his armour. Every fullback will drop a bomb. Every top-notch fullback. And go back to some of the great fullbacks we've seen in, in the last 10 years. You know, Trebojevic. Um, you know, you can talk about Matt Burton. We can talk about Greg Inglis. We can talk about uh, Billy Slater. We can, they've all dropped a bomb in their day. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, is he 100% on the high ball? No one is. 
You best get it out of the way first. Uh, his his first experience. Kick of the game, is, aren't you? Look, he bo- when he he bobbled one off the kickoff too last week, which is a bit. But his experience—that's experience. His experience is just going to be the Achilles' heel, and how much of that will get exposed and picked apart by Penrith. But he is a—he is the future. He is a phenomenal player. When South Sydney signed him, he had nearly every NRL club knocking on his door. And the fact that he was a South junior and that he wanted to stay at South Sydney um, was was basically the clincher that he won Jersey flag. He wanted to stay at South Sydney. He saw a future. Um, you know, um, Bennett and Demetrio were, were pivotal in signing this kid for further. Um, it, every club was knocking at his door. So... The fact that he's at South Sydney um, says, or the fact that every club wanted him says a lot about his talent. Um, let's talk about the man. Don't, don't worry about the club. Um, and I think that he has shown that in spades over the last couple of weeks. Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely a player to look forward to watching in the future. I think Dylan Edwards, he's also another player that we've got to keep our eye on for the future. He's a, he's a great talent. If we start to go through the sides, Griffo, and we look at Penrith, their wingers this week, we've got Stephen Crichton on one wing and um, another player who we've talked about throughout the podcast and all of us had in our team of the year is Brian Toto on the other wing. Um, just awesome. talking exclusively about the Penrith wingers, uh, Crichton and Toto. Um, different players offer different things, but both valuable to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we, you know, we talked about you know, Brian Tottles, the uh, Carpool Rugby League winner of the year. Um, and he was the Dally M winner of the year as well. More people know about that, but but the Carpool Rugby League Award's probably more prestigious, I think. Of course. Um, anyway, look, we know Tottles' biggest strength is his meter-eating. Uh, Penrith are not the same side without him. He averages around about 220 metres per game. He has a lot of runs. Um, He breaks tackles. He generally finishes off tries. Um, He's he's integral to Penrith's success, Um, more so than any other winger in the competition to to their team. He's not just, you know, give him the ball with no one in front of him and he scores, um, as some wingers are in this competition. He's not as quick as some wingers. He's not as tall as some wingers. Um, So, you know, he has this perceived weakness to the bomb, um, whether that's perception or reality. Um, You know, many teams target him. Um, with the bomb and in some cases they've been successful Um, the other thing that I think maybe is not his biggest strength uh, can be sometimes he can get caught inside in defence a little um, and some of the speedsters are able to get around him I remember Jason Saab doing it uh, when they played... Um, Bathurst game, I think. Or... Yeah, the, it was in the country at Bathurst. Uh, and someone else, I can't remember who else did the same thing uh, in another game where um, they had a lot of space and they were able to get around him with, with speed. So, um, 
he's not the perfect winger, but he does what he does better than anyone else. Um, and without him, Penrith are not the same team. Uh, as for Steve Crichton, I thought he was pretty quiet at the start of the year after a lot of publicity about, um, you know, his re-signing and he signed on to, to massive money um, after there was an original agreement, I think at a half a million. And then he got a new manager involved and, and then it dragged out a bit. And um, I thought his form at the start of the year wasn't great. He was uh, chopping and changing between the centres and fullback. And now, interestingly, in the last portion of the season, he's, he's found himself on the wing. Um, he's great in the air. Um, I think he's one of the best in the air in the NRL. I think he was scouted by some of the AFL clubs. Um, he's also a great basketballer. He's got these amazing hands. And we've seen some of the th miraculous things he's done in, in the last month or so, where he's just taken balls from the air that you just didn't think were possible. Uh, in some cases, in a defensive role, uh, it might have been against Hara or South a few weeks back where it looked like that side was going to score and Crichton's just sort of jumped one arm, one hand, and he's dragged the ball down and, and saved the try. Um, he can do the same at the other end of the field and score a try. So uh, he, he's got a strong running game. He's a good runner out of um, – and I think one of the reasons they've put him on the wing is his strength in – similar to Toto, um, is he's a very good uh, runner of the ball – from the kick return. Uh, he's got an array of skills that we probably haven't seen as much as we did last year, um, but he is coming into form. In terms of weaknesses with Steve Crichton, uh, maybe he can get a little overexcited uh, at times and do something silly like um, we saw with Canberra when he was, um, I think it was... Uh, can't remember whether it was Tarpany. Tarpany, yeah, that's right. Joe Tarpany. And then Before last week on Twitter. Yeah, that last week um <laughs> he uh threw the boot away of I think it was Olam and he copped a fine for that. And he's gotta get that stupidity. It's not needed. Um so yeah, there I think you're definitely overall you look at those two guys as, as significant strengths of Penrith's team, Toto mm. and Crichton. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, cool. and on Fair the flip cool. side, Shano, um, they're yep. coming up against Alex Johnson, who uh, he scored a bajillion tries this year. Um, yep. He, uh, on the weekend, Gains. actually uh, equaled the record with uh, Les, Les for Brennan. the most, most yep. tries for a season for the Rabbitohs. Uh, on the other wing, Jackson Paulo, he's... He, that that other wing, there've been a few players there this year. Uh, Jackson Paulo has got the nod. Um, there have been a few games this year where people have been unsure about him. Uh, he was good on the weekend, and uh, probably the the most iconic thing coming out of the weekend for Jackson Paulo was his way. Yes, him moonwalking his way to the try line, uh, scoring yep. that try off the kick. Um, how do you think the South Sydney wingers match up against Penrith? Yeah, look, I'll start with Alex Johnson. I think, um, I think I, you know, I'm going to steal something from Griff here. I, 
you know, there's there's certain wingers who are just catch and put the ball down. There's other wingers who will actually orchestrate things. And I think for Alex Johnson and me, like a part of me thought he might have been that type of winger. I remember back to the um, to the Roosters game where he got the ball and Teddy was in front of him and he chinked and burned Teddy on the outside. And Tedesco couldn't put a hand on him. Now that's conceivably one of the best players in our game. And you've just, you just put a number on him. Um, that's the type of player Alex Johnson is. A lot of people think he's catch and score. He really earns his tries. Furthermore, he has really, uh, he has a lot of assists for those inside him. He's happy to kick the ball inside. He's happy to, to run around. He, he he's also, a, he's also a very good defensive um, winger that I think not a lot of people talk about. Um, that's why he plays on Gagai's side. It is a very strong side. Um, look, his weakness is, is the high ball. Um, we talk about Taft. Taft will drop one and catch 10. Johnson might drop one and catch three. Uh, he, that's why he, you know, when, when the fullback job come up for grabs, Taft come in because he is a genuine fullback. I think, I think uh, Alex Johnson is genuine wing to say, look, he's caught some great, he's, he's, he's caught some, some great balls. Uh, they've gone high, but it, it is at times the Achilles heel. He can make plenty of meters coming out of his end. He's happy to run the ball. He can find the gap. Um, post-contact meters is not an issue for this guy. He's got the Ken Ovine medal two years in a row. He can find the line. Um, that's Alex Johnson for me. Um, you know, and, and look, like Toto, I don't think South Sydney could win a game without Alex Johnson. He's just so integral to that. And, and can throw a pass, you know. There's a game, there was a game earlier in the year where he actually came into centre and threw it to Gagai. They were, the opposition were fooled. They thought they had, they thought they'd hugged the line, and he ran in and 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 Gagai. I think Gagai scored or might have actually passed it back to Johnson. One or the other. Uh, Jackson Paulo, he's an enigma wrapped up in a rhyme, wrapped up in a riddle, wrapped up in I don't know. There were there was halfway through the year, South Sydney fans were going to lynch him for his performance. Uh, look, you know, being a and that's you know, being a part of the club and and not not a part of the club, but being a fan and being a member and and listening to a lot of people and and going through forums, he he put a reset on his career. He said, right, I'm going to hit the reset button. I've got to learn some skills. I'm not I'm not a, a first grade player. I'm not a first grade winger. I've got to learn some stuff and I've got to learn it quickly if I want to play in this game. You know, he he's better than Mansour. Mansour is too slow. Like we just got exposed every time. Every, every team just ran down Mansour's side and beat us. That time Penrith beat us, you know, they just went down, uh, not the first time, the 50 mil, that was the debacle, but the second time they just, Souths were ahead and they're like, oh, well, let's run at Mansour. Bang, we were done. Paulo's Paulo is a very quick player. He played a, he played a bit of fullback in his junior career, so he can catch the high ball. With Paulo, it's having it's having um, his his weakness is that he's 
he's got to have he's got to have confidence in in the defenders outside him. He'll he wants to shoot in. To his credit, he's hugged the line the last few weeks, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, he his weakness is just his inexperience. Like we talk about Blake Taft. Paulo's not that far ahead as far as games played. Paulo has speed to burn. He's extremely quick. He is exceptional under the high ball. It will take it will take a cleary, you know, one of those awesome cleary kicks that no one catches to 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 to, to, to fool him. Um, but yeah, I I think with Paulo, it's 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 just that defensive. What do I do? That defensive yeah. read, which makes him think, where do I go? His inexperience is yeah. is the con. Can, He's running, catching. That's the pro. Can I can I follow on from that? If that's all right, mm. yeah, um, with you. what yeah. you've just said there, Shano. With I, I think for Jackson Paulo, I do think Ivan Cleary would have been watching the the Manly and South game and taking some notes. I, I think defensively is probably where the biggest concern for Paulo comes in. Um, of the three tries that Manly scored, they were all down that side um, where he'd come in a little bit and they got around him fairly easily. Obviously, I still I agree that a better option than Mansour there in terms of pure speed. Um, but I do think that's an issue. Manly did also have um, the early disallowed try was down that edge. And there was another try where they um, put a kick back in field and knocked on the kick, but they really should have scored from that as yeah. well. Um, so by my accounting, I had almost five tries to Manly to the four that, South scored down that edge. So I think in defense, that's probably a concern. Mm. Um, and especially lining up against the Panthers attack is, is probably an area that, look, Wayne, you know, I'm not going to tell Wayne how to coach. It's been an area that he'd be strongly aware of. There'd be an area that the Panthers are aware of uh, as well in terms of Jackson Paulo. Um, I just think it's probably an area that they'd be looking at. Um, but on on the other side, with, with, with Johnston, he, he's a strike weapon. And you're right. I, he, He's not a winger who just scores easy tries. He, he he makes it look easy, I think, is the challenge. If people think, oh, Johnson only scores easy tries, if anyone else is trying to do it, it looks like the hard yards. He makes it look easy because uh, he's that quality of player. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's, we're bound to see one of those players that, that we've just mentioned score some tries. That's where a lot of the points are going to come, I think, this weekend. But uh, really, the... The, the blokes feeding the ball to them are, are going to be the centres. We we talked about um, Momorowski and Burton. Burton in our team of the year. Um, many people had him as a centre of the year. You blokes had him as a centre of the year. The Dalliem um, voters had him as centre of the year. He partners Paul Momorowski, who has come into this Panthers side. He's been an absolutely phenomenal addition, Griffo, to this Panthers side. And he now finds himself in a grand final. Um, these two blokes, they've got a lot of talent there in the centres, Penrith. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Matt Burton, who, who was the Dalian centre of the year. Um, after he, he came into the side in that position, not the start of the year, but we talked about him earlier. Um, he's got an all-round game that, that few can match. Um, but but yeah, we don't see his kicking game, but we do see his running game. Uh, and he's got a really good combination with Jerome Luai. Um, those two together pose a threat to South Sydney. Um, 
Burton's quite a strong defender. Um, came up with one of those big plays on uh, Saturday. I think it was Jerome Hughes who looked like he was going to score and Burton was able to prevent him from doing so in a one-on-one after I think Hughes beat uh, Billy Army kick out. Um, Momorowski, not as skillful, certainly in the passing game as Matt Burton's got, because Burton, we know, is a 5'8". Momorowski's got a really good running game. He's a good meter eater. He's a strong defender. Um, And as we saw in uh, uh, the game where Penrith beat South late in the season, um, he actually came up with a couple of try assists from kicks um, as he was running. So, um, yeah, he's a good player. He's, he's been, uh, he's been in some good systems. He, he come through the rooster system, uh, ended up with Melbourne via the Tigers. Um, uh, it didn't, wasn't involved too much with the Tigers because, uh, he was traded with Harry Grant and then he was traded, uh, in the off season with, uh, Dane Laurie. So, um, you'd have to say that's a win for Momorowski. Um, not getting stuck at the Tigers. Uh, he's playing in a grand final with the Panthers. So um, on, the, on the flip side, while, while I said Momorowski, well, both of them are strong defenders. Sometimes uh, they can, uh, and we saw in the last game against Souths, um, he was sort of, uh, as many centres have been bamboozled by the skill of Cody Walker in particular, Um he can come in at times when maybe the better move was to stay out. But, but I think, uh, you know, I've got, got confidence in both Burton and Momorowski in the centres. Yeah, if we look on the, the flip side of the coin, Shano, um, very uh, experienced campaigner in Dane Gagai, who's played a lot of games for um, not only South Sydney, Newcastle, Brisbane, Queensland, Origin. He'll be heading back to Newcastle after this year. Um, a lot of people don't realise how young Campbell Graham is. He's really only just starting out his career. Me Defensively, too. last week he was um, he was really good, and uh, I think South Sydney will be looking for another good defensive effort from their centres this week coming up against the Penrith side. Yeah, look, Graham. Um, yeah, you know, I know the first thing people are going to say is, "Oh, what about the Campbell Graham misses?" Um, that was when Adam Reynolds was off, yeah, and, and it's amazing. Adam. It's amazing. Like, like there was an, a brilliant article written uh, halfway through last year on, and they did the stats on who was the most the best defensive halfback in the last five years, and Adam Reynolds won by a country mile, and, and he is he, like, you know, he'll miss one or two, and people go, "Oh, what's going on there?" The fact that he wasn't there was probably more a test to the fact that they got through. Um, mind you, great, great hole running by Manly. Um, Dane Gagai leaving South is sort of like this bittersweet because in the last six weeks, I've seen a guy play football like I haven't seen before. He he has really come out of his shell and he's got this, you know, like where he used to be this catch the ball, run at the gap, fall, quick play the ball. He's got this gruff, ability now where he just wants to push players off um the first try 
against Penrith, where he he sort of just hit the line and pushed a play, pushed two players off back into Cody Walker to score. Yeah, I think one of those guys was Charlie Staines. Yeah, it's Charlie Staines, right. and and you just go, you know, like. He did it again last week where he just hit the line and started pushing players off and then and then put the kicks. He wanted the kick to go through to Alex Johnson that ricocheted to Cody Walker. He's becoming unpredictable. Like, it's funny. My, my con for him is that he is so predictable at times. He can be the catch the ball, go to the gap, drop, play the ball. That's, 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 my, that's my con for him. He's changed that up slightly in the last couple of weeks. Um, when you look at Campbell Graham, Campbell Graham is is a very good defensive centre. If you know he, the way he plays, he loves running at the line. It's a pro and a con. He loves running at the line. It comes off about fifty percent of the time. Um, at times, I just wish he'd look outside. Defensively, I can't fault him. Um, I know last week there were those slip-ups, but again, without as long as he's got Adam Reynolds, as long as you've got that solid defender next to him, he covers what Paulo does in jamming in. He he he's quicker than what people think. Um, I think these two are the best centers that South could could pick from. They. They offer so much, and and Gagai's tenacity, along with you no, know, along with uh, Campbell Graham as a junior, um, watching him come through. If you'd said he would be this type of of, of centre, I wouldn't have said it. He was he was a very flamboyant player, and he's just become this meat and potato. I'm going to get the ball and I'll run at the gap. He's deceptively quick, so. So I'd love to see him sort of try and get on the outside at times. He's still developing at 22. Um, maybe that's a pro or maybe that's a con. But I, I think for me, they are two very solid centres. And interestingly enough, um, last year where we didn't play well and we got absolutely hammered out wide, he wasn't there. When he doesn't play for South, South just look ordinary. That shows you he's a little bit of the glue. Yeah, and, and look, Dan, just to sum it up, we, we know that Burton's got the talent. He's got the kudos from this year. Gagai's got the experience. Campbell Graham's up and coming. Momorowski's solid as, as they come. Um, how do you split these teams when we look at the centres? Look, it, it, I'm... I'd probably give a slight edge to the Panthers simply from the Matt Burton factor out, out yeah. there. Um, but it's, it's a very slight edge. Momorowski, as Griffo mentioned, I think he's very dangerous with a kick back inside. Um, he, and he's had some insane ones this year too where he's been tumbling over the line. He's thrown the foot out and gotten the kick, you know, pinpoint perfect uh, back to someone like Cleary on the inside to score. Um, Campbell Graham, I, I think he, he's fairly solid. He had a pretty tough ask last week with Sully coming into the Manly squad. Um, who And I, I think he matched up on him fairly well until the game was a redone and dusted uh, for the most part. I, I think Burton here is the X factor and it depends on how he handles this year's finals occasion. I think you'll probably see a lot of that play where, and we'll probably get to the 5-8 momentarily, where Luai scoots down to that left edge. Uh, and Luai's dangerous because he can shape to run himself or feed the ball to Burton, who just run, 
Burton runs harder onto the ball than any centre, I think, in the competition. Um, he doesn't do it. It doesn't seem like he does anything at half pace. He never half runs onto the ball. It's always 110%. Um, so I, I give the slight edge to the Panthers in this one. But, but I mean, South proved a couple of weeks ago that they can more than match them. Um, although I think, Griffo, you mentioned Staines is in that squad a, a few weeks ago, was he? It was, yeah. 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 So, so, so there is a bit of a difference there. Um, a stronger, stronger back line with, you know, I, I don't want to put any crap on him. But I just think, um, yeah, he was a bit of a target for, yeah. for defenders. Yeah, and look, if you if you if you're missing a toll, that's that's a that's a huge change um, in, in a couple of weeks. So yeah, slight edge for me for Panthers, but it should be a good matchup on, on in the centres. Yeah, and moving on to the next big matchup, you're looking at the halves, and geez, when you talk about quality halves, um, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, Griffo. They're right up there when you talk about the best halves in the competition. When you talk about combinations, you've probably got two of the best combinations coming up against each other this week. Um, Luai and Cleary, they are the uh, the New South Wales halves. And it, it's interesting to see they are young halves and everyone's talking about how they're going to evolve their game. I just wanted you guys to have a listen in to some of the comments that uh, Nathan Cleary made this week when he was asked about... Uh, his kicking game in uh, the game against South Sydney and how they might uh, change it up this week and also that uh, great try they scored last week. So Yeah, I think um, yeah, that was probably one thing that happened the first week was, yeah, obviously um, Blake had that early drop, so I probably um, you know, went after him a bit too much rather than playing the field position battle. But, um, you know, I think it's just... It's kind of different each game you get in and the flow of the game. Um, you know, obviously have a... Bit of a kicking plan um, when we come into the game, but as I said, it kind of changes as the game goes on, and um, it's just something you got to adapt to. Yeah, for sure. And you know, as you said, Renault's got um, one of the best kicking games in the comp, and you know, I think that's such an important thing in big games is um, kicking games, and and you know, obviously where you yeah where you allow the other team to start their set. So it's something that we work hard at, and um, yeah, we're no different this weekend. I oh, you know we probably learned a few lessons out of that. Um, just I guess probably more around mindset. Um, but you know I thought they played really well, and you know we know that we're gonna have to you know play better than what we did last time to get the win on Sunday. And um, you know it's a great challenge for us. But yeah, something we're looking forward to. There, Griffo, you've got Cleary talking about mindset when asked about the um, the week one of the finals game against South Sydney. Uh, look. They're a great side, uh, they're a young side, but it's interesting that Nathan Cleary basically said, look, we've got to be switched on, we've got to have our heads in the right spot if we're going to take out the grand final this year. Yeah, look, he knows what he's talking about because he's been there and lost. Um, it was only 12 months ago and, um, you know, he got a lot of criticism for his game last year. He was very critical of himself. I didn't think he was as bad as um, uh, as a lot of other people did. Um, I think a lot of that went to the fact that uh, Vunivalu got that intercept from, from when Cleary tried to throw the long ball um, out to Mansour. Um, and then he scored one of the great grand final tries, I think, but um, never got any credit for it because they lost the game where he, he beat probably four or five storm players um, on a solo run to the line. Um, so I thought he was a little bit too harsh on himself. And um, 
if Penrith are to win, Cleary has to be front and centre in that because uh, if you look at um, Penrith's only scored four tries in three games in this final series, that's not a lot of tries. Three of those tries have come from Nathan Cleary kicks, three different types of kicks. Um, so what that says to me is two things. One, his kicking game is crucial to Penrith's uh, chances in this game. Um, but two, Penrith need to find other methods of scoring tries. You can't just rely on on uh, on getting one try a game from Nathan Cleary and that getting you over the line. It's not going to be enough uh, in this game. It wasn't enough a couple of weeks ago against the Bunnies. Um, he's got the temperament. Um, obviously, he's played through the last probably – you know, eight to 10 weeks with this shoulder injury that he got in the state of origin. So he does miss tackles. That's, that's a fact um, simply because physically um, he can't make tackles in, in some cases because of that shoulder, but he doesn't shirk his responsibilities in saying that. Um, and he's pulled off some really good tackles, including a try saver, um, I think it was on Kenny Bromwich uh, late in the game when yeah, Melbourne, it was a good tackle. Melbourne Great tackle. Back in the, it was only a couple of minutes to go. Bromwich scores. It's game over. Well, it's you know they kicked the conversions. Game over. Um, so yeah, he's he's not at a hundred percent, but um, he's crucial to Penrith's chances. As far as Jerome Luai goes, Jerome Luai is uh, you know in his uh, younger years, guided by uh, one of the great coaches in schoolboy football and uh, Eagle Dan himself. Um, and, uh, it is true. It's, it's it is, of course it's true. wouldn't say it if it wasn't. <laughs> um, so uh, while we can't attribute all of his uh, talent to Eagle Dan, uh, there's just a smidge in there. Um, or maybe actually that's not being fair to Eagle Dan. I'm sure it's more than that. But um, look, Jerome Luai... He, in the first half of the year, was, was lighting up the NRL along with Cleary when they were both fully fit. They both played State of Origin. They dominated State of Origin, and New South Wales won the series on the, um, with those two guys playing six and seven. They were not available due to injury in game three, and New South Wales did not win, even with the talent they had. Um, so the combination of, of Luai and Cleary is better than Luai as an individual and Cleary as an individual. They're great to understand and they complement each other well. Um, Luai is able to do his own thing uh, when Cleary's there, whereas Cleary was out, Luai was trying to, to be the general and that's not his goal. Um, he's a, a runner, essentially. He's got a good short kicking game. And he's got a good passing game. He can sniff out a try. Um, he's got that step and that move. He's been hampered by the injury um, to his knee. He hasn't, he hasn't had that same zip off the mark uh, since he came back. And I still think it, it's affecting his game. 
to an extent. But he is coming into some better form in the last couple of weeks. Uh, by his own admission, he was down on form uh, there for a little while, particularly when uh, there was no Nathan. Um, again, he he's the enthuse, he's the guy that sparks Penrith. Um, both players are crucial. The combination is even more crucial. And, um, you know, they're up against uh, Luai and Cleary. They're, uh, you know, maybe 23, 24. Um, the South's combination, uh, maybe 30, 31. Um, so they're, they're more experienced. But um, I, I wanted to see the South's combination replace Cleary and Luai in the Blues. Um, it didn't happen. And, and we know what, what the result was. Whether the result would have been different, we don't know. Cody Walker, for me, is the most dangerous uh, individual in the halves in the NRL. But I'll let Shane know, talk about uh, – we'll head back to Graham. Sorry. Mm. Don't want to break protocol. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't <laughs> want to mess with me, mate. Um, no, no we'll, we'll head to Shane in a second. Um, the big talk mm. about the South Sydney halves, obviously um, – Cody Walker has been in great form, but the, the the talking point, well, we didn't really know it until the game kicked off the other night, was the Adam Reynolds injury. He did the injury a couple of days before the game. They kept it quiet. Uh, he pushed through. There was no way he was missing that game. And from the sounds of it, there's no way he's missing the grand final. And um, look, he, he's, he's got a, a good time in regards to turnaround to get right for it. Um, I've got a bit of a... A clip here from uh, Adam Reynolds. Uh, this was yesterday uh, during the media. This is a few of his responses in regards to his injury. Uh, there was also questions as to not as to whether or not he'll kick and be right for the grand final. Hey, mate, bro. Um, all good, buddy. Um, did a session today and felt pretty good. So got some K's in the legs. Obviously, we'll tick the uh, the days off as they come. Um, Still got to get through a bit of kicking and uh, join the team for a bit of work. So still a long week, still uh, plenty of time to get it to back to 100% or as close as possible. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how the week goes. I did a bit of running today. It felt fine. So um, look, we'll tick off the tick a few boxes and, and um, you know get the captains running. I'll have a few shots in and see how it feels. But uh, um, I'm pretty confident that I will be kicking. Oh, just running basically stepped and, and went to throw a pass and felt a little twinge in the, in the groin go and um, didn't feel too good at the time. But medical staff have been fantastic. Eddie Farrer has been working around the clock with me and um, getting his hands in places they shouldn't be. So <laughs> it's been um, obviously good having those guys around, having them 24-7, obviously. Different circumstances this year, obviously living in a bubble um, up here in Queensland, staying at the same hotel. So um, pretty lucky in that sense. So you look at um, Adam Reynolds there, Shane. Obviously, we've talked about the importance of, of Cody Walker. The South Sydney left edge has been the talk of the town for the uh, the NRL season. That's where a lot of their points come from. But realistically, you're as hardcore South fan as they come. You know how important Adam Reynolds is to this team. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, the, he's injured. It's like he's got this long turnaround. He doing he didn't do the goal kicking the other day, but f- but fair dinkum, you know as much as me. It, it would take he 
he yeah a and, and you know even though even though he he was still he was still defensively on point um and and he still had a fair few kick meters put up the perler bomb for 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 paulo um let's start with number six in cody walker cody walker is the linchpin of this side he is the creative soul of south sydney without cody walker there is no creativity uh he has come into his own when you look at when cody walker started his nrl journey a lot of people say is he too old to peak when you look at where when he debuted this is right now when a player would normally peak in their career um he he's quick he's deceptive look my only my only issue with cody walker is he can at times become a little hot-headed and 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 do the silly thing. Defensively, he he's picked that up. That was when Bennett come to South Sydney. The first thing he said to Coda Walker is, "You got to you got to tackle, mate. You got to learn how to tackle. If you don't learn how to tackle, we're we're buggered." And and um, that is he's, he's, he's fixed that up. He's be, he's become a far better defensive player. I'm not saying he's the best. He, he's far from it, but he's a far better defensive player. He's one of the, if not the most creative players in the NRL. He can produce something from nothing. Whether he runs the line, whether he runs at the line or passes, uh, it, it, it's exceptional. What he has done for Adam Reynolds is, is outstanding. Adam Reynolds, two years ago, the, the the players voted he had the best kicking game in the NRL. You know, and, and I would say that probably Nathan Cleary now has that. Um, that doesn't mean that Adam Reynolds has, has gone by the wayside. It's still phenomenal. Adam Reynolds is one of the best defensive halves the, to play the game. He's one of the best kickers to play the game. The thing in Adam Reynolds' arsenal where people would always question is why doesn't he run the ball? In in South Sydney versus Penrith two, two three weeks ago, um, they did a they did a right hand side attack where they passed to Taft early and Taft took the tackle. They then that was on the third tackle. On the fourth tackle, they went back inside. On the fifth tackle, they went back out that way, and Adam Reynolds ran to the line. And all of a sudden, um, oh, and everyone jammed in. Taft to Paulo try. When people bag Adam Reynolds. What they've got to understand is the guy The guy might stuff up on the third tackle to set you up on the fifth. He is a calculated rugby league player. Look, my, my only issue with Adam Reynolds is that he doesn't run at the line enough. In big games, he can be found wanting. In the, in the preliminary final against the, against, the, um, against the Raiders, his kicking game was horrendous. He just, he just was nowhere he when when he plays well he's the best halfback in the competition when when Cody Walker plays well he's the best 58 in the competition they're playing up against two players when when they play well they're the best in the competition they've got to play well this weekend yeah and, and really to sum that up Dan you've got two great sets of halves um it's going to be phenomenal for neutral fans like yourself watching the grand final this week with Luai and Cleary coming up against Walker and Reynolds. Yeah, look, it's, it's almost a, a matchup of uh, the young guard versus the old guard, really, uh, with, with Cleary and Luai still very early in their careers. And then you've got the more experienced uh, Walker and Reynolds. 
Yep. I, I can't add too much more to what uh, Griffin and, and Shane have said. Um, I think in terms of their, their roles, they've covered all the technical aspects. Uh, Griff alluded to it with um, Jerome Luai. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I was fortunate enough to, to coach Jerome uh, quite some time ago at a schoolboy level. Um, so I, I clearly didn't completely stuff up his career, but I don't think I helped him <laughs> uh, that much. Um, but look, he, he really is the hype man for that team. Penrith, with the young squad that they have, play a lot of um, that really hyping each other up you can tell that they're a team that actually get along. Um, we talk about some teams having natural chemistry, some just doing their jobs. You can tell the Penrith team actually do go out there and play for each other. Um, and he plays a, a pivotal role in that. And I think that counterbalances really well with what Shane was saying, that um, Walker in particular can get a little hot-headed at times. Um, that being said, a couple of weeks ago, I, I think he's more experienced for it. Was it two years ago that Walker had a run in the New South Wales Origin team? Um, two years ago, yeah, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he, he didn't have his best performance. I think yeah, the pressure of that game really got to him. I, he, he's learned a lot since that time, I think. Um, so I, I wouldn't have those concerns, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him and uh, Jerome jawing at each other a little bit, uh, having a little bit of chirpiness out there. Um, and it's just going to be the actions on the field that, that prove through who's going to come out on top. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it again uh, as, as a matchup. Uh, we had a blinder of a game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but now with the, the couple of tough games on the belt for Penrith and, and South after a couple of strong wins, should be should be uh, fantastic for us neutral. I'm the only one here watching the game with no stress, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> We're shitting bricks, Dan, and I'll tell you what. Um, look, you make a good point because thinking back a couple of years ago, I think back that this is the fourth year that South have had a crack at making the grand final we talked about those other three years with making the prelim. Um, you make a good point, because I don't know if uh, Walker would have been ready, say, two or three years ago, but uh, let's hope for South Sydney fans he's ready to go uh, this week. And I'll tell you what, Griffo, Panthers fans have no doubt that their forward pack is ready to go. They've got Moses Leota coming back in. That's a massive plus for them. Apposite Coruscant, um, he's the only player in this Panthers squad to play in a winning grand final. And ironically, that was for South Sydney. James Fisher-Harris, prop of the year. Viliame Kikau, second row of the year. Kurt Capewell, uh, one of the players mentioned by Griffo as a uh, second row of the year for Carpool Rugby League. Isaiah Yo, unanimous Carpool Rugby League uh, lock of the year. This forward pack really is something special, Griff. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, they wouldn't be in the grand final if they, if they weren't one of the best pucks. Um, Leota, he's been in and out of the side due to injury over the last probably four to five weeks. Um, so I'm not quite sure where he's at. I think it's a calf problem for Moses Leota. Um his strength is his uh, direct running. Uh, he's a great meter eater up the middle. Um, and uh, they have missed him when he's not been there throughout the year at various stages. Um, so, so he's going to add something. Um, his partner, James Fisher-Harris, um, he's one of the carpool rugby league props of the year. He's one of the Dalian props of the year. 
um, he was the standout prop until he um, left the bubble to go back to Sydney for the birth of his, I think, second child. And he had that four-week layoff. And he just hasn't been quite the same, uh, hasn't had that dominance. He does have a knee injury, which is probably a big part of that. We saw him hobbling around. Uh, he actually collapsed last week when um, there was a turnover and Jerome Hughes sped downfield. Fisher Harris was one of the chasers, along with uh, the great effort of, of uh, Scott Sorensen um, to round up Hughes. But like Fisher Harris made the effort and then he just he fell onto the ground. Um, the knee obviously gave way. Um, so there's got to be a massive question mark on whether he can, you know, he certainly cannot be at his best with, with that injury hindering him. But, but um, you know, he, he's, he's crucial to Penrith's success uh, at any stage, let alone in, in this game coming up. Um, he's their forward leader. Doesn't say much. He leads by example. And they'll really want uh, to see him uh, making big yards uh, again through the middle along with Leota. He tends to play um, more game time than the other props in the rotation, Fisher-Harris. So um, they really need him to be their main man. Uh, as far as the hooker goes, uh, Apisai Corisau, um he was outstanding last week, particularly in the second half, late in the game when um, the, the Storm were very tired and he was making, I think he made about three darts out of dummy half where he was making sort of 20 metres every time. Um, he's missed quite a few games during the year due to things like uh, injury, uh, origin and some suspension. And Penrith is not the same team uh, when he's not there. He's got a level of skill that uh, puts him up there with the best hookers in the game. Um, that running game out of dummy half is essential. And what he doesn't perhaps get mentioned as much for is his um, defence. He pretty much every week is the top uh, defender for Penrith. Uh, he tackles low and he drops guys when he does that. Um, so he, again, is, is one of the keys to Penrith's success. Uh, his battle with Damian Cook um, is going to be uh, one of the key matchups in the game. Both great players, uh, both part of the Blues this year. Uh, in the back row, um, you've got Viliami Kikau who was one of the Dalian players of the year uh, in the second row. I was surprised at that. Uh, the Dalians go on the number of points, let's, let's call it votes. Um, and second rows don't tend to get too many votes in those sorts of um, situations. He's had some good games, Big Billy. I thought he played well last week. Um, and he, I say that because he was his running game was very good. He was very wide. In some cases, he's actually playing in the centres. 
uh, and he was causing damage. So he's going to test out those uh, those wide South Sydney players. The issue last week, um, well, he's had a couple of issues. One has been uh, his mistake level. I think last week maybe he only made one. It'd be lovely if he made none. Uh, the other issue, and again, he's got a knee or he's got a, a leg injury that does hamper his lateral movement. And we saw Jerome Hughes go past him quite a few times. I'm no doubt whatsoever that uh, Coach Bennett and his team would have noticed that. And uh, Cody Walker, I think, is going to try and terrorize Big Billy. Um the lock forward, I won't talk too much. Co-captain, as CEO, crucial to the team. We talked a lot about him earlier. Um, his running game, his passing game, his defense is of the highest quality. He leads from the front. And, uh, yeah, we've got him, uh, when I said earlier, he and Murray, they're both amazing lock forwards. They cancel each other out. But uh, they're going to be looking to the skill of Isaiah Yo uh, with his passing game. He can break the line, and his defense is pretty much impeccable. Uh, thanks, Graham. I think that's uh, the Penrith forward pack. I just want to ask you a quick question, Griffo. And I, and I know yeah, you won't want to labor the point on this, nor do the listeners want to hear too much about it, because I don't, I don't read too much into it. But given the fact that last week, Penrith missed 48 tackles. It has to be something we 55. have to bring up. 55 was what oh, okay. Yeah. I got I've got the NRL stats okay. up. They got 48, so I'll right. go with 55 um, Look, either 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 um it's a lot. It's a lot and it's uncharacteristic for Penrith and my main question is is that a concern going into a grand final? And you mentioned, I mean, obviously, Apisar Coruscant, he made about, I don't, know, I don't have the stats in front of me for him. I think he would have made, off the top of my head, close to 50 tackles, and he would have been lucky to have missed three or four tackles. Is that something, as a Panthers fan, that you're really concerned about the defensive side of things with the amount of missed tackles against the Storm? Or is it more a case of, well, we made the ones that count and we saved some tries. Um, whenever you see a statistic like that, Graham, it does raise the eyebrows a little. Um, the statistic that, that I guess, um, brings those eyebrows down to a normal level is the fact that they conceded one try from a kick. Um, yeah, they did miss a lot of tackles, but the they covered, they covered. Um, and some of those, uh, the cover was for tackles that were missed. And, and as I said, Melbourne didn't, didn't run a try in. There was only that one try from a kick. Um, there's been other games this year where Penrith have had these huge missed tackle counts, individual missed tackles, yet they're still statistically the best defensive side in the league um, conceding, you know, whatever it is, 10, 11 points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of blew out a little bit. I think Melbourne put a big score on them in the thirties, one game when Penrith were down on, on talent, but, and the Tigers similarly, I think they scored in high twenties 
uh, when there was no Origin players there. So, um, Penrith scramble well, don't they? Griff? They do that. Yeah. They, they, they make do... the, the the tackles at the right end of the field and at the right time. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to see them missing forty eight tackles. But the bottom line is, if they win the game, I don't care how many tackles they <laughs> they miss. And and you put that in perspective there in the sense that you know a, a tackle made on halfway is very different to a tackle made a meter out saving a try, and the, their forward pack has a lot of strike in it. Uh, for South Sydney, um, sorry sorry, um, Graham, just before we move on, interestingly, I think one player that contributes both to the missed tackles and then the scramble is actually Kurt Capel. <laughs> He, he, he tends to, he tends to miss a few tackles, especially in that middle uh, part of the field. Make but up geez, when you, when he scrambles, he he has some crackers that he, he saves tries with. Like I think, uh, I think that's a that's an unsung matchup. Him and I'd him agree and there. in that second row yeah, there. Yep, yep. Um, like Capewell, yeah, like he might miss a bit in the middle of the field, but he, his scramble defense is is almost second to none. Yep. And, and look, looking at the South Sydney forward pack in comparison, um, but one of our favourites at number eight at prop, um, Mark Nichols, Griffo. Smashing. <laughs> yeah, so he is smashing, um, and it's a great effort for him to be starting prop. He's there with Tavita Tavola, uh, Tatola, I should say. Um, Damien Cook at hooker. The back row is... Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a classy one. You've got Kaloma Tangi, Sua, and Murray Shano. Um, mm-hmm. really some of these players and it'll be more apparent for our fans that haven't been closing South Sydney, haven't been following South Sydney as closely as we have, it'll be more apparent for them when we go through the interchange, just how, um, how potent this forward pack is and just how much hard work has been rewarded with guys like Nichols being starting at prop and Jaden Sewer, he was a bloke a few weeks ago who you were calling for, who, um, couldn't make the starting team and had to prove his worth. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, Bennett. Bennett's been playing with this Ford pack for about three quarters of the year, and about maybe four weeks ago, was sold on what he wanted, and and it's worked. Um, he's got a mix of of power, speed, and talent. Um, I, I, look, I, I'll go through. The one by one quickly. Nichols, I think Nichols is is a fantastic player. He makes plenty of meters. He's had a breakout season, um, as being as old as he is. He he plays a very simple. He's your he's your meat and two veg player. He plays a very simple game based on the fact just follow the ball wherever the ball is. You need to be. He scrambles well. Like the thing with Nichols that you. The thing that with Nichols is where people go, oh, well, what did he do? No, how many metres? Okay, he forced two dropouts by the fact he was the guy there, first tackler there. Now, that's the kind of guy Nichols is. When, when Reynolds puts the ball through, he's the guy that's chasing. My, my only thing with Nichols is close to the line, inside shoulder, uh, you know, it can be found wanting. Like, you know... He can leave the gap there, but but he's gotten a lot better at that. But it's still a it's still a contentious point. Um, when we look at Tatola, I think Tatola is one of the will be one of the best props in in the competition unless unless something goes significantly awry for him. He is a fantastic player. He was hampered by injury, 
Uh, that injury has slowed him up a little bit. He's not the same player he was pre-injury. Pre-injury, he had a lot of footwork at the line. Where Mark Nichols is, is this run, hit the line, and go through. Um, to toll is a bit more out of the Roy Asatasi mold, where it's footwork at the line. Um, but that slowed him down a little bit. He's he's adapted his play to to, to really move on the 45. Um it does that make him another second rower? Maybe, maybe not. But when he wants to, he can produce meters. He's a good defender. Um, look, sometimes he just wants to do too much. If I've got a, if I've got a, a weakness for him, he'll try and push the pass when maybe it's not there. Uh, Damien Cook. Damien Cook is 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 one of the one of the best hookers in the game. He's outstanding. His speed is phenomenal. That's what South Sydney need. Um, I'll go through a con first. His biggest con is he's often found wanting in massive games. Where South Sydney have needed him to make the grand final, he's just not there. He's cracked it through to a grand final. He defends a lot. His defense is outstanding. Um, His tackle efficiency is over 95%. Running out of dummy half, I think he finished the competition in first. I'm not too sure if meters out of dummy half. He he can really put it on when he wants to. He's one of the quickest. Look, he's one of the quickest players on the field. And when he finds a gap, it's very hard to um, stop him. Secondly, when someone else runs away, he's the first guy there to tackle. Um, it's just, is he going to be there in the big game? That's the big thing for South Sydney fans. Jaden Sue, I was calling for his um, his inclusion. I think the biggest with, problem with Jaden Sue is if he wants to play, he's there. If he's found wanting or he just doesn't want to be, all of a sudden it's over. He's got very good. He's got a very good running game. He's he's, he's a very good defender. He can get on the outside of the player. He doesn't have the hands that the second rower probably should have. You know, he's not a classic passer of the ball. South Sydney second rowers in years gone by are people who have had that position like your John Sutton and your um, Sam Burgess. They've, they've passed the ball and they've passed the ball sublimely. He probably just doesn't have that offload in him. Um, it's a bit clunky, but where he makes up for is in pure running speed and his defence is sound. He's, he's a hard hitter. Colin Matangi is far different. Growing up through the ranks, Colin Matangi's passing game was was outstanding, and it is. He can really throw a ball better than or better than most in that position. With Colin Matangi, sometimes he's still finding how to read defence. He's still very new at that. He's very green at reading the defence, um, and therefore um, that's where the gaps can be made. I reckon a lot of video work would have been done by Penrith on Colin Matangi and Isaiah Yo getting through and vice versa. I reckon uh, Colin Matangi would be watching a lot of Isaiah Yo saying, how do I shore this up? Um, he, he runs very hard. He's a very good footworks. He's got very good footwork at the line and he does have a passing game. So, 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 you know, he, he, he's someone who just needs time uh, in three or four years time. He'll be one of the greats uh, in our game in the Ford pack. Um, hopefully he's at South Sydney. Cameron Murray, what do I say? We've said it all before. He's on par. No, to say he's on par with Isaiah Yo, I think's enough. Um, 
Cameron Murray's defense is phenomenal in the middle. He what he does in the middle, he can pass the ball. Uh, him and Colin Matangi won ten junior competitions together at South Sydney. Um, it's in the South Sydney Juniors. I think that's the familiarity that's helping those two players that they've played together for so long that that they know where each other's going to be. Look, if Cameron Murray's got one deficiency, he does too much. He just tries to do everything and, and, he, and he's gassed. And then something's got to give, either in attack where you want him to do the quick play the ball, it doesn't happen, or in defence, Look, he doesn't miss tackles, but but occasionally it can hurt because he's just so gassed. He is the best in the league at getting up and playing the ball, and that's what makes Cam. That's what makes Cookie's job so much easier. He doesn't have like Yo. He he might have one chink in the armor, and that's about it. But 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 Cameron Murray is outstanding, and when South Sydney don't have Cameron Murray, they're not that great. That just goes to show how good a player he is. He he really puts everything on the line. I, I think I think that when you look at the pros and cons of each forward pack, it, it's fairly well balanced. The thing is with with Penrith, they are just so good at what they do. And South Sydney, um, South Sydney are very flamboyant. It's going to be a good forward battle, Ray. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. And look, I know we've got our allegiance since then, but um, look, how would you split these forward packs? Because really, it's going to be amazing going forward in this game. And um, there's some talent up front for both teams. Yeah, it's it's, it's a really tough one to split. I think uh, Shane made a really good point of it when discussing Sua, and Griff's sort of alluded to it with Kickout as well. It just depends on how they go at the beginning of the game and which which Villy Army kicker shows up to play. Um, I think a couple of years ago, Penrith were really reliant on kick-out for pretty much all of their attack. No, and that's got, going yeah, back a few years, yeah. Yeah, and they've got a lot more options since. They've developed a lot of the way since. And so we probably haven't seen kick-out quite at that damaging level because there's been more options. But if that kick-out shows up to play, he, he can you know break the game open on his own. Um, but he has been found wanting on occasion with a few errors and a, a few brain snaps here or there. Uh, similarly to what Shane said with Sua, um, if he shows up at his very best, he can be as damaging as anyone on the field, um, but he can also have some some lapses there. The locks, you know what you're getting. Uh, we discussed them in detail, Yo and Murray before. Um, similarly, the the number nine position of Coruscant and Cook, that's a, I mean, really, those are your, your, your two blues, um, number nines. Uh, it's, it's not a bad matchup to have. So, again, looking at the overall package, I'd personally think a slight edge towards Penrith, but I also thought that two weeks ago or three weeks ago when, when South beat them. So uh, it's one for me that I think Penrith are slightly ahead in, in their lineup. Um, but, again, it can come right down to the wire. Yeah, and, and the important thing too is as you, you go into the game, we know how important it's been when you get to, say, that 25, 30-minute mark have quality players coming off the bench as a South Sydney fan something we've prided ourselves on and Griffo the the Penrith bench is is it's phenomenal really in a sense that you've got players like you know Lee Neil Martin there 
We know Tyron May, he's been one of those players that's been in the squad all year. And Scott Sorensen, um, look, realistically, I've got to give him a lot of credit. I thought he was done a couple of weeks ago mm. when he got that injury. Yeah. Um, earlier on, mentioned Isaiah Papali'i for Parramatta being a bargain basement buy and, and you know being the best second row of the year. Well, Scott Sorensen hasn't been the best second row of the year, but I tell you what, he's up there for, for bargain basement buys. He's been phenomenal since he came into the side, probably about round six or seven, um, maybe even slightly later than that. But he's been consistent. Um, I mentioned the chase that he put on last week to round up Jerome Hughes. Um, uh, he's been fantastic. Um I'd be surprised if Liam Martin doesn't start. Um, we've seen it for the last few games that Kikau, even if he's listed to start, has come off the bench uh, with Martin starting. Um, I think that's a better fit, to be honest, for Penrith. Uh, it seems to have worked reasonably well. Um, Spencer Lanou, I thought he was damaging in the, I think it was 11 minutes that he was on the ground he never seems to get a lot of game time um but he's going to be needed um and i think maybe more needed because i just think there's a few penrith forwards who have carrying injuries and i think uh, spence is going to have to see more game time he's a devastating runner um he can make an error and uh yeah but I just think uh, I want to see the best of Spencer and I want to see it for more than 11 minutes. But I thought his impact last week was fantastic uh, when he did come on. Um, and Tyrone May, he's clearly still hampered by that knee injury. Um, he's he's missed a, you know, a number of games because of injury. Uh, I think he's a better option at 14 than, you know, Mitch Kenny was doing the job for a while. Um, but I think May's got the skill. I like what, the way he defends. He goes low, Tyrone May. He doesn't tend, tend to miss too many tackles unless he's caught wide, like we saw in the grand final last year, because uh, the big downfall of Tyrone May's game is, is his lack of pace. Uh, and again, in that uh, chase of Jerome Hughes last week, um, he was almost going backwards. Granted that he's obviously still affected by injury, but I think he's a decent defender in the front line um, as long as he's not playing too wide because he's going around him. Um, but he's got a key role to play in case uh, something happens to Appy and, and Appy's got to go off. He'll be the dummy half. He can cover um, He can cover the, uh, the halves if required. Uh, just gives him more options off the bench. Um, so, uh, you know, I just want to shout out to Tavita Pangai Jr., who unfortunately uh, is missing this game. I thought he, he got under the skin of Melbourne last week, and I thought he would have been crucial in the grand final um, in the heat of battle with guys like Sua and uh, Jai Arrow, who like to get under the skin of the opposition. Um, I thought Pangai's aggression last week, pretty much controlled aggression, played a big part in, in Penrith's uh, early dominance. Um, and uh, he's a big loss, a big loss, I think, 
uh, that guy coming off the bench um, can be quite, or, or indeed starting as he did last week. Um, he's in great form and, and will be missed. Yeah, it, it's one of those players who coming in at the back end of the year has been um, very beneficial for Penrith. I think we'll all agree for the 120000 Is that about right, guys? So um, yeah, money well spent having uh, Pengai Jr. there. Shano, for the Rabbitohs, looking at their bench, it's something that they've prided themselves on this year, having a really strong bench. And one of those players who... Look, realistically, was thrown a lifeline in a sense was Benji Marshall. Um, mm-hmm. I think Wayne Bennett was the only person who mentioned that he could be retiring after this game. It's a good way out. It was news to Benji. Um, he's actually breaking the record for the um, the longest time between grand final appearances. Two thousand five. The last person to do that was um, Lottie Dakiri. It was Lottie Dakiri, two thousand to two thousand and fourteen. Was uh, obviously the fourteen years. Playing Benji Marshall has gone 05 to uh, twenty twenty one. So he's pipped in by a year. We're looking at sixteen years. The gap for Benji Marshall. He's going to be a big part of this South Sydney team going forward. Um, yeah. Another another player who I think who has flown under the radar, who's been instrumental for South, has been Jacob Host, uh, yeah. Thomas Burgess, and Jai Arrow, As we know, they're top class forwards, and it is no coincidence that they are both on the bench and that has been a tactic from Wayne Bennett to have some mm. real talent come on after that 20, 25 minute uh, moment yeah. when uh, players are getting forward. This bench for South Sydney, uh, I think you'll agree, it's um, it's pretty strong. 100%. Can I just, um, also, just before I talk about South, I just want to give a shout out. Griffo mentioned him, uh, Scott Sorensen. He was close to my man of the match last week. And to be on the bench, that just goes to show where they're at. Look, South Sydney, um, let's talk about that team. The thing I love about South Sydney is they've been 1-17 to 17 since Latrell got injured, uh, injured, suspended. Since Latrell got suspended, South have been 1-17 to 17 pretty much every week. And, and this 17, this bench really knows their role. In teams, when you're on the bench... It means you can't crack the starting lineup. That's not the way for Bennett. This team knows their role when they're on the bench. The bench is a pivotal role for them that they play um, and they play a very, very important part in this side. Benji Marshall comes on and he just injects this enthusiasm that you don't often see in most sides. Look, he's got his flaws. He's, he's, you know, look how old he is, but but he, he really does inject inject something into the side where he, he he allows the play to flow. He's this extra player that all of a sudden you're going to put a hole in the defensive line because if he wants to run, he can run. Jacob Host is one of the unsung heroes of this side. He's meter eaterage. The way he plays, you know, he, he's, he's, he's tackling. His average run meters, you know, like... I think if there's one, he's got a very high tackle efficiency. If there's one chink in the armor, he's got to make about 15 meters more a game. He probably makes about 75 a game, where I think if he could get up to the 95 where he's at, that would be helpful. Tom Burgess, there's nothing more to say. He's out of the shadow of his brothers. Yep. 
he he his average run meters is 144 a game. Like this guy can run. He he has a very good tackle efficiency. Look, his last name Burgess, so his hands are the issue. Jai Arrow is deceptive in what he does. He's 120 run meters this year. He just he just plays out and out football. He's got extreme skill coming off the bench. His defense is exceptional. Uh, he's got a tackle efficiency of 94. He, well, something that people don't realize, he's actually really good at offloads. Um, he can score tries. He scored a couple already this year. He's there or thereabouts. He likes taking the line on. For me, Jai Arrow, I'd like to see him offload more. I'd love to see him develop. Like I'd love to see him on the weekend run to the line and pass the ball to Cameron Murray. And then Cameron Murray does that. And then all of a sudden the defense jams. And that's when South Sydney's um, centers and wingers come into effect. And Cody Walker can find space. If he can just run at the line, pass the ball and jam that defense, that would be brilliant. That's something it's probably doesn't do a lot, but, but he is as hard as they come. And, and I think the South Sydney, the South Sydney bench, at the start of the year, if you said this is the bench, you would have gone, what? Arrow doesn't perform. Benji's still there. What's happened to Burgess? Jacob Host? No, nah, they've got their roles with Bennett. And, uh, you know, in Bennett, we trust. Uh, he fully understands them. A lot of this comes on the back of their 50-point trouncing twice where Bennett had to change defensive structures this is about changing their defensive structures. The, the, what you see here on the bench is changing those defensive structures is so that they, these are key defenders that can come on and tackle when others are tired. It's a very bold and smart move that over the past six weeks has worked, right? Yeah, it's, it's 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 a really strong bench. And look, you know, you know my allegiance. I, I love... Um... I love this bench and I love what they do through the middle part of the game. It'd be interesting to see Dan's thoughts, especially considering, um, you know, the impact of, of someone like Benji Marshall. We talked about the fact that he's breaking that record for the longest stint between uh, premierships. How much of an impact do you think it's going to have, Dan? The fact that he knows that he was a youngster and he won 05 and they're bloody hard to get to, let alone win. Do you think that's going to have an influence off the bench's experience and uh, input into the South Sydney team? Graham, were you, were you still in high school last time Benji Marshall played the grand final? I was, uh, yeah, I just I was in uh, year 12, 05. That was my final year of high school. Studying for the HSC while Benji's uh, lighting it up for the Tigers, flowing the, throwing the flick pass yeah. back inside? Yeah, sure, studying. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll say that. Um, yeah, look, the the bench matchups here are... Uh, I actually think Souths are slightly ahead uh, with someone like Jai Arrow on the bench and, and Tom Burgess. Marshall is, he's been a phenomenal signing this year. Um, you know, we talked about some of the other signings that clubs have picked up, uh, Isaiah Papali, um, Scott Sorensen. I think Marshall's probably been one of the pick of the bunch in terms of that. He's, you can put him anywhere on the park. He's, he's done a really good job at, at coming in to, to fill that utility role. And he's got the experience there that, He's not going to be flustered by the occasion. Um, he's not going to be overawed by by a grand final. 
Um, he, he's played at you know the highest levels of the game, and I just think he he can provide that spark off the bench that I don't necessarily know that the Panthers have off the bench. Um, Tyro May is not quite the player he was a couple of years ago. Um, I think pressure has gotten to him in sometimes. I think he was maybe. I, I think he was scapegoated a little bit for the grand final last year. I think he was a bit of deer in the headlights. I think he was thrown into a difficult position uh, for that grand final. So he'll be better for that experience. Um, but if I look at the, the bench and think, you know, who's a match winner here on the bench, I think bringing Benji on, you know, about the, the 60th minute, you know, 65th minute, just to, to shake something up if they're needed, um, he can really provide that spark. And I think, you know, Wayne of all people would know how to best utilise him. Um, and uh, Shane mentioned Jai Arrow. Having Jai on the bench isn't, you know, as an origin caliber player coming off your bench, that's, that's pretty handy to have. Yeah, no, there's some talent across both teams. Look, let's cut to the chase, fellas. We've been talking for over four hours now. Um, if you're still with us, listeners, you're absolute freaks, you're legends. Like we a love series. your support. The grand final preview show, the 100th show, should be like a series, like a mini series. Oh, fair <laughs> dinkum, mate. It's. Uh, it's it, it it's like home and away. It's got more episodes than people care to uh to, to, to watch in the off season. <laughs> and look, and we'll be back next week. But uh, look, before we head off the air, fellas, um, look, I know some of this might be predictable. I'll go to the old faithful first. Tip this week, Shano. Uh yeah. Well, look, I'll I'll be honest. And with the you. score. My, okay. Yes. Um. <sighs> My heart says South Sydney, and at the start of the week, my head said Penrith. As the week goes on, my head is coming more and more around that South Sydney are the form team at the moment to win this competition. Um, to add to the pageantry of it, Isaac Luke has just been named as the South oh. Sydney to to ring the um, to ring the foundation bell. That's huge. Uh, that's and that's huge for South Sydney. Look, for, for any other fans of the competition, they'd have no idea what it's about. For us and to look at Bully that's big. doing that on finding it hard not to get emotional, I think that's a fantastic choice, hand-picked by Russ. Yeah. Um, that that foundation bell means a lot. And when you saw it rung in our last grand final, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I think South Sydney will win 22-18. That, that, that bell, for those that don't know, um, in my lifetime, I've seen it ring twice. And on Sunday, it'll be the third time. Yeah. That, that bell was rung before the first ever premiership game in 1908 between South Sydney and the Roosters. Um, I, I first became aware of it because it was rung in 2002 where South when South Sydney oh, were are. first admitted back into the competition. Reinstatement, that was yep. garbage time for all. And Russell Crowe bought that bell, and he said the, the next time this bell would ring, and the only time it would ring was when South Sydney made a grand final, and Bob McCarthy rang it before the, the 2014 grand final. And for um, Isaac Luke to ring that bell before the grand final this week is massive for Bully. That's 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 huge because he's um yeah, missing that grand final must have been massive for him. Anyway, back to the point. Um I don't think people need to guess too much who I'm gonna pick. Uh it'll be close. My, my heart's bigger than my head and uh being someone who studied anatomy that's a bit of a health concern. But um 
Yeah, I've got South Sydney 19-6, Griffo. Okay, well, um, I'll, I'll be honest and say that when these guys played in uh, in week one of the finals, I, I didn't entertain anything but a Penrith victory in that game based on, you know, what we'd seen previously and the fact that, you know, they had the rookie uh, in at fullback for Luttrell. I just couldn't see Penrith losing that game. And and I was staggered um, that they did. I mean, I saw the writing was on the wall well before full time. But, um, you know, that was a massive change to the whole natural progression that was expected in the final series. Uh, it was just expected that Penrith would beat South and go through to week three and um, Melbourne would beat Manly and go through to week three. And then more than likely that Melbourne and, uh, the, and the Panthers would, would fight it out again on grand final day. Um, South just threw that, up in the air and uh, changed everything. Um, so I see this as a 50-50 game. Um, as I saw the Parramatta-Penrith game a few weeks ago, I said it about the South Manly game last week. Well, I was obviously quite wrong about that. Um, South blew the Eagles off the park. Um, I thought Penrith were Gorskis once... Uh, you know, I thought, well, they'll do well to beat Para, um, which they just got over the top of Para, and I gave them no chance. Well, no, I can't say no chance. I gave them a slim chance against Melbourne. I tipped them from the heart, not from the head. <laughs> um, they, it won. It was a good game, Griff. Yeah, yeah look, um, it, it was. They've they've taken part in two of the the best games of the year in the last two weeks, Penrith. They've taken part in three of the toughest games of the year, three weeks in a row. Um, does that come back to bite them on the backside? Well, I guess at about the 75th minute, we might know the answer to that question. Um, I, I uh, As I said, I, I, I couldn't see South winning in week one of the finals, and I was absolutely wrong about that. This is... A, this is a, on the edge of a knife this game. I'm going to go with my heart, obviously. Um, my head can't really split the teams. It's a bit like Isaiah Yo and Cameron Murray. Um, split decision. Um, I think one thing in Penrith's favour is the experience that they have in grand finals because most of these guys were there last year. Yeah. Um, so they've they've got grand final experience over Souths, but Souths have got more experience. Can we can we can we can we cut to the chase here? Like when we say grand final experience, they played last year. Most of the kids are pretty young. Is that stat relevant? Well, I think they played is. in one. Yeah, I think it is. I think they've been there. We'll find Big out game Sunday. Whether that's that's just, something just, relevant. Just, just, just curious because they played last year and they failed. Is is one game last year being a young bloke giving you the same experience that say we've got your Benji Marshall, your Cody Walker, your Adam Reynolds, your Tom oh. Burgess that have played 
you know, hundreds of NRL games. Where do you guys think that that stat sits in comparison? Look, you I, know, I'll let Shane go and then I'll. I'll... No, no, I was just going to say it's it's funny. Like Brandy's been the one sort of like you got to lose one to win one. Uh, I like the comment. I don't know who said it. That said, well, that's that's Penrith. You know, Penrith. That's the way. I, look, I I think that nothing nothing hurts more than losing a game like that. And if you can channel that, that's that's something within yourself that's special. That's where that comes from. Big game experience. There's a lot of players in both sides that play big games. But if you can channel what you felt and turn that into a performance, you can't replicate that. In saying that, there's a lot of people who have won grand finals without playing in one. But yeah, it's it's. I think you know to answer your question, Gray, and I, I thought, you know, having been there before. The, the occasion and the game, you know your process already. You're not second-guessing it. That's got to count for something, I think, Griff. I think so. And I think that's been borne out in the last two weeks, um, that that experience that, that the great majority of these Panthers had uh, last year has benefited them in these massive games at the end of the season. Um, Souths have a few players who've got grand final experience. Paul. Um, they've got a lot of players, as you say, Graham, who've got big game experience. But um, and they're, they're more experienced in general. But I just I think one of the, the factors in, in why I'm tipping Penrith is because they lost last year and I don't believe in this, you've got to lose one to win one. I think that's a lot of crap. Um, uh, but I think that experience will benefit them. The fact that they, they've been in that situation 12 months ago and right from pretty much the moment that the, the siren sounded last year, they focused on 12 months later changing the situation. Um, I'm going to go with Penrith. I'm going to go uh, for, for a historical uh, scoreline. Uh, the scoreline that uh, 30 years ago was 1912 in the grand final. I'm going to run with that one uh, for this week, 1912. Now, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Dan, I'll let you have your say because we've heard from uh, people with uh, vested interest and uh, their hearts on the line here. Neutral fan. Outside of looking in, what are your thoughts on some of the comments that have been made over the past uh, 20 or so minutes looking at this game? Yeah, guys. Well, look, I, I would love to have had a vested interest this week. Uh, but <laughs> uh, unfortunately, took that away. So I get to watch it at the neutral and in some regards don't have the stress of the uh, 80 minutes or 80 minutes plus. Don't have that. Yeah. Um, so silver lining there. Look, uh, it reminds me of final series in the, in the past, like 2013, um, when Manly and Roosters played a you know a, a really grudge match in round one of the finals, then met back up in the grand final. I think a couple of years later you had Brisbane and, and North Queensland who met in week one of the finals, and then had a I mean probably the most classic grand final in recent memory uh, with that. And I'm I'm hoping that we get something similar. 
this week in terms of a, a real cr- close down out fight uh, for this. Um, I don't put too much. I put mixed amount of stock in what you guys are saying about grand final experience. Like I don't believe necessarily in the adage you have to lose one to win one, but I think it helps in the build up in the week approaching the grand final, having done that before. Um, because you know, if you think of the the twenty five rounds of the rugby league, you've got different media focus on different clubs every week. Whereas the grand final, it's just around your club. You have the Dally M's, you have all these media articles. So I think they're better for that experience, um, having that going into it. Uh, even though. Souths have been strong throughout the finals. Um, I'm going to balance the ledger here on Carpool Rugby League and I'm going to tip the Panthers uh, for this one. Um, Panthers haven't been their strongest through the finals, but I think winning those close matches um, does go a long way to, to providing a bit of steel and a bit of resilience. Um, just edging out Parramatta, um, having that close one against you know the, the hotly favoured Melbourne. I just think if it if the chips are down, Penrith know that they can grind out this win. Not to say that yeah. the Rabbitohs can't, but I think Penrith will have that confidence provided from that. Um, and so that's where I'll give them a slight edge. Uh, in terms of, I think I've, I've mentioned, I think Isaiah Yo will have a big match. I've, I've tipped him for my Clive Churchill. I think he'll have a, he'll be a massive contributor if Penrith had a win. Uh, the score I've picked, I've gone with uh, 36 to 16, um, just to balance out last week's score. Uh, from South Manly, so if it can uh, be similar, uh, Penrith uh, getting the edge there. But look, I just hope it's a, it's a, a good game to watch. Uh, I'm torn because uh, what it comes down to is, uh, interestingly, um, I've got two boys uh, myself. Uh, my younger son is a, is a very strong Panthers fan, and my oldest son uh, is a, a Rabbitohs fan, so someone can <laughs> the weekend. Um, nice. So I just try and think of uh, you know other people I know who support both teams, and Amazingly, last week during the uh, Manly South game, I got messages from about seven people I didn't realise were South fans until last week at about 70 minutes in. Then they all started messaging. So, uh, because they've they've annoyed me, I hope uh, that Penrith get up. But, um, <laughs> but but really, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to offend any uh, listeners no. south of the no. border. But um, being a Sydney club, winning the comp is it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. I mean, obviously, I'm tipping South. Um, yeah, uh, look, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, and everyone knows the people that have talked to me this week, um, I've, I've, I've talked a lot about this whole, you've played a grand final, you've got to win one to lose one, you know, and that's why I sort of threw that stat back at you there, Griffo, in a sense that, you know, 13 players have played a grand final, um, we've got a lot of young blokes that played last year and didn't get the job done, I mean, Edwards is 25, Toto's 23, Momorowski's 25, Burton's 21, Luai 24, Cleary 23, Leota 26, um, Coruscant 28, Fisher-Harris 25, Kickout 26, Capewell 28, Yo 26. The the eldest players in that team are the Origin player, Capewell, who's had some experience here and there. Apposite Coruscant has won a premiership, um, albeit circumstantial. And we talked about um, Isaac Luke before. The point I'm making here is they're a young team, and I know that Burton's moving on, but even some of the players that we don't necessarily associate with being young players are blokes like Fisher-Harris, Momorowski. They're still quite young. Even Leota at 26, you can see why they signed him long-term. They've got youth on their side. South Sydney, on the other hand, people would say that's an advantage for Penrith. South Sydney don't have youth on their side. They don't have that advantage. There's a few things that I want to talk about as to why I think 
souse more hungry and why years of starvation is going to make you want it more than having a crack recently and just missing out and feeling as though you've got enough time under your belt to go again. This game, for personal reasons, I know you guys are going to look into this, but for Adam Reynolds, this game's huge. Um, he's playing for his the only club he ever wanted to play for. He's won a premiership with them. His last ever game is a grand final with them. Cody Walker, this is his last chance to win a premiership. I, I don't care what anyone says. South aren't going to be as strong going forward. There are... Players in this team, and I looked at the media throughout the week, and I know people, and I even I was on the podcast earlier, and I had a laugh. I said, oh, Brian Toto's having a laugh, and Jerome Luai's having a laugh. Um, the moment I realized that South should be favorites for this competition was two days ago when Jer- Jerome Luai was on the TV, and they asked him about the grand final and the lead-up to the grand final, and his first reaction was, he, he mentioned comments, he said, I shouldn't have said what I said the other day, and he was referring to when he was knocked out. Uh, he goes, I'm all good. I uh, shouldn't have said that. All good. He goes, I've, you know, he goes, uh, he goes, I've copped worse off my old man. I'm not even going to touch that comment. Um, the other night at the Daly M's, we had Brian Toto having a laugh, which is great. Lovely. I sit down as a South fan. I watch it. I love to have a laugh. It's great. I look at the lead up and the uh the comments from the south sydney team i couldn't imagine any of those comments i've heard from penrith fan from penrith players throughout the week coming from a wayne bennett coach team they uh, would just think, not yeah, allow Graham, that I, I think now I think, no 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 let me finish because i want to i want to really push yeah, this I, I, because my yeah, other I, point i don't that think I it's make, fair i think you go down a line that's probably not too fair these kids what i'm going to say is they're kids and i think that They've been in a culture where they've won a lot. And I think deep down, they've got a lot more uh, opportunities left. I think Penrith will win another comp in the next 10 years, even if they win this year. South don't have that. And I think some of those older players at South know this is their shot. The other thing that really stood out for me was last week, I watched the videos of both teams after the game and the team songs that were sung. And I looked at, the, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage and the body mm. language and the, uh, the, the differences in the, the, the team sheds when South Sydney were, were singing their team song and when Penrith were. For Penrith, I have, to admit, was... I have to admit, I didn't watch the South Sydney team song after the match. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you would, Dan. <laughs> but the, the Penrith one, um, a lot of players standing individually, a couple of players... It, it it didn't look like it was a special occasion for them. I don't know if I'm looking into it too much. The South Sydney team were united. They they I, looked like it was a really big big thing for them. Oh, look, this is gonna I people think... are gonna go. Graham's Graham's one of those fuckwit South Sydney fans that think that their club <laughs> is more special than everyone else. I think that they're buying into how special this is. I think that South Sydney are looking at this game and knowing that they they have to dot all the I's, cross all the T's and protect each other. And I just yeah. I just see a difference I, in the two teams. You don't get this far without having camaraderie, regardless of the team. I think each team has a narrative. 
I think, you know, you can talk about narratives for South and you can talk about narratives for Penrith. How their system does things and how each system works is up to each system. If that's the way it's happened every week and that's the way the other teams have played every week, well, it's gotten them to a grand final. I think, I think what, you know, I think what's going to happen is it's rare that it's it's rare that the narrative comes through. Oh, this person, this team won because these group of players or this team, they won because on the day there was a piece of brilliance. You know, they talk about the Sharks grand final and the narrative around that. No, they won because David Fafita put his arm under the put his ball under the arm and said, I'm gonna to run to the line and I don't care who's gonna stop me. And he scored a try. I think, I think there's narratives for every club. I, I think it's unfair to say that one club's narrative is valued more than another club's. I'm, I not, think I'm that, not putting more value. I'm just saying that they're different. Yeah, I just, I just think that like... More mature... I'll tell you what, South are taking yeah. a more mature approach to it. But they're older. The other, yeah, I know. The <laughs> that's other that's one, the, I don't that's the thing. The I, I don't know if that wins. I don't know if that wins. The grand final wins. came easy for them. I hope it wins competitions, but, you know... I think I think the hardest games of this comp- of this of this final series have been played by Penrith. So the, so they've nothing's come easy to them. They've won a, they've won they've won they've lost they lost against South and then won two very intense games. It's it's I think that useful exuberance of saying, well, this is how I act. This is this is my shield. You know, I, I I'm not now I've got to get out into the public eye. Uh, and this is how I act in front of the public, whether you like it or not. It's, it's. I don't, I don't care. Like seriously, like Brian Toto oh, at the at the Daily M's was was a bit comical. I couldn't care less whether he did it or not. Like it didn't, it didn't make the night any more exciting, Compare and it didn't make that it any to more the boring. Interview that Cody yeah, Walker and Adam Reynolds I know, had. I know, it was I chalk know, and cheese. It was kids having a laugh. Yeah. And the other two are like, we have no other option but to is, win this the week. The problem is they, they don't, don't take have the, the desperation. Yeah, that's what game, I believe. They don't, they don't take the piss on the field. That's where the game's won. They do not take the piss on the field. And that's, and that's where South Sydney can get lulled into this false sense of security. Hmm. They're not going to take the piss on the field. You're not going to see the clowning, the clowns and whatnot. You're going to see people give a lot of banter on the field and South Sydney need to cope with that. They're not going to take the piss on the field. I think well, who they are off the field, I, no, they're clowns or whatnot, or they or they don't care. I've never seen a Penrith side run onto the field this year and not care. No, no you know, like that, like yeah. like, and I don't know, Griffo. If you want to chime, I, I spoke on behalf of Penrith there, and I probably shouldn't have, but but no, yeah, I don't I, disagree with anything you said. Uh, yeah, I've never seen them take the piss on the field. They can take the piss off the field all they want. Once they hit the ground, they're they're clinical. You they're know, in themselves. I mean, yeah, not being anything different to what they normally are. Right? No, and, and, and in some ways, I remember 2014 Spunny side that was a bit like that. Oh, not in no, no, they went they went fucking around at the Daily M's, mate. Yeah, because the, they didn't the get difference is, <laughs> yeah, a bit upset about the. <laughs> no, oh, no, I'm going to be honest with you. No, because this is the thing. We too, need to wind it up, Gray. We will wind it up, and I've had enough because I'm going to, I'm going to finish it here. I think the thing is here is um, 
my, the point I'm making, I think, got a bit skewed. That was that was that was a that was a little bit off top. What I'm basically saying is, I don't see as much desire for a team that 12 months ago um, had their heart broken. And for those that are on our podcast, I've got that you know with the inverted commas little hand thing. They had their heart broken for a team that had their heart broken. I haven't had this sense this week that it's do or die. From the Panthers. Graham, did you watch last Saturday's game? Yeah. Was there not desire there on the there field? There was. There was. But they That's missed. What, mate, they missed. What happens yeah, look, on the field? We'll, we'll no, watch I, what I happens think... on the field. But what I'm what I'm saying too is, the thing is, it's, and this is what I've been trying to tell you guys throughout years on this. I know the games are won on the field, but I think the week makes a bit of, the week impacts, hmm. and it has it has an impact. And if I, you know, if I was a fan, you know, obviously you go, yeah, you buy into it. You buy into whatever your team's doing. And we've got a different narrative. I'll let Dan have the final say because he's unbiased. I think the, the, I I get your point in that this is a serious match and that you, you, you you want them to, to be really focused, especially after last year, but they won 21 out of 24 games this year, right? They run and, and each week, this is how they would have approached their matches. You know, off the field, if you look at all their socials, yeah. if you look at the way they interact, a big part of their camaraderie is them joking around, having a laugh, you know, mucking around with each other. I actually would be more concerned as a Panthers fan if I saw them, you know, if I saw Brian Toto being super serious at the Dally. There was a change, yeah. And if I saw, you know, if I noticed, because that wouldn't worry me, like, what's different this week to the 21 weeks that they won games? You know, why they change? And I think actually maybe last year, they were overall by the occasion and probably gone to their own heads. I think this week they're trying yeah. to just treat it as a regular week of rugby league. They know they can grind out in a tough game. I don't think, I don't think they're taking the mickey of it. I think they're fully aware, and I think it will hurt them um, if they do lose uh, this week. I think they'll be, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy one. But I don't think they're taking this lightly. Um, it's a tough thing as a coach. You know, Ivan wouldn't want to change his processes with them, and, and try. You know, he's just going to want to say, look. There's another game in rugby league. We know we can win these matches. We beat Melbourne, and I, I do think they'll they'll beat South this week. But um, yeah, it could go either way. But um, that, that, that's my thought on it. Is I don't think that they're taking. Look, the either way, um, as you can hear, we've got some passionate fans. Not only of the NRL, we've got some passionate fans of Carpool Rugby League, and we can't wait until grand final this week. It's a huge episode. It was episode 100. Thanks, boys, for being a part of it. Um, really appreciate you having on, having you on board. It's been wonderful. Well done, Captain, and thanks to all the listeners. Uh, it's been an epic episode. It's massive. Thanks, boys. Thank you, everyone. Oh, this thanks, song. guys. Thanks Enjoy the grand final. Go rugby league. Yes. <laughs> thanks, listeners. Thanks, Peter.